And welcome back. It's now time for a generic video game podcast episode 5. That's right. You're once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside my illustrious co host, Shidoshi. So I'm kind of coming, like I, I was just telling Anthony, the fact that I'm coming into this podcast kind of blind because I have, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about on tonight's show,、um, which is exciting to me because, like, <laughs> I typically am the one who does like the show notes for a lot of the things I do, you know? So I don't usually get to just relax and, and come on. That's why I always like, that's why I'm always very excited to be a, a guest on, on, on other podcasts because, like, like for the podcast、uh, that you are involved in,、um, the、uh, whatever that generic,、uh, no,、uh, niche, no, that's mine too. No, <laughs> War, no, that's mine too. What was that podcast called? Oh, oh, double, double something, the, something. The double、games. plus. Video、That's、game、right. podcast. Yes. The Double Plus Good Games podcast. How, how horrible am I and out of the、you、loop am I that, that I have disrespected the show I took part in for a w h i l e Well, see, there was, a, there was like a one second like, Skype blip where I wasn't sure if I, you had missed that word or if I had missed you saying the word. How embarrassing. So, I wasn't going to call you out on it, but yeah, I'm going to call you out on it now. Yeah.、Yes. Um, but no, so like when, when I was a guest on that show, it was fun because I got to just show up and talk and. That was pretty cool. So, tonight I get to just show up and talk. Well, you know, before we get into the, the topics at hand this evening, and you open that can of worms, not myself, so now, you're,、uh, now you face the consequences.、Uh, you know, professionally,、uh, Double Plus、uh, has been hibernating.、Uh, I don't know if anything is truly. I wouldn't know anything about、uh, podcasts. Yeah, that I mean, all of your podcasts. I mean, one of the, the founding fathers on radio.morningproject.com,、oh, WAP,、uh, knows nothing about that. So, with that being said, and depending on my mood, if I'm not the Grinch, you know, for Double Plus fans, and I have had people ask about this gentleman in Neil Bauer, you never know. Maybe we'll extend、uh, an invite and have him on as a guest to interview. Oh, that would be the weirdest thing in the world. Wouldn't that be insanity? <laughs> Now, how, how I'm able to, and you know what? If he's listening, and I'm sure he'll listen to this, I have not discussed this with him, and this just popped into mind. There are some legitimate reasons as to why we could have him on,、uh, because he is still active in the industry,、uh, more on a business end. And,、uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, but to close out this piece, Neil's strengths, in my opinion, where he is strong versus many other people, comes in gaming's origins in the 70s. So I feel like that's an. So you're saying he's old, is what you're saying? Well, no. <laughs> I, that's what I heard. Yes. Uh, uh, old in number, but、uh, young at heart. So. So, there would be some valid reasons to have him on. And he's been involved with some big. I won't name names, but.、Uh, I'll be a little bit cryptic. He's been involved with big,、um, big nonprofit organizations as well as、uh, a beloved niche slash mainstream all in one note、uh, developer and publisher who has some classics that are being remastered and being brought back in the near future.、Uh, I won't get into specifics to who he's been in talks with and、uh, has some work potentially lined up, but there would be valid reason to have him on. 
So if, if, if we're ever going to talk about Drive Club, then we should, certainly can invite him. <laughs> I think that's the only game he plays at this point. <laughs> That will not. That will I swear not, that he like works for Sony or something. That would see his tweets. Yeah, that would not be a can of worms I'd want to open with him. <laughs> Although, I am now also an owner of Drive Club. Are you really? Yeah, I had. Uh, I had Best Buy match Amazon's insane deal recently, and I figured, you know what? When this game drops down at the right price, and it was thirty four ninety nine brand new, and to Drive Club's credit. They've been fixing a lot of their wrongs over the last 60 days. The game still isn't complete, though, because the the funny part is I, I played Drive Club before it actually came out. So I got to see pre-broken Drive Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, on all the menus, there was a bunch of stuff below the menus you're seeing right now that currently don't exist. Oh, really? So there's still a lot more to be implemented. Yeah, because there's like a bunch of... Like, it would actually list out the challenges and things like below the actual main menu. Well, I'll, I'll say this on the Drive Club note and to, to close this topic out quickly as well. One thing that I believe I haven't read in any reviews, including Neil's, uh, something that I've noticed in the short time I've spent with Drive Club, I see a lot... Of motor storm in it. I mean, that makes sense. Which makes sense because it's done by the same company. And I say that from the perspective of the just the way the cars look, the paint jobs, uh, the way the challenges are set up to earn other rewards and cars, the light damage system in there, the scrapes, and the way that comes off in game is strikingly similar to motor storm. And mm. also the 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 difficulty level, in my opinion is also very reminiscent of MotorStorm where it can be very unforgiving. Yeah, I, n- I never got much into MotorStorm. I mean, I- I've played it a few times, but I just wasn't really into it, so... Yeah. No. Here's a quick aside to Sony folks out there still with the PS3. Uh, there were three main iterations of MotorStorm. I own the first and third. The second one was also excellent, which had a jungle setting. Uh, if you've got like 20 bucks to spend, you can find it cheap. Uh, I do think they're worth your time, and I would even go as far as to say... While not filling the void exactly, I always kind of thought of it as last generation's road rash in a way. It's, it's, um, you know, it's really funny, like, like how gener- console generations will get a game and it'll be a really, really big thing and it'll be around for that entire generation and then it just kind of vanishes. Because, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know that motorcycles will be vanished, but I kind of feel like it, it, it might have vanished at this point. And then you have, um, uh, oh gosh, oh Burnout, another racing game. That's yes, just, that was hot at like, one time. That was super huge last generation. Now doesn't exist anymore. And you mentioned Road Rash, and Road Rash was really big for a while, and then that's just like completely gone. Right. So it's like funny like, how how things are like. It, there's these weird cycles where, like, just a series will be really really big, and then the company will just completely move on. I mean, like as you can say about Naughty Dog as well, you know. Because uh, they were what Jack and Daxter, Crash, Crash did? Bandicoot, and Crash Bandicoot, and they've not. T- I mean, Crash is an interesting situation because that's now owned by Universal. I think it is, but um, you know, they just like completely cut ties and they went to Uncharted, and then Uncharted was their thing for the entire generation until they got to The Last of Us. Right. So it's always interesting because, like, you know, it's 
it's it's weird because on one hand you kind of like wow i want to see that game come back you know and on the other hand you're you can kind of have some respect for a company that isn't just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again you know right but like like part of me is like you know what maybe assassin's creed could have been done now you know like we could have moved on to a new franchise Right. For the generation. And I think part of the reason for that yearning for whether it be Crash or Jack is because now they've let that series, you know, stay dormant and it makes you right. want it instead of giving right. it to you every 10, 11 months. Right. You know, Cause I, I think we're seeing, I mean, you're seeing um, not that we're super huge uh, into the Call of Duty scene on this podcast here, but, you know, you're, they're, they're saying that, that this is now like what the third Call of Duty that's gone down in sales compared to the previous versions. Oh, I didn't stay abreast on their sales this year for that. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the third version that's done this um, or third year or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, Assassin's Creed's having troubles now. I just, yeah, it's like I, I can't, I can't, you know, it, it's, it's so tough. I mean, I guess Call of Duty is a weird thing because Call of Duty to me almost is a, a sports game at this point. Right. You know, it, it's it's like I'm not paying I'm paying for like roster updates and I'm paying for new stadiums and stuff like that, you know, I guess, which is weird. Um but like Assassin's Creed, it's so hard. It's so hard to be emotionally invested in that series for me when there's just been so many of them. Right. And they're now like this yearly thing. Yeah, and and before we even get into the overview of this evening, which we've yet to do, um, the tell you a little bit of irony. Irony. The first Call of Duty I've ever paid money for out of my own pocket and purchased was this year's version, uh, Advanced Warfare. Yeah. So I always I always like more of the sci-fi near futuristic elements. That's kind of more my speed. Uh, I do think it's a beautiful game. Very very gorgeous looking game. I have not put ample amount of time into it. I've done a sliver of the single player. I've actually believe it or not done some multiplayer. So uh, I've done some of that. Uh, for what it is, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's that's why like I don't I I don't ever buy it. I mean, I don't ever buy it. Being the first time I buy it, um, <laughs> my interest is completely not in the single player. Like, I I would never buy a Call of Duty for single player. I would never buy a Halo for single player. You know, I just don't care. And if those if they didn't even exist in the game, I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I, I'll disagree with you a little bit on that. I think it's maybe the old school in me, but I always feel like with a product, even if it is an FPS, I do feel the the consumer deserves a good single-player experience alongside the multiplayer. I completely get where you're coming from, and I know a lot of that fan base feels the same, so I'm not arguing that element. But for myself, I feel like when you spend 60 bucks and they put a single-player campaign in there, uh, that it, it should have a good one. I, I think... I think the reason I feel this way, and, and I mean, I would actually argue that, you know what, just getting multiplayer and had it be like 40 bucks or something like that. But um, I think the reason I feel this way is because thinking back, like the first first-person shooters I really got into, I mean, I did play a little bit of Doom, but the first ones I really got into were were Quake and Unreal Tournament. Um, oh, so you're, Quake, ta- you're talking a huge Doom fan. Quake, I don't remember if there was a single player or not. And if there was, I never played it. I just... Because... I got into Quake because basically the entire game fan office was getting into Quake. Yeah, I'm assuming with like the land parties or just playing yeah. over. Yeah, and 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 that was when like I was convinced that I would never use mouse and keyboard, and everybody's like, "Oh no, you got to use mouse and keyboard. That's the only way to play." And I'm like, "I don't want to play Quake because there's no controller." You know? <laughs> and and once I tried mouse and keyboard, I understood. Right. And then 
Unreal Tournament, I I don't I feel like there was not a single player in that. Like I don't I don't know. The again, the Unreal series, Unreal One and Unreal, Unreal Two. Yes. But the tournament was player. all pretty much that was right. all multiplayer focused. Yeah, so so for me, like those were the two games that really whatever love for first person shooters I have, like those were the two games that did it. So like that's the kind of reason why I've just never cared about single player from that point on. Mm. I mean, said so I did play Doom and I played single player in that, but I did, it never really captured me. Whereas the kind of competitive nature of those two other games did. So I guess at this point, like I just don't, I don't care. Like I, I, I did play some of because last year was the first year I really tried Battlefield and Call of Duty both. Because um, it's getting to the point where, like I just can't avoid these games anymore. And I did play. I don't know if I played through the entirety of Battlefield or not. And I think I did play through the entirety of Call of Duty. And Call of Duty was definitely the better of the two, but it was still kind of a, well, I'm just doing this to get through it versus a, this is what I want from the game. So like I said, I would say, you know what? Charge me like 40 bucks. I mean, that's still high, but charge me 40 bucks, sell me the multiplayer only, and that's like all I would really need. I guess the, the big thing this year is Kevin Spacey. You want to see Kevin Spacey? And it is using a new, you know, it is using a new, uh, new visual engine, taking advantage of what is now current gen hardware. So you know, there are some uh, perks to the new version. It's not just a uh, spruced up version of PS3. I guess, to I PS4. guess, I just feel like I feel like I'm. I always know what Call of Duty single player is going to be. You know, it's going to be like feel like end of the world. Crazy things are going to happen. Cities are getting blown up. And I'm somehow surviving all of this, and I have to kind of come up out to be the hero in the end, you know? Like, I just feel like I I feel like I know... Like, I played Ghosts, you know, all the way through, and I feel like I'll probably have the same experience through every other game single player. I, I will throw a little bit of a hook here for everyone. I will say this. While I have not completed the Call of Duty single-player campaign, it is safe to say, and I have played uh, Halo Master Chief Collection, which doesn't count because it's all rehashed. I've played the new uh, COD... I've played uh, Destiny. Do you know what I will give first-person single-player experience to this year? You're not going to say Destiny, are you? Oh, no. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> Hell say. no. Because there really isn't much of a single-player there. And I, I don't even want to get into that can of worms, but that is not the correct answer. You ready? Sure. Wolfenstein and New Order. No, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. Which doesn't have any multiplayer. Yeah, and once you get past the first main, the first one or two missions, let's let's throw that asterisk in there. Once you get out of that, the game really gets good. So that's that's one to think about. No, that makes all sense. Yeah. Now, bringing it back. So so so, oh, so, so now that now that all of our listeners have <laughs> totally shut this podcast off, <laughs> it's now the FPS network on Radio yes. Morning Project. Yes. I've completely ruined. Uh, yes. The network I've succeeded. So back on track here for this evening. Uh, we want to welcome everyone back. Thank you for tuning in to the latest generic video game podcast. This time it's episode five. Uh, this evening, maybe not any one particular topic, but I will say, as we all know, gaming-wise, fourth quarter stereotypically is packed with new games, new releases. We are now towards the tail end of December. All of your hot games have now pretty much released. But December was packed gaming-wise with news. And uh, I'm just going to kind of do a little overview of what's been going on. 
maybe let Shidoshi pick uh, here and there where he, you know, where to start. Destination PlayStation, Capcom Cup, everything mm. from exclusivity on Street Fighter V to watching extended real-time demos of Uncharted 4, the amiibo craze that has taken over the uh, the net mm. and social networking, uh, as well as a surprise announcement of Steinsgate coming to Vita and PS3 mm. in 2015. That's just a few... Uh, a tip of the iceberg, so to speak, as to what's all gone down in the last 30 days, approximately, since we've last recorded. I mean, I, I think I, I think we have to start with Street Fighter because um, that like I'm I'm curious to see what your reaction to that was, because that to me was shocking. I mean, it's not shocking, but it's shocking because, you know, if you ever like, I mean, you know, I remember when uh, at E3, when it was announced that Rise of the Tomb Raider was going to be exclusive for a short time for the Xbox One, that was shocking to me. Like, that was, like, one of the biggest kind of, oh, my God, this 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 big third-party franchise is going exclusive for, for a while. Like, not completely, but exclusive right. for a while. That, that was still very, very surprising to so many people out there. Uh, but now we have... Uh, what I I think you would say it's still the biggest fighting game franchise out there um, goes exclusive or not necessarily goes exclusive because well, let's be fair it is going to be on the PC as well and which they've also noted I believe there's going to be cross play as well which yes, seems shocking which is which is huge uh, which, which which I think only happens because they go Sony you know I don't think Microsoft allows that even though PC is Microsoft is still a weird thing. Um, so yeah, so and I, I guess saying it goes exclusive isn't the proper term here. It's is not coming to Xbox One. There's a, yeah, I have a lot of feelings on this. To answer your initial question, you asked me kind of how I felt, and you were shocked. Uh, yes, I was shocked. Uh, it must be noted that also there was that unfortunate leak, which kind of killed the suspense prior to the PlayStation experience. Well, let's say let's say leak being Capcom uploaded their video early. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming I don't know who that was, but uh, I don't know if that person's on the unemployment line or yeah. You know, almost ironically, a repeat of what happened in a way with Tekken Seven's unveiling in the spring, where AOL or what what have you ran that article or update before the announcement at Evo. But with that being said. Um, you know, it's it's so tough to get truly excited about an exclusive these days because you don't know what that entails. Is it timed or what have you? Now, no, Ono. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say Ono did say you will. This will never. This will be exclusive. The PlayStation Four, the only console Street Fighter Five comes out on. So he did go on record saying that. And I mean the argument there, yeah. So and yes. I think I know so, what you're going to say probably what I'm leading into. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Then. Now I can be a butt face. Does that mean Street Fighter Five is truly on PS4? Okay, I'll buy that. But does that mean Street Fighter Five Championship Edition goes right. multi-platform? <laughs> so I don't know. But now I think another thing that would add even more strength and validity to this is. Is Sony helping with funding? Um, you know, are they in bed, so to speak, with Capcom on this title? It's certainly a great 
hiccup for Sony. I'm proud that they actually, I'm proud that they potentially opened their wallet for something because recently on a recent recording we did, or maybe I said it on Twitter, I get confused. I said, you know, at some point Sony has to open their wallet because we've seen stuff like Tomb Raider. Uh, right. We've seen Microsoft pick up um, Minecraft. Uh, the list goes on and on. There's, um, you know, Nintendo got Wonderful 101. They got Bayonetta. And I'm just like, well, when is Sony going to get in on this? Because they have dominance right now. And it's like, don't don't take it for granted and, like, sleep on it now that you have this big lead. But, yeah, Street Fighter Five, Sony, that is huge. Well, I, I mean, and this is the part of the problem with this is, is um, it's one of those things where, like, okay, did I, did I hear this being completely validated or is it just I like, just read talk on the internet? Um, I mean, my, my belief as of this point is Sony is absolutely helping with development and that's kind of the reason why this game is, is going, uh, you know, is being even being made and part of the one of the things that kind of points to that is that at Capcom Cup, which I was at, they announced that for next year's prize pool, because this year is worth $50,000 total, uh, you know, across all placements and, and prizes and whatever, um, next year, thanks to Sony, specifically they said thanks to Sony, the prize pool is $500,000. That is absolutely unbelievable. Which, which first of all, yeah, that's like crazy money. Uh and that's that's a big boost to Capcom Cup and I think fighting games period. But I, I I mean I think it only makes logical sense that the reason Sony puts that money out towards Capcom Cup is because they are helping to fund this game, and they want to get promotion of Street Fighter Five or Street Fighter in general out there as much as possible. I mean because Street Fighter Five won't be next year, you know. So I I think it is they are trying to lay the groundwork for making the transition into Street Fighter V to be a big deal. Now, let me ask you this. That's a good point. I'm glad you bring it up. So that means for Capcom Cup 2015, does that mean that, that half-million-dollar prize pool is coming down to Ultra Street Fighter IV? That's, I mean, that's my, that's my belief because um, Capcom Cup, from my understanding this year, was only Street Fighter, Street Fighter IV. Okay. I mean, and that... They, Keep going. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying they aren't going to have Street Fighter Five for next year, right? Um, unless it's just kind of like just promotional stuff. So I would have to assume that's going to be based on Ultra still. Now this is kind yeah. of amazing because now let's let's uh, kind of take ourselves out of what we do, uh, you know, podcasting and 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 you working for a publication, all that. Let's say you're a pro FGC player, and you may have some sponsorships, and obviously you're going to make your rounds on the circuit. Um, you know, uh, whether it be Seasons Beatings or Evo or, you know, the, the plethora of other events that take place these days. Correct me if I'm wrong, but with a $500,000 prize pool, wouldn't your focus potentially be more on Capcom Cup next year than Evo with that kind of, like, bread to be won? I, I, think, you can, I think you can do both. Oh um, sure, I'm not saying, but like, right. wouldn't you be? Wouldn't your heart kind of be set on like, if you're a top ten or a top player, and it, like, obviously, you want to go to all those tournaments to get as much practice in, right? And like, obviously, you're still doing that, but like, I mean, we're talking. I've um, speaking of the podcast, I used to partake in. Uh, one of the final interviews I did was with Fanatic, who, by the way, I really enjoy. Shout out there to Fanatic, uh, who was known for being a money match player back in the day. I uh, love his story. 
he he still goes to Evo, plays on the side, and, and still uh, keeps abreast in that world. Does his music. Really great individual. Has sponsors to this day. And um, but you know, I, I always love talking money with people because I, I get jealous. I'm like, you know, how can right. you make a living? How can you make a living out of this? Or like, you know, really following that passion and all the time you put in. And he was making some pretty decent money. But like five, when I saw five hundred thousand dollars for these guys and gals. I'm like, okay, that's a that is some real deal money. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and and I I think I think part of the reason said so again, part of the reason Sony did this was because, um, I mean, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't wasn't this year the first real year of Capcom Cup? See, I got confused because I want to say in years past I'd watched Capcom Cup stream that I want to say from Canada or which led me to believe maybe they don't hold it in the same spot every year. But I will say maybe I've got the names mixed up, but Capcom Cup this year was big because... No, I guess yeah, I get to watch the Pro Tour. I don't know why I was thinking something was special about this year. No, but I'm with you. Well, you know what it is. Because they had the high... Like, they were, it seemed like they had more press on it, mainstream gaming press. And obviously now that it's, it's unfolded, we see why. Because of the, the prize right. pool, the SF5 unveiling... Now, we're going a little bit reverse in how I had planned. I was We were going to do a little Destination PlayStation first, but we'll work it backwards. You know, yeah. Capcom Cup was interesting because not only because of that. What were your feelings on the debut? Well, hang on, hang on a second. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Before yeah. you ask me that, because yeah. I was going to say that the thing I think, the reason I think this prize pool is now as big as it is, is because um, when you've got a case, when you've got a, a tournament like Evo or something like that, <clears throat> you know, Capcom, I mean, Capcom games... Are, are still you know definitely high tier in evo but they're still sharing the spotlight with other games whereas i i think this really legitimizes capcom's tournament scene and you know their own kind of events and stuff like that and it's going to get a lot more attention on it so like i said i i definitely think this is a case of if if sony's working with capcom on street fighter 5 that they want to put that groundwork in place right for Getting that, getting the attention, getting the attention on Capcom, getting the attention on Street Fighter Five, you know, making Capcom be even even more than it was. I mean, it's it, it is it. I would argue Capcom is the biggest name in fighting games still, but even more so, making them you know kind of the name you think of when you think of fighting games, uh, you know, and pushing. And I mean, I wonder. So before you ask me what you what you're going to ask me, so don't forget that question. But before we get to that, let me ask you this. So, so Sony's sponsoring Capcom Cup, right? Right. right. At, least, at least for at least for next year, they're putting right. money into it. Now, my I I believe thinking about it this year that Ultra Street Fighter Four was being run off of Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, but you've got Ultra Street Fighter Four now coming to PS Four. Yes. Early next year, right? Around spring, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, if if you get and and the re, and the reason part of the reason that is is because um, Street Fighter Four on PS3 has a built-in few frames of lag that the Xbox 360 version does not have. Even on standard play, not online. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's one of the reasons why 
I've, as I understand it, people have always preferred to plan the, the wow. pros. Wow. Preferred to, preferred to plan Xbox 360 versus uh, PS3. So if if you're the PS4 version and it doesn't have that lag anymore, and, and it's like that, it's considered to be the kind of the best version of right. the Street Fighter 4. That's what I'm expecting. Okay, so then Capcom Cup next year moves to PS4 for playing all your fighting games, and if they can get, if if they if they can get all of the top players kind of playing on the PS4 version. Right. I wonder if that has any influence on let's say Evo and what systems Evo runs. Because if Evo I I would I would guess that Guilty Gear is going to be part of Evo next year. Right, and that's right. Keep going. I'll let you finish that statement. So you so you're going to have that on PS4. Mm-hmm. Um if you're going to have Mortal Kombat tournaments, well, then if you've already got PS4 sitting around, it's going to be just as easy to run on PS4. You're going to have Ultra Street Fighter 4 running on PS4. So I, I kind of also think, like, like really trying to think of the business person here, um, that if if <coughs> Sony is wanting their their money spent in the Street Fighter 5 to pay off, one of the things you help do is is kind of lead help see if you can lead this push to moving fighting game tournaments back to a PlayStation platform. Yeah, I mean, what a uh, what a sweep there that they potentially have, especially with developers seeming to like the hardware a little bit more so far. At least what, that's what they allege. I mean, they've already got the Guilty Gear XR exclusive. Street Fighter V is exclusive. If they tweak up Ultra Street Fighter 4, you would have to believe a lot of the individuals in the fighting game community who do this for a, quote, living, that they have to be on the Sony bandwagon already. Um, I mean, Sony can capture that bracket. I mean, the only game that would need the Xbox One at EVO next year is Killer Instinct. Yeah, I, you, I mean, I, you know what I mean, and I mean, I, I don't, right. I'm not I'm trying to, I'm not making fun of it or whatever, but I mean, like, really, if they can perfect and like, if MK comes out, which is utilizing the Unreal Four engine as well, if they can tweak that and get the top performance on there, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, and then that's the question too. Is like, I, I don't, I, I don't even know, like, next year come Evo, if we even have Killer Instinct, because I feel like, because I mean, Evo typically tends to be a balance of. Um, the classics like you know you're always going to have Street Fighter you know you're always going to have Marvel versus Capcom right you know but then they also tend to have like okay whatever like is new that we can showcase or whatever kind of been popular recently or even sometimes like a Dark Horse like a King of Fighters 12 uh, so I, I, I feel I feel like Mortal Kombat 10 or X I'm not sure whatever it's called could could kind of take the spot that Killer Instinct had well, yeah, without even that official games lineup being announced, I mean, there is no doubt, unless that, yeah, MK10 is going to be there, MKX or whatever. Right. And so yeah. I, I would really, I would really like, I would really hope that Guilty Gear will be there. Cause... I would imagine Guilty Gear would be there, and I'm going to assume they will do a push for Smash. Yeah, yeah. If I Nintendo mean, doesn't try to stop it again, but I would say at the, right. at the, out the gate, you're going to see the crazy Smash fans. Try to get in there again. I'm trying to think of what the games were. Let's see if I can find out what the games were for 2014. Well, I'll say this while you look so at what, it, the, while you say so that. The, I'll, I'll make a joke here. I told myself on PlayStation 3 era, they got me every time. And I said after I bought Blaze Blue like the third time, I said I'm done. <laughs> 
and I and I bought it a fourth time. And boy, did I almost fly out of my chair this past week when I saw the latest iteration get announced. Oh, did it? I, didn't, I think I so. That. Yeah, I, I I saw it and like I let I wow. <laughs> my eyeballs like hit the screen. <laughs> wow. I said, and someone in the comments hit the nail on the head. They're like, oh, and, you know, Capcom gets flack for, you know, releasing numerous uh, sequels within a, you know, within a numbered uh, series or whatever, you know, where's all the uh, bashing for Blaze Blue? But. Okay, so, yeah, so, so, <clears throat> so this year was Marvel's Capcom 3, uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4, Injustice, King of Fighters 13. Killer Instinct and Blaze Blue, and then they did add. Uh, later on, they added Melee and Tekken Tag Tournament Two. Mm. <clears throat> so I mean, so you, I don't know, you you could still have King uh, Killer Instinct on there because obviously Mortal Kombat would take the Injustice slot, right? Um, I, I think I feel like King of Fighters is popular enough that it'll still be around even if it's a small um, place. I would say up the year takes Blaze Blue slot. And then you get Smash Brothers there, and then I don't know. I don't know when Tekken Seven comes out. Yeah, that's going to be. Um, I, you know what I thought would be interesting, and this just hit me. I don't think this would happen. You know, it would be kind of cool if they had Tekken Seven there, but in arcade cabinet form. Yeah, you, you know what I mean, because the home version won't be ready. Or, right. You know, by then that would be kind of a uh, cool thing to get Namco's name back in there, and and uh, I guess they reconfirmed again for the hundredth time that. Tekken Cross Street Fighter is still alive, and I dare say the basic foundation of the gameplay system has been finished, if that's to be believed. Hmm. You know, I, you know, I had a weird theory, and I, I don't even know why I'm going to say it. You know, Tekken 7 is using the Unreal 4 engine. Street Fighter 5 is using the Unreal 4 engine. And then, as we mentioned earlier, Mortal Kombat. Uh, Guilty Gear uses the Unreal 3 engine currently. You know, do you think, well, do you think Tekken could go as low as using some of the data or information from upcoming SF5 and tweaking it into Tekken because they're all using the same engine or am I, or am I on drugs? I feel, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like they would because. You know, when you think back to like Capcom versus SNK, SNK versus Capcom, those were those were totally separate developments, right? You know, and they did their own thing. So I really, I really feel like that the the Tekken side would want to just do everything on their own because really the Capcom side did everything on their own, right? You know, for for both Street Fighter and Tekken characters. So I don't think they would share anything. I I I kind of feel like one of the you know, one of the big uh, draws to games like this is that you are kind of seeing everything done in that company's own, you know, that that company's own flair in a way. Mm. I've got I've got two more bullet points to say in my in my brain about this fighting game topic. If you want, um, since we're saying, talking about Street Fighter, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, what do you think of those furry packs? <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, 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 I long since gave up on the costume packs because 
Like my, you know. Now they, the, the bright side here is they allege that Ultra Street SF4 on PS4, correct me if I'm wrong, will have everything. Everything up to that point. Oh, it won't have the. It won't have those packs. It, it'll have everything up to when it's released. Is my okay? Okay. So right. it's not like you, you won't get any anything that comes after okay. that. Okay. Um, the, like like. You know, my feeling's always been like, okay, you know what? I kind of want just like just regular everyday street clothes view, you know? Like everyday regular street clothes Chun-Li. Like I like my feeling is and I I think uh, Dead or Alive is sometimes guilty of this, but I think they do a better job of it is that I I tend to want costume packs that to me could could legitimately be that character's outfit in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, because you look at like the the with you know the furry pack, right? They would never make those outfits the normal outfits for those characters. They would never make the summertime vacation outfits the outfits for. Those. You're never gonna have Blanca in a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat and everything. You know, so to me, like whenever you get an outfit that could not legitimately be that character's main outfit in the game i just don't care mm. because i don't I, I i i don't know why it is but i don't like this the feeling of the character just looks so ridiculous and out of place right you know I, like like I, I like pirate poison i would never play as pirate poison and i don't know why they gave her the china chinese dress when like you know chun li should have the chinese dress and stuff like that so I think I just screwed myself because I have no idea what my other fighting game point was on this topic. Uh-oh. But I do, you know, I do think it's, um, I think it's fun. I think they're testing the waters on a few things inadvertently, like maybe what kind of attention is this going to get? Do people still have an interest in outlandish looks, which kind of may kind of lead to dark stalkers? Um, th- there is one thing that bothers me a little bit is that, um. Capcom went on record in the past saying because in the nature of how the characters are done in SF4 that when you do a new costume, it's essentially like creating a whole new character. And you know what? I'm willing to believe in that and I understand. But someone's got to be lying somewhere because you're going to tell me Capcom has the time and resources to do (laughs) a bazillion of these outfits, which are essentially like creating a new character from scratch with all these packs. Now, here's the flip side of it. They could also argue, well, yeah, the reason that they're able to do this is because of the funding earned through people paying for the add-on outfits. But, I mean, especially, the, the and I'm calling it the furry pack, that's not really what it's called, but with the furry-esque look, I mean, those are way different. Like, that's, that is not a palette swap of any sort. Like, that, that I really, like, right. when you look at it, like, that is way different. So, I mean, someone's taking the time... Uh, somewhere on that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, I mean, they, these have to be selling; otherwise, they wouldn't keep making them. Right. You know. Now, uh, while I try to jog my horrible memory, let's do a little plug here to egmnow.com. And the reason I'm doing that is not only is it end of the year, you can check out the latest news, some of the game of the year, or what could lead up to game of the year picks. I'm going to wrap this back around to you. Is your review up yet for Guilty Gear? It is not. And, okay. And yeah, because the, the the reason being was um, 
I mean, I had it about, I think, a week and a half early before re- release, but I always get kind of hesitant to do reviews of things like fighting games before they're out because you're kind of like, okay, I'm just playing with whoever I happen to find online and I'm not really getting a true sense of online and you're not really seeing, you know, day one kind of stuff. So yeah, with games like that, especially, I just like always like, I don't, I don't like doing them early. And also with fighting games, fighting games, just, I think, especially with guilty gear for me, because I'm not a guilty gear player. Um, but fighting games are, are always just like, it, you know, you can't sit down for three days, play a fighting game, and then be like, I know what this game is. Right. You know, like, I, you can do that with, like, a Geometry Wars. You can do it with, uh, you know, a, a sports game, maybe. You can do it with a role-playing game, things like that. But, yeah, fighting, fight, like, the thing I've learned over, over, over my life is that fighting games... Like what you think you have on day one, and what you have like on day thirty-one, are totally different. Uh, and sometimes even uh, month six and month twelve, we've learned yeah. from Evo. Now, with that being said, my memory just did get jogged. There was one last thing I wanted to discuss about SF five. What? Well, I guess we have to talk about it since we haven't talked about it on the show, and I already know some of your feelings, and, and I'm, I'm I'm a little split. So two things: the the graphical direction, I think it would be um, an injustice to fans. Like if we're talking about SF5 and people are screaming at home going, how can we not talk about the graphics, the direction, the art direction? And then lastly, having actually watched it played for the first time, what did you think of the touches like busting through the wall and the ramen falling on Chun-Li's head and staying there for the match comically? Well, second part first... Um... It it definitely feels weird, like it it because breaking through walls has never been a thing really in Street Fighter, but it also didn't seem like it was just happening very very easily. Like you had to you know really get it to happen as it kind of. I mean I don't know if I don't know if like if it's finishers around is if you do a you know the special or the ultra like as a finisher that's when it breaks through, but so it wasn't just kind of like willy nilly or very easy to get through. Um, and the, the ramen was actually a really interesting touch, I thought, except for the fact that like, it doesn't, it doesn't fall off then, you know, like I, I, if, if it had fallen off when she got knocked down and it made sense for it to fall off, I think that would be a really cool little thing. But I, I, I think it kind of was this weird joke right? that I just don't, I don't know if it needs to be in there, but I don't really hate it being in there um i was gonna say like the thing that really caught me the most though when i was watching it was this really this really felt to me like street fighter 3 interesting and, and I, interesting point you make keep going and well, i think part of it and you know i mean this can lead to the graphics at some point but i think part of it was like the animation seemed way higher than uh four Yes, and on this aspect of the topic, I thought, you know, the more I thought about it, when you think about the background and how it transitioned uh, to the inside area, that reminded me a little bit of the original version of Street Fighter 3, which I thought had some awesome backgrounds, which were lost in the series as it went on. And if you remember, what is it, Yoon and Yang, their background in Hong Kong, that was multi not tiered, but like there, there was there was a point where you were fighting outside, and then you were fighting inside as the rounds went on. Right. So that remind that aspect reminded me of that. 
The ramen aspect, I have a couple different feelings. I think it worked in a sense where it got a reaction. Oh, yeah. Uh, it yeah. was something we hadn't seen before. You know, we've seen in the past, we've seen characters bust through barrels or, you know, you've seen touches like that in other 2D games like Samurai Showdown where the barrels get cut and the fish fall out. Yeah. This was kind of that idea, but taken to the next level simultaneously. Maybe they keep something like that in there, but in the full final version, which is a ways off, maybe that bowl of ramen does come off or acts in different ways with different animation, whereas they knew for the show they got the reaction they wanted and people talking about it. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean cause, cause to be fair here, like, that that was that very... I mean, it was early to the fat, to the point where, like, the, the UI was just completely undone. I mean, right. it, it was just total placeholder. You know, here here literally here is a box that shows you you know, that changes color so you know you have a certain amount of this this meter or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You can tell. I mean, it was actually amazing that they had it running at all in its uh, state of infancy that it was in, you know? I, I, was, I was shocked. I was really shocked that they did that because you typically don't see... I feel like you don't see a fighting game shown off to that degree that early right i mean unless unless i mean the, the thing is though is i did kind of feel like those fights um i'm not saying they were pre-recorded but almost like a wrestling thing where i feel like those fights might have been kind of scripted like that well and that's an interesting point too I, i'm not saying i believe that i do, i really don't but it's interesting that if it was uh um they did mike ross and the other gentleman did an extra match which i don't think was supposed to happen yeah because you remember it was that one game and then the and then um, well but also i mean was was it was it supposed to happen right now just, we're getting into know. the pro wrestling aspect right. of things I, we, I guess i guess the reason right. i asked is because because <laughs> we we did we did specifically see them bust through that wall right. right which would that would that really have happened if it was completely didn't they claim though that fight? was their first time playing i mean allegedly that was their first time playing it I don't think they did. I don't think they said that no. though. No. I don't remember. And then, and then we did see the ramen bowl, which un, I mean, the thing is, if if there's a lot of little interactive elements in that stage, and a variety of things can happen, then I would totally believe it because you're saying, okay, there's a lot of, because like if you play, for example, the injustice in Mortal Kombat, you know, where there are a lot of background elements that you can use, and if you happen to use one when you're playing, that makes sense. Right, but. If the ramen bowl was was like the or only one of two of those little secret things in the stage, and we just happened to see it, yeah, that, I don't know that that, right. that seems that does seem kind of weird to me. I was going to stretch things out a little bit further while not identical, and we're going back twenty years. You know, it was almost a little real bout fatal furyish. Yeah, no, that that I know I know what you're saying completely. You yeah. know. But uh, kind of old school there. Uh, yeah. here, here's one last side note. I flipped through the recently released Street Fighter 25th anniversary art book from Udon that came out late this past summer. And I was flipping through it today organizing. And I read a little snippet from an interview. And I'm just going to throw this out there real quick. Speaking of numerous sequels within a numbered uh, title. Do you know in the back of that book with one of the Capcom artists they were discussing it. That there was supposed to be. So they were Street Fighter 3, then they did Giant Attack, then they did Third Strike, 
there was supposed to be a Street Fighter 3 fourth. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making that up. People, if you want to double check me in my facts, it's in that SF25 book by uh, Udon, which clocks in at 448 pages. They can check my, uh, um, you know, how valid I am. But yeah, I couldn't. I read that thing, and it was they were supposed to be a Street Fighter three fourth, but didn't come to fruition just to getting sidetracked on other projects and time passing by. And then by that time, it had, you know, it, they, they were they had moved on. But I thought that was insane. Can you imagine? Was there, that? Any, was there any details and all about like what character? I'll have to. Had? I'll go back and read it in its entirety. I just read a couple paragraphs, but that was, mm. I, I I had a laugh when I read that. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. But um now that was kind of amazing. So you got you got to be present there. You were at uh Capcom Cup twenty fourteen in San Francisco, correct? Yep. And then let's uh, re- let's reverse a week. Uh kind of monumental and it kind of followed up uh to G V G P episode four where we discussed PlayStation's twentieth anniversary, the birthday, our PlayStation memories. Uh ironically. Sony held Destination PlayStation in Las Vegas. And uh, while I don't believe you were presently there, you had some co-workers there, and we both watched the live stream. I thought in a nutshell it was a... Uh, I thought it was long, but not bad. I thought there were a lot of announcements. I felt that Destination PlayStation, just solely looking at Sony, had as many... Uh, 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 meaningful announcements or more than Sony's E3 2014. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I I, I t- totally felt like it seemed um, on level with E3, and and I I think that you know maybe Sony sees this as kind of I mean because you know you have E3 and then you have an entire year until E3 comes back around, and there are other events that happen throughout the year. Um, but I don't think any of them are necessarily just on the same level. And I know Sony has like their, their TGS press conference, but that's typically very, you know, Japan focused or Asia focused. So I, I really can see this as being Sony's, uh, you know, you know what we want to have like a twice a year thing. It's like Apple, right? Apple has, has events in January and then I think June or July, um, so, you know, I think having an event every six months where they can do this kind of stuff, I think makes total sense. And I think it definitely helps them, you know, keep the PlayStation name out there, keep people knowing what news coming up and stuff like that. I think, like, I'm sure we'll talk about the Uncharted demo. I mean, that was a really, really cool thing for them to do. And doing stuff like that really helps remind people of why they want to have a PS4. So... Yeah, and uh, I'm going to pull a Sony card right now and talk about the insignificant stuff before we get back into the meat of things on Uncharted. Uh, something that stuck out in my head, and I, I mean, could you believe this, Shidoshi? PlayStation 4, Sony is saying, fastest-selling console, I'm assuming for the time period that it's been out, fastest-selling console of all time. And and I mean, I... I, uh, I be- the thing is, I, I kind of can believe it because we, we forget... Um, how long the last generation was, you know, and and I think the thing kind of thing is is like when when you do have a new console come out every five years, you're gonna have okay the people who have to have that brand new thing, and then the people who okay in the sixth year of the console they're kind of ready to upgrade, and they're in the seventh year of the console ready to upgrade. You know, we went about I think it was like eight years at this point. 
for these new for, yeah for these new Xbox 360 crazily was 2005 to 2013 and PS3 was 06 to 2013. Yeah, so you know, seven to eight years for these consoles. So I, you, I think you kind of had like a, a few different segments of people all ready to jump in, and and there was this kind of pent up demand for a new system to finally hit. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's it. I do think it is impressive, and it's, it's a little bit surprising, but it's not also not surprising to me, just because, you know, I feel like everybody. I mean, like, you know, when, for you, you know, what, I mean, did, did you feel like you were ready to move on or did you feel like there was still things to be done with the, the PS3 and 360? Strictly from a time perspective on paper, it was time to move on. Um, I'm going to say something weird, but you know, I always feel, especially with PS3 and 360, I like your big companies, your AAA companies really milk them a lot. I mean, I can't discredit them, like whether it be your Activisions or Microsoft themselves or your Naughty Dogs. I can't take anything away from what they achieved on those consoles. I think if there was anything I felt that was maybe lacking in a bit, and it's just because of the times, because of the gaming era we live in, I always said to myself, could you imagine if you had the talent of yesterday or like, uh, you know, uh, I always mention Treasure, but like, Look at like what Treasure was able to get out for that type of game out of the Genesis or like the tricks we saw with Donkey Kong Country on SNES, et cetera, et cetera. I felt like we I felt like there were many more layers to be uncovered artistically with last gen's hardware. Uh, and I think a perfect example of that is Guilty Gear Xard, which is also on PS3 utilizing the Unreal 3 engine. Like I got good enough, and I'm not joking, where I could look at a game and tell you that it's that was Unreal Engine 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at Guilty Gear, not in a million years would have I guessed that was on an Unreal Engine 3 if you didn't no. tell me. So no. the point I'm trying to make is I wish there was a little bit more variety in art with those systems because I think there were many different visual experiences we could have gotten with that outdated hardware, if that makes sense. Well, I think I think Unreal Engine three for a number of reasons really got things stuck for for a while. Like I don't I don't think that was a good engine to make games on. Um, I mean, you can have companies like uh, Arc, you know, do things like a Guilty Gear on it, sure. But I think there was I just don't think it was robust enough and 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 documented enough engine to to really do a lot with. Unfortunately, so. I, I feel like I've heard that Unreal Engine 4 is a lot better in that regard. Um, so, like, in that, too, you know, I think it's time to move on. I, I just, I, I feel, and I mean, part of it, too, was the vibe just between having the PS3, which is a piece of crap to program for, <laughs> and the Xbox 360, which right. maybe wasn't, you know, right. but there was only so much you could do with that. Right. So, I, I, I do think it was, okay, we need to just wipe the slate clean. Right, the, I, I'll give you that. Start. Outside of that, in terms of what we've got today, in terms of the big boys, your Ubisofts, your, you know, your EA, your Activision, all these people that are at the forefront of realistic engines and technology. In that regard, it was time to move on. You could tell they were cutting a lot of corners. They needed more RAM, especially with operating systems being integrated into today's architecture. We've talked about that in the past. It was definitely time to move on. In that respect. And I feel like because of the because of what companies knew at that point they could do with the hardware, that we were starting to kind of feel like we knew exactly what games could and couldn't be. Right. So, 
like like you knew just how big a op- an open world city could be you know you knew just how detailed an open world fantasy uh country could be um you know i i, I do i do think part of it is, is is you know there there definitely is a positive to the maturity of things where you that console's been around long enough that, that companies know how to really push it like with the naughty dog and last of us for example um but at the same time, I, I do think that you can get to a point where you've had it for so long that you do reach that moment of, I've seen everything this hardware can do, you know, and they, they need to put something else out because this hardware just can't do anything else. Let's put this into one more perspective. Do you want to know how long in my mind, how I know that last generation went a long ways? Look at it this way. When the PlayStation 3 came out, Blu-ray was like still somewhat of an unknown. Blu-ray right. movies were still very expensive. The generation lasted so long that we saw Blu-ray movies go from niche and expensive to now I can go to my local supermarket and find Blu-ray movies on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to me that's like I had a special order stuff the first couple of years. I had to always look online. Now I go to get groceries down the road and I'm looking in their movie rack and they got Blu-rays there. Okay, okay, but think about okay, think about this one. Uh, when when the PS4 and the Xbox One both were released, right? The iPhone didn't exist. Oh, you're talking the PS3 and the 360. And so yeah, yeah, PS3 and 360. That is insane. Now that I never thought of. The iPhone didn't exist at that point. So those systems came out. That I mean, I mean, look, look I, I know, I know, we had, we technically had smartphones before. Yeah, then, but no, but that's still but, an unbelievable. But what we think statement. of now as a smartphone, we did not have smartphones when those two systems came out. So that would also mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that Android really wasn't in the marketplace. Oh no, yeah, wow. no, Android wasn't even a thing. I mean, that is, BlackBerry was on top. Yeah. So I. So I mean, yeah, we we've had an entire like revolution in one piece of of you know consumer hardware you know after those systems came out so it it it, it's 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 funny to think about just how long we've had we had those consoles and how much i mean like think about that right think i mean think about think about what the iphone was when it first hit and the iphone that we have today think about how different those are right and then think about the fact that the consoles gaming consoles we had made absolutely no hardware progress in all that time. You know what else? Do uh, you want another one last perspective in all of that time and well over half a decade? Uh, Team Eco still hasn't put out a new title. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we still haven't gotten uh, Final Fantasy Versus 13. So. We haven't gotten FF Versus 13 and we haven't gotten Rockstar's Agent. Nope. Well... Those are a couple low blows, but back back here to Destination PlayStation. Um, started with Uncharted Four and gave you about a good twenty solid minutes or more actual in game play. Beautiful looking game, I will admit, and maybe this is the ADD gamer in me, and I'm a little ashamed. But then I really got into it. I thought the demo started off a little slow for presentation purposes. Ah, uh, yeah, people like you. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. You drive, you drive I'm me so, crazy. I'm so sorry. Um, I want to ask you though because I, I, I also saw kind of mixed opinions about this. Like, what did you think of when the game glitched? Speaking from the heart, 
I thought it was actually it was actually turned out to be a blessing, I thought, because then you really knew they weren't pulling any tricks on you. Exactly. I, that's what I thought. I mean, like, because I'm sure Sony was like, ah, uh, you know, we uh, we had this glitch and it looked really bad and everything. But like for, for someone like me, when I see that, I love that because that tells me this is something that people, somebody is actually sitting there playing. Right. You know, and because so many times we've had, um, God, I still think back to that. What was that Star Wars on the Kinect? Um, oh that, God, I know what you're talking Microsoft about. Microsoft showed up one year yeah. where, like, like the uh, the character on screen does like the arms out pose, and then the kid playing does that <laughs> pose, which is supposed to be the opposite direction. Right. You know, like, right. so you could tell it was just all pre-recorded. And there's so many pre-recorded and and CGI things. And like you see, you remember that? You know, you remember the infamous uh, kill zone footage. Where it's like, oh, this is the game you're seeing, but it was Oh, yes, for on PS, uh, yeah, PS3, the Killzone right. 2. Right. So, yeah. you know, I really appreciated the fact that, you know, when that glitch happened, I was like, okay, this is real. There's yeah. somebody playing it. This is really happening right now. I like that. And so I liked, it. I, I, I liked seeing it because it, it told me that I could believe what I was, what I was watching. So Right. Yeah, so what I don't know if I want to go back and forth on this, but so I gave a little bit of my initial impressions on it. What what did you think? Uh, I mean, did you just feel like it was just more Uncharted Four? It was, you know, I mean, I I love Uncharted, and and I think it's um, I think what I saw most out of it was it kind of had that dynamic combat system that uh, The Last of Us has integrated, where it's it's kind of. Uh, you know, you know. Okay, this button's a punch, right? You know, you're gonna punch somebody, and you know, you might have a punch-punch kick combo or whatever. But the way that the way that combination comes out, and the way those attacks happen, depend on where you're at and what's around your surroundings. So that, like, you you might be punching, and then, uh, you know, Drake might grab a guy and hit him against a rock that's nearby because it's close enough. You know, and on, on one hand, you could kind of argue, well, that's not the player isn't doing every single bit of that control, but I think seeing how it worked in The Last of Us, like I really like that kind of where the game dynamically decides how your attacks are going to come out depending on where you're at, at least for a game like that, you know. Because like a fighting game, obviously you don't want that to happen. But with a game like this, I think I think seeing Drake do all these different kinds of attacks really made it feel feel more real and feel more kind of like a action movie feeling to it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't know how much more I could add to it. I, I do enjoy the Uncharted series. I did, I did about half the first one. I did complete the second one. Uh, the third one, I'm very guilty. I've yet to open my copy. I got it on the cheap. But uh, let me ask you this before I go on: Is it worth experiencing the third Uncharted? I, I actually, I have not beat the third Uncharted. Okay. I've beaten one and two. I have not beat three yet. I need to, I need to go back to it because, because three, the problem with three was like I. I got sidetracked by the multiplayer, which I tend to do with a lot of games. Mm. Um, so I just didn't go back and finish it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm saying like you know, and and this felt like it was going to be more open worldy, which I like, like not necessarily one straight path. Right. I think one of the comments I heard, and I can kind of feel this maybe, is that the visuals weren't on the level you were expecting. Um, I'm going to say yes and no. I'm going to say I kind of thought a little bit of that at first, but I don't know if it was towards the end when they really got in close on the character models. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, it's not running on your TV or my TV in the living right. room. So I'm under the impression right. when that's running here and that game is done, it's going to be uh, something special. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, there's, there's nothing about it. I think 
But I, I, I think because there was that quick tease where like Drake wakes up on the on the beach, and yes. walks in the forest, and you're like, that's what the game's gonna look like, and you're like, oh my god. I I think there's there's always this kind of, um, and I don't know if part of it is just the the comparison to like movies CG and how that's advanced over time. Is you you're always kind of expecting games to at some point look like movies or really good CG, and it just keeps not reaching that point. And I I think this is definitely not the generation where it's going to really be to what it looks like because um, even it's funny because I'll I'll go back to Drive Club I'll watch like animated gifs or videos of Drive Club with with like the weather patch and it looks like just so realistic. And then you go play it, and it doesn't quite look like that. You know, you can still see kind of the aliasing. You can still see the kind of gamey gaminess to it. You know, right? Um, so I think it's it's whatever it is. I don't know if it's the resolution, I don't know if it's the lighting, if it's the uh, just overall texturing or what. But whatever we're missing to make games have that kind of visual leap, we're still not at it. <laughs> and I don't know that Uncharted Four is gonna have it, but I know it's gonna be one of the most beautiful games I think of of the consoles. This is completely not Sony, and it's a game I don't think we got to discuss much last time, and I'm just going to make it quick. Do you know a game recently whose visuals really surprised me as to how good they looked and how I thought it approached um, like a high-end Hollywood CG level with a comical twist? Hmm. Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, I can see that. I was, I thought that game looked really, really good. I think I think it's a lot easier to to hit on those kind of those more cartoony things, you know, um, like a sunset or Team Fortress Two or, or right. whatever like that. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot easier to do, and so I think games like that are are where we're gonna see kind of more of those visuals where we're like, yeah, this is exactly what I was expecting. Right. But when you try to get the more re- the realistic of like a drive club or you know I don't expect realism from Uncharted, but you do kind of expect like this this kind of CG movie level. And I think when you have those kind of expectations, you're not going to get there. But if you are expecting, um, I mean, remember remember when the PS2 was it that's going to do to- Toy Story 2 graphics or Toy Story <laughs> graphics? Like yeah, you, first one. You love bringing that up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We never got that. Uh, <laughs> You know, but I I think those kind of making that kind of game is going to be easier. Um, although I do, I, although I did believe at the time, and I'm sure if I look at it now, maybe it doesn't have quite the same impact. I will admit, when I first saw Ratchet and Clank on PS2, that game did blow me away. No, no, there definitely were games back you know, then. Yeah, yeah. but it's, I, it's I always, know what you it's mean. always funny too going back to those games. Though, like when when you see. When you see games that just completely, it's it's always like your memory's wrong, right? Because you remember like, oh, I remember this game looking so good or, or playing so well and everything, and then you go back to it and you're like, man, this is actually what this looked like. I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe I ever thought this was amazing looking. Well, l- let's do this. Moving along on the PlayStation experience, and I thought of you when I saw this, and I wanted your take on this. And you're using the word amazing right now. What were your thoughts on Tearaway? coming to ps4 uh yeah i mean it's so so this has been really tough for me because i i think there's two games that that kind of really tear up my heart uh no pun intended and that's that's tear away and uh gravity gravity i'm, I'm gravity forgetting rush the, i'm forgetting the american name yes I, yes gravity rush 
I keep on saying Gravity Days. Um, because I, you know, you know I loved Tearaway. Right. And a lot of people know I loved Tearaway. But, and I love the Vita. And I, I want to love the Vita so much. And I want to have these games that stay on the Vita and are only on Vita and make the Vita be even more special and loved. But I I, I really, I really, really am excited for Tearaway to come to PS4. Like, I'm now very confused as to if I want Gravity Rush 2 to be on Vita or on PS4. Did they officially announce Gravity Rush 2? I mean, they 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 all but announced it. I mean, they 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 we know a Gravity Rush something is coming. Okay. And they didn't it's, specify it's, what it's platform. It's kind of been just missing for a while. Mm. No, because wait, was it 2012 TGS? I think is where it was wow, revealed. That's right. It's been that long, huh? Yeah, and and I think it's I think it's 2012. I don't think it was 13, but um. So yeah, I mean, like, part of me, in a really, really weird, selfish way, doesn't want Tearaway to come to the PS4 because I wanted to be on PS Vita. I mean, on Vita only, and kind of be a Vita game. Right. But I really think that was an underappreciated game. I think people didn't didn't either didn't know to give it a chance or just didn't have a Vita, so they couldn't give it a chance or whatever. So I think it's going to be amazing on the PS4 because you're going to have a lot better graphics uh, or v- visual. I mean, I just not saying the graphics. I say visual uh, potential, you know, because of taking that whole kind of paper craft world, you can just do so much more than I think with the power of the PS4. And you can have it be 60 frames and everything, and it's it's just going to be <laughs> awesome. So I, I'm really excited for it, but it, it does make me a little sad that um, – the Vita kind of lost one of its real exclusives. I'm going to play a little game with you right now. Okay. It's I'm going to give you a choice of one or the other. And you have to hear me out first because I know as soon as you hear both either one of these names, you're going to you're going to instinctually you're going to react. <laughs> okay. So during the uh, Destination PlayStation, who do you give the Troll of the Show award to? Is it I... is it either? <laughs> Is it either Atlas or Square? Atlas for the Persona 5 video that I thought we were getting or Square for Final Fantasy 7 PC version coming to PlayStation 4 in the spring? There, there's, there's, no, there's no way I, I can't give this to... to okay, look. To, okay, I, I, I know... I, here's the thing. There's a difference between there is, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a real uh, it's like okay it's it's <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see how I can phrase this without getting us in trouble <laughs> with the censor we don't even have censors but I'm, I'm gonna get censors right. some okay so it's like it's like let's say this is like a really like like what's what's the local place where you're at that makes like really good hamburgers um. Well, well, right across, they're okay. Uh, actually, no, we'll say uh, BJ Willie's. Okay, BJ Willie's. Okay. <laughs> so your friend's like, I'm going to go to this BJ Willie's place. I'm going to get you a burger. All right? You want a burger? And you're like, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want a burger. Right. So they, they go there, right? And they get to your house, and they hand you the bag. And in the bag, there's wrapped like an eighth of a burger, <laughs> right? Because they're like, well, on the way from BJ Willie's to your place, I was really hungry. So I ate, I ate seven eighths of your burger. <laughs> Okay, so so you're like, 
oh man, like most most of what I was I was expecting a burger, right? And I'm only I'm only getting this tiny little bit of a hamburger, right? That was the that was the Persona Five video. Yeah, instead of BJ I mean, Willies, we got instead of a BJ. No, 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 Willys, hang on, hang on. We no, got a white on, castle. No, 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 no. Uh, so because I mean that was that was Atlas saying, hey. Persona 5 is coming to America, right. which every one of us knew. There was no way Persona 5 wasn't coming. So thanks a lot, Atlas. Okay. Now the square thing. All right. So your, your friend says, hey, do you, want a, do you want a hamburger from BJ Willie's? And you're like, hey, I'm hungry. I'd like that. So they get to your house and they pull out the bag and they, they, they unwrap it. And all it is is two buns, <laughs> right? So they put those buns on the ground. They pull their pants down and they crap on the buns, put the buns together, and they're like, here's your hamburger. Like that was the Square Enix announcement because I have I I can't I I, I mean they were showing when they showed the classic FF seven CG video and then they have the gentleman from Square doing the presentation, I'm like, what I'm like, is this gonna transition into my- <laughs> Yes. So so yeah, so okay, first of all, this this man is way too excited. <laughs> And he in he has gigantic testicles for thinking that anybody in that audience or anybody watching is at all going to be happy with what they're announcing. Like I mean, he has he has some nerve. So you're watching this video and it start in like the I mean because you can actually see like the reaction change when they show the yeah. crowd shots. Um, so they they show like on stage the Final Fantasy VII logo comes up and everybody's like, holy bleep you know <laughs> they're like oh my god i can't they're doing it they're finally doing it everybody knew that's what they were doing they're remaking final fantasy 7 because you do not come up on stage like that <laughs> and put that logo up and not announce a remake of final fantasy 7 you know um i mean i guess it could have been worse it could have been like a free-to-play ios game right. uh, that would have been amazing uh but so yeah it's like you said they're, they're showing this video and they're showing like the old final fantasy 7 and I know, I know you were thinking the exact thing I was thinking because there was a thing everybody was thinking. You're sitting there waiting. Okay, when does it? When does it like morph? Right? When, when, when does like when is this crappy little old cloud come on screen and then all of a sudden it dissolves into the new cloud? Yeah, he it's, looks like something out of Advent Children or something right. like that. And then you're like, yay! And you know the whole crowd goes up and they're cheering and everything. You know, you're waiting for that and. You know, at first you're not worried at all because you you know that's what's coming, but then the trailer is just going, <laughs> and it's going, and you're like, why why isn't this changing? Like like where like how far are they going without it changing? And then you're like, wait, they're 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 not gonna do that, are they? They are they're they're not gonna change it over to a they're they're giving us the old version. And this this guy, I forgot his name because it's not important because <clears throat> nobody should know his name anymore. Um, uh, he's up there and he's like, "We're bringing you the PC version of Final Fantasy VII on on PS4." He's like, he's like, still doing a little happy dance and everything. And they like show back the crowd, and the crowd is dead. There's no, like their, their faces. There's not a smile in that entire crowd. Nobody's cheering. Nobody's doing anything but just sitting there with like blanks face like blank stares on their faces i i i don't because the thing i mean like i'm sure like other games have had similar situations you know where like they they prompt 
they're saying something that you think is one promise, but they give you something else. Right. But I mean, this, like, can you think, can you really think at this point of another game that people want more in terms of getting a remake in Final Fantasy VII? No, and I'm trying to go into this logically, like, okay, the first stupid question I have is that I know my answer to. When Square discussed this, and obviously they they were going to roll this out at Destination PlayStation. I mean, the obvious is when they talked about this amongst each other, they they must have expected like they knew people were going to react like that, wouldn't you say? Do, do you think so, though? I mean, that's what I'm I trying mean, to. That's the first part of my equation. Like, I mean, are they that out? Either the one or two things. Either they talked about it and they're like, well, you know, people are going to react like this and they're going to think this, or. They knew exactly how it was going to go, what we're talking about now. Like, you know, even though they knew it was going to be kind of a letdown, were they still, I hate to bring this back to pro wrestling, like when they tease a title change, they put a belt on someone for a night and they take it right back off to see the crowd reaction. Were they doing that with people to see if they still, like, was the Final Fantasy VII name still strong enough for the show like that where it was going to garner the reaction that they, they felt justified maybe green lighting that still um i'm gonna this literally just popped into mind uh, as a good comparison this literally just came to me i'm gonna give you two ex- well one of them has been confirmed and i don't know if the other one has two games that people have been asking for for years outside of ff7 and nowhere near uh as much do they want it but mirror's edge and beyond good and evil 2 and mirror's edge got announced at E3 2014, and as far as I remember, while it was welcomed and people like me were kind of excited, I don't think that, like, I don't hear anyone talking about it right now. Right. And there was a lot of people, and that was a great game, and a lot of people wanted it, and people were crying that EA doesn't do anything different, and they're not going to greenlight it. Well, they did. And then Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been teased for God knows how long, and I think that's still in development, but I don't really hear anyone talk about that as much like every time Final Fantasy comes up, I don't care if it's FF13, FF15 coming out, online version, you still see them put classic outfits on their characters based off FF7. Um, it's still brought up in interviews. So, yeah, so that's the other half of the equation. So, like, did they know this? And they're testing to make sure that this isn't like a Mirror's Edge or Beyond Good and Evil where people say one thing and then it gets announced and it's not what they thought. You know what I want to believe? I want to believe that Square told Sony, they're like, <clears throat> you know, so Sony goes to Square, right? And they're like, hey, <clears throat> we're having this PlayStation Experience event, you know, we're going to a press conference. Do you have anything you want to announce on stage? <laughs> and Square is like, well, we are bringing Final Fantasy VII to PS4. And Sony's like freaking out. They're like, oh my God, why you're, you're doing this? You're doing, oh, yeah, we will totally, you're, you're going to come up on stage, you're going to announce this, it's going to be a major thing, and this is going to be the most amazing thing in the world, right? You know? And, and, you know, Sony thought they were making a remake, right? But Square knew what they were doing. So, like, Square just gets there, like, on the day of the show. And so he's like, oh, this is amazing. Like, like, let's see the video, you know? And they show Sony the video, and they're like, wait, you're not remaking it? You're just giving us the PC version? You know? And Square's like, uh, yeah. So, you know, like, I, I want to believe that, like, Sony didn't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say to that. Like, yeah, I mean, anything is possible, but... I just, that was an insane moment. I think my initial reaction was like, no way you got to be kidding me. 
Yeah. I mean, because there were so many shows that had come and gone where it's like, oh, you know, I think they're going to announce the FF7 remake and they're going to do this and do that. And I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one. And then flipping the cards on you here, going back to Persona. uh, That game's still supposed to. Well, there's a couple interesting things here, actually, with, with Persona. One, that game's supposed to still be coming in 2015. Yeah. Outside of the short animated video, we've yet to see one real in-game screenshot. Okay, not saying yeah. not saying I don't have faith in them, but I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. And then there was the terminology they like to use, which doesn't really affect us. Boy, they had some really weird terminology with that game at PlayStation Experience in that Persona Five coming to PlayStation Three and PlayStation Four exclusively in the Americas. What is that? What does that mean? Now, like I said, this doesn't affect us. Like, does that mean Persona Five is going to be on other formats in Europe? And but see, that wouldn't make sense. I, mean, I know. I agree. Sense, I it agree. Makes sense. But to... there is a. But don't you think it's weird? Why? Who has ever specified that? Well, but, but was there announcement in terms of in the Americas? Not like because I said I. I mean, I think we all thought it had been, but it, it had not been announced for America mm. before that day. So I think part of that might have just been that they were just saying, like, hey, it is for sure coming to America, mm. like North America and, and whatever. Well, well, God, I hope so, because... I mean, I mean you know... I mean, yeah, like, right. I, that, I, say, that, I make a smart remark like that because yeah. uh, I, I don't think Sega, what they're under, what Index Holding and Atlas or whatever is with, the, is it Sega Sammy Holdings or whatever? Yeah, because God forbid they can put Sonic Boom out. And yeah, I mean, there, there's no, know. I mean, there, there's never, there is no, <laughs> there is no scenario you can think of where Persona Five does not come to America. So like, I, I, I appreciate them doing that, but it, that, I mean, for me personally, that was like the bigger disappointment because I could just laugh and laugh and laugh at the Final Fantasy Seven <laughs> thing, whereas I'm like, oh, they're gonna actually show, like. I, I think I heard rumored that they were going to show maybe like the next character in the game or something right. like that, you know. And there was it was just nothing. But like I said, that was that was just just oh gee thanks Atlas versus just the absolute damage <laughs> that Square Enix did to you, right? You know, uh, with that Final Fantasy VII announcement. So, and I want to say real quick, by the way, just going back a second. Uh, Gravity Rush was Tokyo Game Show 2013, not 12. Okay, it's still been a while though. Yeah, it's still it's still. I mean, like we were, you know, you everybody was hoping we'd see more about it this year, but it hasn't been as long. But you know, I mean, you know, kind of you mentioning that though with with Persona, is I do think that some of the I, I just feel like a lot of Japanese games sometimes like we just don't see much about them until they're almost ready to come out. Right. You know, so I I'm not worried about Persona. Um, I definitely do think that it's not coming as soon as we expected it to come. I'm expecting that like late third quarter, fourth quarter, 2015. Because I mean, it was supposed to be this year in Japan. Oh, that's right. So, uh, I don't, I don't know if, you know, and I'm, I'm really curious to know like who, who was responsible for the PS4 version, you know, um, because, I mean, ever since Sony, I mean, Sega came in the picture, I was wondering if Sega was going to kind of convince Atlas to also do it for PS4. Just because just because PS3 only in America at this point just would not make sense. Right. Uh, you know, and 
and I, I, I think, like, I'm not worried because I, I do, I do really think that part of that delay was because they're going to now do both versions at the same time. Mm. And, and if you ask me, that's, that's definitely a more than, than a valid reason to delay that game. I, th- I would agree with that, especially with the current install base north of 15 million in such a short span of time. So that gets yeah. into a lot more potential hands or people that have heard about the series. So, and, uh, now, speak, speaking of the unexpected, and I, I kind of threw a pot shot there at Sega with Sonic Boom. And uh, so with the ill-received nature of Sonic Boom, which we won't even get into, uh, was it almost an apology from Sega of sorts by saying that Yakuza 5 would finally be coming? To- but it's not Sega, is the thing. It's not Sega. It's Sony doing that. Oh, really? Like, I mean, I mean we, need, we, need, yeah, we need to be clear here, and I guess maybe you don't realize this, is... Because Sega, I mean, sorry, Sony set up was it second second party publishing? Oh, the, they, oh, that's news to me. I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, catch so, that. so, so they're doing the tra- translation job and everything. I would not be surprised. Really? Um, so, I want. I'm. I don't know if it was the first game, but one of the games that came out via this is Borderlands Two on the Vita, and Sony programmed i mean sony did all the development from my understanding of that version of borderlands 2 so gearbox didn't make it sony made it so so this i said i think it's called second party publishing i'm not i don't remember the exact name of it offhand but it's a division sony set up to help publishers bring games to the ps4 and you know obviously they have all the indie efforts but this is more of a big company thing so Sony is responsible for bringing Yakuza 5 over. Oh, Sega is not. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Because uh, Sony had the big... I'm trying to think. Wasn't there before... Oh, they had like a Japanese... Yeah, okay. I, I believe it was they had the Japanese RPG uh, like kind of questionnaire Twitter thing go out before. And I, I feel like it was one of the Tales of games. That that won the vote, and so Sony helped bring that to America. Mm. Like, I'm totally spacing off on what it was, but um, yeah, there was basically a vote that went on online, and Yakuza Five was like one of, if not the top of the list. So Sony is is basically helping Sega bring it out over here. That's kind of amazing. So don't 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 go thanking Sega because they aren't <laughs> doing it. Wow. Sega is um I don't know what I don't know what to think anymore of Sega. I don't know. I mean, on one hand they're actually bringing over the Hatsune Miku games, which is which is cool. On the other hand, it just feels like they can't do anything themselves anymore. Like they can't bring over Yakuza. They they don't know what to do with Fantasy Star Online two, you know? Oh god, yeah, that's another sore spot. I forgot about yeah, that's It's like whenever a, a Sega game I want comes out in Japan, I just like feel really sad because I might as well just give up on it at this point. Hmm. Like Sega, Sega to me has fallen so far. like people bitch about Capcom, um, or other companies. And I was gonna say Konami, but I think actually Konami's gotten worse uh, than Sega really? compared to what they used to be. Oh, wow. Compared to, compared to what they used to be, I would say absolutely. Because mm. I mean, what, what what is Konami at this point beyond Metal Gear? I know. I yeah. I, I mean, they are gonna have, have a new Silent Hill finally, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think the reason I think maybe I see your point. I think the reason why I may consider Sega in a lower spot is is at least I feel Metal Gear and Silent, or to an extent, Silent Hill is still coming out with quality. 
Yeah. But the sad, the thing I find saddest with Sega is they have such a deep catalog. They have such a deep catalog to dip into, and I've, I said this before on this show, and I'm going to say it again. When Sonic Boom came out, I read some of the comments to just to chuckle because I wanted to see how many negative comments there were, and I'm usually not that type of person, but the game was just getting panned so bad. I'm like, I got to see what people are saying, and I'm not joking you when I tell you this. It got. It, I went from laughing to I can't check the comments anymore on that and it's not because the people are in this instance it's not because i really think the people are wrong and it's bothering me i have literally never seen such a sad situation like when because i'm sure it's for marketing purposes like sega probably has you know they have to promote it because it's their product and it's their holiday game and no matter what it's what they have to push this season and they still update to this day. They'll do like a little picture of a character or like one of the new characters from the game. And literally in my life, like when games come out, even bad games, you'll still get people like, well, you know, if you overlook this or if you appreciate the game from this perspective, there's still fun to be had. You know, there's excuses that can be made. I have literally not seen one good comment on Twitter or Facebook in relation to that game and my heart, like, and I always say to myself, like, God, I would feel so terrible if I was working there, doing the social networking for Sega, or knowing this and having to fakely promote it. And I even saw a couple months ago where Nintendo's feed promoted it because I believe that game is exclusive to Wii U. And in case anyone's keeping track out there, did the Nintendo feed get just as much flack, even though the promotion came from them? Oh hell yeah, because they were promoting the Sonic Boom demo on Wii U. It's the saddest, most pathetic thing you can see, especially if you're a fan of the Sonic character. And people say things in the comments like, you know, they throw digs at Sega like, hey, you know, in case you've forgotten, you know, you have a whole catalog of depth beyond that of, you know, Sonic. Yeah, and I mean, I I think there's two things. I think first, I, I think Sonic is one of those characters that just never survived the transition from 2D to 3D. Right. And I know some people will argue like Sonic Adventure was was good or, or whatever. No, I'm with you on that 100. percent But I just I just think yeah I think I think that was the death of, of 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 Sonic. I just think like that that character in those worlds just don't work as soon as they go to 3D. Um, I yeah I I I like I was say I I think I would say Konami's fallen farther in terms of what they used to release versus what they release now. But I do think Sega is easily one of the worst in terms of... I, I think... I don't know. I, I might put them on the same level as Square sometimes. Because I think Square 2, you kind of feel just like... You just can never count on any of their games coming to the West. You know? you, you, you there's I feel like there's certain companies where you, you never have to worry. You're like, okay, if this big game comes out in Japan, we'll, we'll get it. Like I said, Persona 5, I never worried about Persona 5. I knew we were getting that, you know. There's not any question. Uh, you know, Arc, all all of Arc's fighting games come over. Um, good Lord, NIS brings over things that you can't even believe they would bring over. You know, uh, you have all these companies doing stuff like that, but you you get like a Square Enix or a Sega, and you just are rolling the dice every time they release a game right. as to whether or not we're gonna get it. And I mean, look at how long it took us to get Bravely Default from from square yeah that's that like one that, of their huge rpgs that took a long time so i think the fact that 
that Sega just it feels like they just can't be damned to 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 do anything anymore in certain regards and like maybe that's not fair maybe maybe it's just a fact that that I think whatever is easy for them to bring over they do and whatever would take actual work they just don't it seems like they just don't feel like it's worth it at this point because I mean you know the Hatsune Miku games those are technically pretty easy to bring over all you need to do is translate some menu stuff um because last I checked, and I, they, they might have changed this, but last I checked, they they didn't even have uh, both versions of the song lyrics. So it wasn't like in Romaji and English both. It was just one of the two. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know if that changed with the most recent version or not, but... Um, so, you know, I mean, like, like Hatsune Miku seems like a pretty crazy thing for them to bring over. You're like, you're saying... Why would they bring that over and not Fantasy Star? But that's probably a very, very easy translation, and they have a set audience for that that they know is going to buy it. Right. And they only need, you know, that's, that's, that's like I said, that's like an NIS title. It all comes down to numbers. Title. Like they have a right. kind of a set math, and they yeah, they kind of know what they expect to sell. You know, I mean, like some of these companies, like you sell 2,000 copies, that, that you've made all the money you need to make to make it profitable. Right. You know? It probably doesn't cost Sega very much to do that. Versus a fantasy star where they have to have servers and a lot of translation and keep up with it and patches and stuff. Or Yakuza where they have to really spend time and effort on it to make it, to make it be a good translation or people won't buy it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's sad that Sega's at that point. You know, right. We've gone from the Dreamcast era Sega where they were bringing over anything and everything and they had all this creativity in what they were making to... Sonic Boom. <laughs> now, now before Sonic Boom. Now before we move on to other topics in the in the evening here, want to thank the fans once again as we now are going past the 90 minute mark on Generic Video Game Podcast episode 5. Now I'm going to get some plugs out there. I think I'm going to try and put Shidoshi on the spot on a couple things. Uh-oh. And then we'll continue. Uh, first off, uh, once again, don't forget to check out the entire family of podcasts at radio.morningproject.com which is home to the very own generic video game podcast the nichiest podcast ever which has had a couple recent uploads as well as classic episodes of warning a huge podcast the one that started it all at radio.morningproject.com and i actually i actually uh i actually fixed up the layout recently so it it looks like a little bit more of a professional website now. So. It looks very nice. You did a great job with the recent guest we had on, Terry Wolfinger. You did a beautiful job with the DLC visual that you put in place. Ah, yes. So very clever. Also, uh, been back in contact with Terry. We know that we still have to finish up. We left off getting to the, the modern-day aspect of his career as to where he is now and what the future holds for him. So we'll get him back on the horn sooner rather than later also don't forget to check out myself anthony and shidoshi on twitter you can find myself at 24 bit aje that's with the number two and the number four don't forget to check out shidoshi that's at picoeri that's p-i-k-o-e-r-i don't forget to check out his latest work ramblings and the like on a professional level at egmnow.com and lastly, I don't know if we've corrected this or not. We uh, would tell fans to send show mail to X, Y, and Z email address. Do we have a new? I, 
No, we. I. I. Yeah, I did not get a new one. That's... I. I will for for the for the come in the new year. I will have a new email address that does not get as much spam as we get currently. But, um, yeah. For for now, it's it's just generic at uh, morningproject.com. All right. Or you can even send this a uh, short and lovely tweet to either of us for the show. I want to thank all the fans for their support, uh, bringing it back around uh, to Sega. Ironically, you know, it's funny. I always look at the comments and feedback we get into regards to each respective episode. And we've been doing this now for just over six months, believe it or not, Shidoshi and I. And wow. once again, I want to thank him. Uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, the two topics that seem to hit and resonate the most with people and get them talking have been SNK and Sega. And I mean, that, that, that's not surprising to me because those are um, two sides of life that just have very passionate fans. And I, I mean, it, it has to be really weird though for for anybody who's like younger right now, because if, you know, you're talking to them about Sega, like I'm sure it might be hard for them to understand like why you would be very, very excited about Sega in their games, you know? <laughs> uh, but you gotta be like, no, it's 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 all about what came before, you know? Right. And, and, and stuff. Uh and SNK too, though, in the same way. I mean, you know, these are both kind of companies that you're coming out with a whole lot of nostalgia, not necessarily because of what they're doing right now. Because I, I mean, we, we, King of Fighters um, 98 Ultimate just came out for PC, and I'm hearing some not so great things about its netcode. Oh, re- really? And that's on Steam, isn't it? Yes. Man. And I just I. And I, I, you know, I mean, I've not played it myself, so don't, don't quote this. No, as, I know, but it's just like gospel. it's so crazy to hear with a game that's like that old, and it's been on so many platforms, and now it's actually on PC architecture, and it. I just, I, yeah, I just, I think there's something I just, like Sega, just can't get netcode right. Can I, can I speak from the heart on something sad. here, real quick? And I, I hope sure. some fans don't get offended. Between you and me, if I'm just shooting it straight with you. I can't get excited about a fighting game on a computer. I can't either. And but you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm uh, glad it's there for those people. Yeah. I'm not dogging them. I can't. I just can't. But I, I can't, can't play. That doesn't. I can't play games on my computer. Yeah. I really can't. Especially like that. I think it's important. Except for yeah. you know, like I can play World of Warcraft right. or, or or stuff like that. But yeah, like a fighting game on my on my computer just seems like such a weird thing to me. But you know. That's one of those things where, like, like God bless them. You know, if if you're a PC player, then I'm glad you're getting more of these games. And you know, we, we talked about Street Fighter Five earlier, and we kind of quickly talked, mentioned it. But you know, the fact that that's going to be cross-platform between PC and PS4, that's going to be a big help to both of those. Right. You know, like like that's really going to help us PS4 players right. because we're going to have a lot more competition, a lot more people to play against, and then the PC where. You just never know, like, just how popular it's going to be and how much of a community it's going to have. That's what I think one of the problems I'm hearing with uh, King of Fighters is just the community isn't there. So, you know, I, I I say more of that. You know, with Guilty Gear, like, Guilty Gear is crossed against PS4 and PS3. That's awesome. Right. You know, we, we need more, especially more fighting games to do that so that you don't kind of lose that pool of, of people to play against because that's what... I keep going back to it. Anarchy Reigns. You know, Anarchy Reigns died because it didn't have players there. 
you know so so there's more opportunities you have to bring different communities of players into the exact same pool uh, the better the game will be and speaking of all this pc and fighting game talk i'll throw this out there a game that i've been waiting ages for and i've just about forgotten about it which was started on pc architecture it was then announced for 3ds and i don't believe it's coming to 3ds anymore now it's supposed to be vita is that yata garasu oh yeah 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 so I would love to still see that, but uh, boy, God knows. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Like, I haven't kept up with it, unfortunately. Yeah, so um, uh, I don't know where that's been, but uh, throwing that out there. And then before we get back on to our topics and finish up for the evening here, uh, as alluded to earlier, one of our intentions is to get Terry Wolfinger on for part two of two. We've also alluded to earlier the president and founder of Bauer Graphics, Neil Bauer. He's going to love that plug I threw in there. I, I thought you were going to say the president. I'm like, we're getting the president <laughs> on this show? No, but you know what? I, I can, I can bring this back trains. around to Barack Obama shortly, but we'll get to that. Uh-oh. And then uh, here's where I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. And I thought of reaching out to this person. I didn't know if, know if it was going to be inappropriate. I didn't know if it was going to be out of line. I don't know if it's someone, and I, and I know you like this person. I don't know if it's someone you uh, should even go down this road. Someone who I wanted to interview even in years past, and I never reached out to the person. Uh, and especially I got to thinking of this when I was thinking of girl gamers. I thought, who better to discuss the topic? Not, someone not only who is a legit player, really knows what she's talking about, has been doing it for years before you know, the popularity of like cosplayers and, and YouTubers, and I'm not saying they don't deserve the exposure they get out there, but uh, what do you think of Heather Campbell? Oh, um, th- my, my concern with that is just how busy she is. That's my assumption as well. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. Um, that would be a really, that would be a really interesting you know, thing given the fact that we 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 worked together before, um, you know, but uh, yeah, no, that'd be great. I just I just I worry about like her schedule, right? I I, I mean, I mean, because good good lord, you know, I mean, I knew her when she was, you know, she was doing play and she was doing just a few things on the side and and whatever, you know, and and then she. Uh, Talk about like people like that you're jealous. I mean, like, look, I I am so happy for all of her success, but there is some jealousy as well there, you know, because you're like, um, it's like, oh yeah, you know, play's gone, and and we now we're all out of jobs, and you know, it's like, oh, so Heather, what are you doing now? She's, oh, I'm going to Las Vegas to do a, a show with like Drew Carey, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, and then she's doing that, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm moving to New York to to be a writer on Saturday Night Live. And you're like, good lord! And then you know she's doing, uh, um, you know, whose lines it anyway? And she's one of the people behind the uh, the Fox ADHD, the animation domination wow. stuff. Uh, and she does funnier die stuff, and and she has like classes on improv and everything. So, I mean, I am so happy for her success and everything. But it's it's one of those ones where you're just like. A little little part of you inside is just so jealous of a person for their success because you're like man she has she is doing so much cool stuff and i'm i'm sitting here doing a podcast well i'll say this and i don't know how much of a pig i'm going to come across as <clears throat> excuse me um and how judgmental and, and disgusting i'm going to be and this will still be all within the lines of being politically correct and nothing profane you know i, I just remember reading play 
years ago and like there were some of the old school game fan staffers on there and you know everyone from Halverson to you to Nick coming in later on Casey Lowe and all that stuff and I, and I remember seeing Heather Campbell in there and I, like I didn't have anything against her or whatever I was like oh cool they got like a you know they got a female writer or whatever and I remember they gave so certain games for her to review and this is where I'm going to be disgusting and I remember saying to myself how could they give this title for her to review when you've got X, Y, and Z on your staff who is known for this in, in the game fan right. days and all that. Let me tell you something. I don't think I have to give her an apology and she'll never listen to this, but like I got to apologize. And I know I've gone on record saying this before. Like I remember reading her reviews on Street Fighter, Devil May Cry, and, and many others. Like A lot of the stuff that I like. And she did a phenomenal job. And I, You know, another thing that always stood out to me, a review... A game that I never owned or played, but really had me gain a lot of respect for her, was the review she did for Wii Fit. Hmm. Because that was the time when, like, everyone was on the Nintendo bandwagon, and they couldn't do any wrong, and Wii Fit was this craze. That, and, look, I've got nothing against people being healthy. I have nothing against people exercising. That's all A+. Plus what you should be doing. But like, she had the guts to like, just be like in the review, like, look, things, this is, I'm not quoting, but like, you know, this isn't really like a game or like what I consider a game. And she said something like, um, the only reason, <laughs> something to the effect, the only reason that she stays skinnier in shape is not because she likes to exercise or whatever. She said she hates it. She said something to the effect she watches what she takes in what she eats so she doesn't have to exercise. <laughs> but now, now look, is that the kind of motto or the saying I'm saying everyone should go by? No, of course not. But I was just like, you know, wow. You know, she really did. Like, I took it as like she wasn't paid off to right. do this review. I mean, there was no way she really spoke from the heart and gave her review. And that was always my favorite review of uh, We Fit. So anyway. Well, and I, I want to be careful when I, when I say this because I don't <clears throat> like I don't know a lot of the uh, females that used to work at game magazines and things like that. But I I think it's fair to say there was kind of this this uh, assumption or or attitude out there that you a lot of times have you know the the male staff and then the the token girl right right on staff. And then, like you, you felt like there was every magazine always had to have like one girl, and if 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 uh, if she left, and then they'd bring in a, a new one, you know, and just replace her. And I remember when I got to Game Fan, um, and I'm trying to think if she was the only real one we ever had like in the magazine, but uh, I think her name was Miss Demeanor. I have no so, like, recollection like, like, of this. M I S S space Demeanor. Okay. I don't know how much she did in the magazine, but I think she was in there for a short amount of time. Okay. And I got, when I got to GameFan, I met her and I really did kind of feel like she was the token female mm. because I don't, I don't think she really was a gamer. I think what it was, was, uh, she was, was she married to somebody else on, on the staff or something like that married or the girlfriend of, or something. Right. Like she that. had like an in potentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so kind of whatever her appearances were in, in the magazine weren't because she was really of the level to be there. And as I said, that's no offense to her. It's just the fact that she wasn't really a, right. a, a game player, you know. Um, 
so I think there were at times it, it was kind of easy to say, oh, this, you know, they got the girl on staff and and she's there to play the girl games and and that's what I. But Heather, Heather was, Heather is the real deal. Like like if you meet her, if you talk to her, there there is no question in your mind that she is a a. You know, I hate saying the real gamer, quote unquote. Um, but like she was the real deal, and like she was, a, she's hard, she's hardcore into Street Fighter, hardcore. Like like she would, she would be heartbroken, you know, by like the system where it has like the the rank points and they go up and down as like as you don't play because <laughs> people are getting different points. Right. And, like that would always break her heart if she went down too far and. Uh, she was the one to really first appreciate Dark Souls um, at at the play offices. Wow, that game goes back that far. I'm, I'm sorry, not I'm sorry, not no, uh, Demon Souls, not Dark Souls. Oh wow, yo, still, yeah, I, I'll still yes. give you the same answer. Wow, yeah, so yeah, because De- Demon Souls came wow. out when when I was at okay, play. Okay, wow. Uh, I remember Atlas bringing it around, and we we like we really weren't sure what to think of it right. because people didn't really understand what it was at that point. Um, but she was the one at at, at play. Like she, she's the reason I played it because I, I, I heard from her and she was talking about just how much she loved it and how awesome it was and everything, and because of her I, I played Dark, uh, Demon Souls, um, so I mean yeah she, she was absolutely positively the real deal and and if you ever, but I mean that's kind of I think that was kind of just what play was you know is is if you weren't if you weren't the real deal like no matter like what your gender or race or whatever was, like if you weren't the real deal like you didn't belong there. You know, because every, everybody there, I mean, not that everybody there played the exact same kind of games, but everybody there um, really had to know their stuff. And and it was, I'm said, I, I think play is the closest we ever got to a real game fan revival or sequel or whatever you want to say. Right. But, uh, you know, when you said that, it made me think, you know, you had to have been like, how in the hell does this girl get Street Fighter 4 when Nick rocks, I think that was the. Really I didn't want to say it. That was the one yeah. that. That was the one. No, that I knew. Got me. I knew that's what you were. That thinking. was the one yeah. that got me. I said because I'm like, yeah. wait, when Street Fighter Four came out, I said, oh, this is gonna be like being 15 again, right? You know, he's gonna do some crazy. There's gonna be some really crazy review. With, you know, whether it's 100 percent accurate or not, there's gonna be like some memorable quotes in there for the internet forever, right? And then I looked at who reviewed it. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> I was like, "What?" But you know, she, you know, it was uh, you know, she was excellent. Yeah, you know. Now she knew her stuff. And I, I played her a few times in Street Fighter and got my ass whomped by her. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, where was I headed? So yeah, so the, getting that out of the way, so maybe some guests still kind of reach out to, in case fans are wondering the reason why it's been a little slow. That we are in fourth quarter of the holidays. Uh, Terry Wolfinger, wonderful job, and thank you kind of for being our, you know, there's, like they say, there's only one first time, and he was the first <laughs> guest on the GBGP. Uh, outside of that, getting back to this evening, uh, maybe finishing up Destination PlayStation, talk here shortly and moving on. This is probably convert- controversial. I don't know if this is what you were alluding to earlier in the night, and after I say this sentence, we can we can swiftly move on. Uh, if you don't, but I can bring together Sony, Barack Obama, and Sony Pictures all in one motion. So, so Sony's, so Sony's not releasing the Last Guardian because the terrorists don't want them to release it. Is that is that why it's not coming out? 
Oh, so see, at this point, at this point, I feel like the terrorists would say like, either release that stupid game, or we're gonna release all of your emails and 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 ooh, in project stuff and everything. You know, and I do believe I probably I have a differing point of view. I, well, I I have a differing point of view because I know you on social networking. In terms of how do I put this, I, I feel both ways. I totally agree with what you have to say speaking from the heart. From a business standpoint and potential consequences if they didn't do what they did and if something bad did happen, even if only to one person, that would have been, in my mind, uh, people would be speaking differently. But, yeah, so I don't know. So Sony's been in the news a lot lately for those who've been living under a rock and don't know that there was that uh, now infamous Sony hack recently, which um, allegedly, it's being confirmed now, but I'm going to use the word allegedly. I'm not going to confirm. So allegedly, you know, it's believed North Korea was behind the hacks for the now unreleased theatrical movie of The Interview. Is that right? Yeah. With uh, yeah. Seth Rogen, who uh, on a side note in the past, I've been told that I look like. Uh, I wish I had his money. Uh, I don't, I'm glad I'm not a part of the controversy, though. So yeah, so that that's been all over the news, and um... I I think though I mean like I uh, and by the way I think Barack Obama uh, pronounced it as James Flacco instead of Franco <laughs> when he said James's name. I think that's what he said. Um, no, but you know I mean to get into this whole thing for a second, you know it's uh, I don't know. My side is okay. So so what happens the next time? a movie is going to come out right. that somebody doesn't like, you know, I mean, can this happen again? Can you have a hacking group that breaks into the company's, uh, you know, financials or, or computer networks or whatever and, and threatens them. Um, and it's funny too, cause I, I, I was talking to somebody, I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to name or not, but I was talking to somebody who actually works in Hollywood on some things and everything. And I asked, you know, I, I, I was very curious to know what his opinion was, you know, and I said, so what do you think of all the Sony hacks? And he said, well, let me ask you. He's like, who, who do you think? And I'll ask, I'll ask you this and see what your opinion is. was like, what your answer is. He, he asked me, he said, um, who do you think is the most scared? And this was, to be fair, this was before the whole, if you release this movie, it's, we're going to kill people. You know, this was just overall the entire situation up to that uh-huh. point. He said, who do you think is the most afraid about what's happened my gut answer and you would think they would have known this green lighting it originally or funding it my gut answer is sony themselves see his his answer and i i think it kind of i think it makes sense is his answer was every other movie studio oh oh yeah even better answer yeah because to show like because they're like a template this is a the blueprint now to see like what could happen right because now Every other studio, like he said, like every other studio is now like furiously deleting emails and and you know s- taking stuff off of their right. network and things like that because you know it's it's like when you've seen somebody else's all their dirty laundry air, right? And you know you could be the next one having the dirty laundry put out. That think that's like you know because Sony, I mean Sony, it's already happened to Sony, right? And I mean they could be afraid of more stuff coming out, but they've already had like a lot of stuff happen to them. You know, they've had a lot of their skeletons pulled out of the closet whereas like all these other companies are now probably very very afraid of what could happen to them and that's where i think part of the problem comes in is is when you when you bow 
to these demands, I think you make it a lot easier for this to happen again. But now, can I play the uh, devil's? Well, two things before I'll get back to devil's advocate. How much money do you think this is costing Sony? I mean, I mean, it, it's got to be a nightmare, don't you think? I mean, I mean, I mean, look at the, I mean, look at just the interview on its own. I mean, it, it's not, it's not. You know, people will say like, oh, it's like how much do they lose from what they spend on the movie. It's not. That's not that. It's how much are they losing from the profits they would have made on the movie. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because like, you know I, what's I mean, funny? I did look up his history with movies released, and I was looking to see how much they profit, and they have done pretty well. Like, they've all yeah, made at it, least 100 to $200 million profit. So, I mean, so you, if you're saying $200 million profit, and then, I don't know what it was, like $65 million Right, probably, or, right. Sure that sounds about right. So that's, so that's at least that. And then think about all the marketing. So they're probably at least $300 million right. that they're out. That's just from one movie, right? That's just from that one film. And, you know, I mean... I have to think they aren't going to scrap it forever. Do they really do that? I'm almost wondering, and I don't, I don't even know if I would do this. Look, I know this is going to sound like the biggest chicken SHIT move on my part. Like At this point, I would leave that movie just in the vault forever. But what I'm almost thinking Sony might do is kind of not really make a positive, but with all of the buzz behind it, maybe in a few, what if they just release it like digitally at home or like direct to DVD type ordeal? I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't. And I mean, because, because, like, they're seeing now that like no no streaming service wants the movie. Mm. But I don't. I don't know if I can believe no, can that. Can I can I throw know? another big curveball here? And this, um, I'm going to discuss this in a very PC way, politically correct, and it's and it's not a lie, and it's not really inappropriate. What I'm going to say, I'm just going to tell you what an article someone sent me today, and this is a legit article. Larry Flint. Uh, did an art he did a statement and as for those who don't know he's the founder of the adult publication and company hustler yes he said something to to the effect he said you know over the years i fought hard you know for like the first amendment and being able to do what he does and i'm not saying i agree with what he does that's not what this is about and he said if you thought he said if you thought the movie that got pulled the interview was bad he goes, wait until you see the adult movie parody of it that we're going to do. Yes. And, but that's, I mean, you know, God bless him. Cause I, you know, you know, he's going to do it, I know. you know? And, and I mean, if you want to say like, okay, you know, Sony has like, okay, they're looking at the interview and they're like, okay, this might be going too far. We need to please rein us in a little bit. Like you think he's going to rein in anything <laughs> on that movie. And, I, and I'm not saying that's going right. to get nearly the exposure right. of the interview, but yeah, like I, you know now that someone like him is really going to go. It's going to be absurd. Like it's going to be beyond absurd. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what a what a mess making headlines. I mean, got to the point where the actual president of the United States of America discussed it. Like, in you know what I mean? Like, did an official statement on it. You know. We and then they they kind of call he kind of they he he kind of called out Sony too. He's like. You know, I don't. I don't think you. Uh, oh, okay, done but that. can I? Okay, now this is where I come in and be devil's advocate. Can I be devil's okay. advocate? Look, I completely get it from a patriotic, freedom of speech, First Amendment standpoint. And I know there's listeners that are getting ready to hang themselves. We're getting into this on the show, but it is Sony related. That's the only reason I'm going down this road. Let's say, heaven forbid, that movie got released and we had the hack. And there were X, Y, and Z is upset. 
let's say someone did go nuts at a theater and they blamed it on that, even if it wasn't warranted or they were just nuts and feeding off of it for the publicity. Let's say a handful of people got killed. Do you think the president and everyone else would still be saying that that was the right thing, even though it was exercising the First Amendment? I I cannot, like, that's what I've been trying to put in my head. Like, I've been trying to vision that, like, okay, let's say Sony stood strong and they're like, you know what? We're, we're tightening up again. We're fixing our loopholes and our security, which you know is impossible to do for anyone. There's never a 100% foolproof way. And this movie's going in every theater. And even if well, I said a handful of people, even if one person died from it, I mean, imagine how the media and everyone would be all over that and how they should, like, I can imagine them saying, like, this movie was way overboard. And even though there's the freedom of speech, you know, when are we taking movies and art too far? It should have been pulled. It's now costing us our lives. And there's heightened tensions now between the two countries that have already had, you know, friction. I, I, that's where I don't believe. I think they're standing strong now. But I think Sony did the right move because it's better to do this than to be sorry. Now, the unfortunate consequence, going back to what you said, the unfortunate aspect is even though looking like cowards or chickens and they get to poke fun, it is, you know, kind of like, well, you know, who's next and who's going to give in? But, and I can discuss that further in my own opinion, but I'll stop there. I think, and yeah, and then we'll get past this in a second here. But I mean, and and I, I don't, I don't know if I'm like, I like what I'm about to say. Because I don't want to be one of those people about, oh, we used to be so much better, you know. But I kind of feel like America as a country, as a society, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, we would have been the type of people to say we're still showing the movie and if something did happen, we would say that's not going to stop us. You know, like I, this is a, tra- a tragedy that happened. We, you know, we hate that it happened, but we can't let somebody put that fear into us. Whereas I do, I do kind of think this these <clears throat> days, like I don't think we have that conviction as much as we used to have. Um, and I mean, I just I say that because I'm reminded of it every single time I go to an airport and I go through airport security. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I just I think airport security is ridiculous at this point. Um, it's gotten a little better than it used to be, but it's still it's still crazy. And I think we're just this, this kind of society that can be just scared into things, you know. And and so I think that if we did say, okay, we know we have to show this movie, and something happened then I think you might be right where we might then say, oh, the president told us to do this and, and, right. and look, and you know, something goes on TV and it's like, oh, the president was totally irresponsible. You know, somebody who just probably two weeks before was saying, oh, we can't let the terrorists, totally. you know, you have, you have to throw this. And then he'd be like, oh, the president Obama was totally. absolutely out of, out of line irresponsible when he told people <laughs> to go see the interview because now they're dead. You know, and like, and, and that's the kind of country that we are at this point, I think. And, and I think that, it's it's i don't know i i find it sad that that we're not that you know we're not showing a movie we're not oh i know when you look when you're when we're breaking it down like that i mean i'm with you in that respect because some completely anonymous people on the other side of a computer sent an email to us you know i mean with the point that like the the uh, cia is saying that they don't think they're credible threats so right 
We'll end it there. But this, I is, this ha- has been this has been the the Fox News this, political this hour. This has been uh, it's been on Engineering yeah, Video Game Podcast. A dateline here on uh, GVGP. But yes. uh, and by the way, back on Destination PlayStation, there were so many things over the course of the 120 plus minutes that that went on. Obviously, we're not getting into everything this evening. A lot of Vita. Like I, I, it, it's funny that because is I true. think you know everybody's been bitching about Sony America, like forgetting the Vita exists. And then they kind of took a little jab at themselves, saying like, "See, we remember, we remember that we have a Vita. We remember it's a thing." Uh, like a lot of games, like Resident Evil Revelations Two is coming to Vita again. That's that's I think that's another Sony thing where they're actually doing mm. the port. <clears throat> I, I mean, that's a weird one. Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, do I want? Do I want Revelations Two? Well, then again, Vita? I guess I guess just thinking about it, you know, the first one was originally on handheld, then. So I'd rather kind of have this point. I'd rather have kind of rather have Revelations first one on Vita, and not two per se. Yeah. But, Speaking of that, I saw not to sidetrack. I saw some new scans on Revelations two. I haven't been following it too closely, and you know Claire Redfield obviously looks somewhat different. But you know, I almost am thinking that's coming down to the Japanese, either the actress slash voice actress that it's based off of, because I saw those characters. It must have been Famitsu. It had the in-game models, and then next to what I'm, what I'm assuming were the voice actresses slash. Uh, I didn't act- see that. Wow. And when I when you look at them, then you see that I saw the connection. And I'm not saying that that was right or that's what they should have done, but when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's probably why. You know what I mean? Well, I know some people have been upset that like Barry Burton was announced, and he looks quite different. So what? Maybe what I should do for my homework is I should look in to see if I can find scans of. You know Barry, whoever he's alongside mm-hmm. on, you know his uh, the real life counterpart, possibly. I will say uh, on the Resident Evil topic, real quick, something I am excited for, and I watched it. I cheated, and I watched it on a Twitch stream. the The foreign release version was the remastered Resident Evil coming our way January twentieth, twenty fifteen, mm. digitally. Yes, looked awesome. Um, you know, fam- familiar with the GameCube I... version, obviously. This is one that I said for years elsewhere that with all of the rehash and stuff that Capcom digs into their catalog on, I felt gamers needed to experience those remasters off GameCube, and we are getting uh, we are getting the original Resident Evil at least. Yeah, I uh, I don't know I don't know I've 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 been hearing some mixed things and I I the what they're doing with the backgrounds and everything is kind of weird. Well, uh, they, uh, humor me because I may, I haven't heard. So I mean, do you not know like what the situation with this game is? No, I'm, so they I, they I, um they don't. Okay, from my understanding, and this is last I knew, they don't they don't have the original assets for the backgrounds <laughs> from, from the. From the GameCube version, they did. Stop it. So they took, they basically just took the images from the GameCube version, blew them up, and then used Photoshop filters on them. That so wait, it. so they had, they had, okay, so let me get this straight. So instead of having the raw code or data on their, like, we'll, we'll call it their supercomputer in the office. And taking it from there and dissecting it or whatever, you're telling me they went and took the GameCube version. Like, are we almost talking like a reverse engineer or something of the data? Or? No, they, they they took the asset they had. Like, I mean, I again. So now, if somebody's gonna yell at me, and I'm 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 admitting <laughs> that I have not followed this game since it first came out. But looking at 
looking at some of the shots from the game and looking at the backgrounds and what they've done, they are not high definition mm. versions of those backgrounds. I mean, there is more detail and everything, but the thing is, is like that could have just been what the original renders had, and then they put on the GameCube, and you can't tell all the detail. Um, yeah, but- because 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 one of the reasons you know this that something's up with the backgrounds is when 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 you you can you can play like in the in the traditional four four by three screen ratio, okay, or you can play it widescreen. When you make the game widescreen, it's literally just blowing the image oh, up to fit that to like. fit to fit wide. Yeah, and the tops and bottoms of the backgrounds are being cut off. That doesn't shock me because when it was first announced, people were speculating online. There's no way because they would have had to re- they would have had to redo that from scratch. I'm not saying that wouldn't have been warranted, but just knowing the industry and Capcom, um, you know, I will say the reason maybe I was tricked into this and why I was unaware of what you said is because I have seen things online where you can scroll over to see the difference between like the original remaster on GameCube and the new and, one. And, and there definitely is there definitely is more detail in that. Yeah, and 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 that's where maybe I'm getting suckered because I, I that looked awesome, and then when I watched it on Twitch, I'm, you know, it wasn't like I was like it wasn't like a direct feed, but. It uh, it looked pretty damn good, but obviously the proof will be in the pudding on the twentieth. But I mean, it's kind of those kind of thing, things where, like, if you know, um, I don't know if it was just the fact that when they made them originally for the GameCube, they put all that kind of information in there in the first place, and then, you know, they uh, by the time they got onto the GameCube because of the fact it wasn't HD, that some of that detail was lost anyway. Because the thing is, is like, I mean, from my from my thinking about it, if you take if you take a screen grab of the GameCube version of the game, right, that grab is going to be in 480p. Okay. Because the the GameCube can't output in high definition. So even if the original assets that they used for the backgrounds were in high definition, by the time it comes out of the GameCube a lot of that data is going to be lost anyway. Oh, sure. Because, right, it wasn't meant for... Right. right. I mean, it's, it's almost like if you take a photo now, if you take a, a photo at 720p or even 1080p, whatever, and then you put on to, you know, if you shrink it down to, to 480p and then you, you blow this back up to being the same actual physical size, the 480p version, even though it came from an image that had far more information in it, it's going to have lots of information because it's only a certain amount of. Oh, pixels. I see what you're saying, and they're going off that instead of the very original. Right. Mm. So, so it it could be the case of just say they had, they they had at some point the assets that they used for the GameCube version. I so, I don't know, and yeah, that's the problem is because I'm talking about things that I don't I I read a little bit of when it was first announced, and I haven't kept up with it. Well, these companies are amazing. If what you're saying, you know, even if part of what you're saying is true, in that like. I remember reading a crazy situation when Kingdom Hearts 1.5 was done, and that where claimed they didn't have like the original, like source code or materials. And I'm like, how does that? Like, wouldn't you think? Like, not only a video game in general, but like a multi-million seller or unique franchise that has millions of dollars pumped into it. Like, wouldn't you think the data for that title would be in some sort of a magical vault? And never be touched forever and ever like a... No, not when you're a Japanese Well, company. but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they make it yeah, sound no, like... Yeah, you would like, think so. Yeah, I'm like, we're not talking about, you know, I don't know, the, the the electric bill I made eight years ago. 
you know, we're talking about something that forever and ever you can see come back or use as reference. Right. I don't know. So that's that's the end of that rant. That that's just amazing to for me to hear. No, I I know. Uh, yeah, I I I I know of at least one game that we should have gotten in America that we didn't because of programming screw up like that, and it pisses me off what, to this day that we didn't. Are you allowed it. to say what it is? I don't know. Is it? Um... I, I I know I know people always get mad at me when I'm like. Well, let me ask you. I'm, I'm not trying to get the name like out of you. Let me ask you this: like Is this, this a game yeah. that we had gotten and this was going to be an HD remaster, or this is a game we just never got because the code was messed up? <sighs> That's what I'm trying to. And I'm not going to ask you. Okay, okay. Let me let me say this. Think about think about franchises that I really love. Okay. And in those franchises, think about a a a Japanese release that we never got that given what else we got related to that release um, makes it very, very peculiar that we never got that game in America. Really? So if anybody comes at me, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, at this point, I'm still not going to say for, I'm trying to think of like who told me. Uh, the person I think the person who told me might not be there anymore, so I don't know if I'd get them in trouble or not. It, at it, this point, it's crazy because the last time I heard of any data like that being lost, like to the general public knowledge, was like reading in the back of the manual on Magic Knight Rare Earth with working designs on Saturn. How they, I don't know, there was some crazy situation with the hard drive. Or I mean, working designs went through some weird stuff like that a couple times with their games. So like that's weird. That like brings back memories of that. Like. Having but to, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not the same thing, but I mean, I can tell you, like, with uh, let's let's go back to play, for example, because I can't talk about this. Um, you know, a lot of what still exists. I mean, I still have digital copies of of at least like the last four years of play or something like that. Uh, but those might not exist if I didn't back them up on my computer. Well, because just. You, you, it's not surprising when you work in a company and just see how lax um, backup uh, solutions can be at companies. And and I, I think I think it's fair to say that I think print is very similar to um, video games. At least at least the mentality people have about video games a lot of, a lot of time is that you work on it, you work on it, you work on it, you get it done, you get it out there, and you're done with it. You know, because like with a magazine, for example, like, okay, you know, why why am I keeping the InDesign files at this point? Because the, 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 we, you know, we already made a PDF of it. We've already sent it out to the printer. It's, it's gone. It's, it's out there. Like we're not, we're not going to print any more copies of that magazine. Right. So there's, there's no reason for us to keep those files around. So when it came time that you needed more space, uh, just get rid of some of the old stuff like that. You know, I, I think that's a mentality that really exists, and I'm sure it exists in gaming. You know, I think it's getting less at this point because companies starting to realize that they can do HD remasters. Well, they keep milking and, this stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I think for a long, long time the idea was, you know, what you make a game, you send it out there, you print up the NES cartridges, and you're done with it. <laughs> you know, so like, why, why keep that code? And unfortunately, that that's. I think a mentality that's way uh, that's far too often um, prevalent mm. in, in game companies, but especially especially in Japan. No, yeah, that's unbelievable. I'm assuming that just comes down to their to their their way of thinking, their train of thought, is my guess. 
Yeah, you yeah. said it's just I think it's a kind of like a like why why should we care to keep this because you know our 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 concern should be on the next project we're working on, not the one we just finished. I heard what did I read that about like something I found it hard to believe, but it was like they never look back; they always look forward or something like that. Like right, be still there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I've read some. Yeah, I've read that quote somewhere recently, but that kind of goes back to what you're saying in a way. But I don't know. I felt like maybe that was more generalizing or stereotyping than maybe not true for every single person. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a big problem, and so especially you know, uh, we so we can get in the situations where, you know, you want to bring a game back later, or you want to bring a game to a different country, and you just don't have the assets you need to do that. Mm. Unfortunately. Hmm. That's crazy. Yep. Now, I'm getting ready to transition topics, not because we've ter- talked about everything at Destination PlayStation. We certainly have not. Uh, and while it's not Japan-centric, as a lot of the things on this network I, I wanted to throw out there, you know, there were, not only were there Vita announcements, everything from Tearaway to Uncharted 4 to everything else we've mentioned, uh, it was kind of interesting to see all of the love given to Double Fine and their old-school classics. And- yeah. Um, what is it? Grim Grim Fandango coming first quarter, and then that Day of the Tentacle, yep, remaster coming. That was huge. So a lot of a lot more indie love and niche love, and and uh, you know, it almost you know it almost feels to me like, uh, and I, I don't like this is going to sound harsh on Microsoft, and maybe it's deserved, maybe it's not, but I I kind of feel like Microsoft is of the strategy of buying exclusives whereas Sony is the strategy of kind of fostering relationships you know because I think if you look at like all the indie stuff like the Sony uh, the PlayStation 4 is in Vita are getting so many indie games because Sony's really going out there and fostering those relationships you know they're 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 trying to give indie developers reasons to want to come to the PS4 Right. And the Vita and make games. And I'm not just saying, hey, we'll give you X amount of dollars, come to our system first. They're trying to really make it feel like that's the kind of system you want to be on. That's the that's the the uh you know, place you wanna be and where you want your games to be. Versus Microsoft who is kind of, okay, let's buy this exclusive, let's buy this exclusive, let's buy that DLC six months early or whatever like that. So I think it's in, this is another case of that where Sony's really working with Tim Schafer and Double Fine and trying to um, really, you know, build up that, hey, we're going to have Grim Fandango and Data Tentacle, maybe more later kind of thing. And I think that's the smarter thing to do. I mean, you know, on the one hand, it's it's always easy. You can put a lot of work into that and then have one of those companies just go back over to Xbox One because they're handed a paycheck. Or handed a check, I should say, or an envelope full of money, um, you know. But I think that's probably the smarter thing to do because you're, you know, it's it's like it's like you're making real friendships instead of just being like, hey, if you be my friend, I'll go buy you a hamburger. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So. You know, uh, on that note, I completely completely agree with what you had to say. The one thing I will add to that. I also get the feeling right now that not only is Microsoft doing those things that you've that you've said, and I've got nothing against them, or not much at least. Do you also feel like um, 
I also feel like when 2015 hits, you're going to see a lot more out of Microsoft, very similar to Sony. I almost feel like right now, Microsoft is watching Sony's move and then following up with as close as they can get right after. Like if you look at like with the PlayStation 4 launch and that debacle and how there was the repercussions on the Xbox side for a while and, you know, reparation of the brand. And then they they did everything. And to their credit, it you know, it's what people wanted. But like everything that Sony did, they went and corrected on their end thereafter. And uh, there was one I saw today. It was interesting. And it's not really directly related to Sony. But like there was the the issues with the Halo Master Chief collection and there's been online issues and things of that nature and they announced today as if they did like a big apology letter and thank people who supported them and if you got that game from launch between X amount of date and whatever now you're going to get Halo ODST remastered as well completely free as well as some other things yeah but I feel like they're doing a very like they're kind of watching what Sony's doing for quote gamers or what have you and then they're following suit after they see their cards being played. I kind of get that feeling. I almost feel like it's like it's it's in so many ways. I feel like Sony and Microsoft just like switched bodies. It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, it was overnight. Because I mean, you know, Sony used to be the one that did like constant updates to their their systems, and then Microsoft only did it like twice a year. And now Sony is only doing it twice a year, and Microsoft's doing it constantly. And Microsoft used to be the place that fostered all these kind of indie game developers and right. stuff like that. And now Sony is the one who's doing that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like weird. And it does, it really feels like they're just doing the opposite of what they did last generation. Right. And, it's, and it's I, unbelievable. I, I really think, um, you know, I think Microsoft in a way just feels like they kind of don't know what they're doing. And I'm not saying that because they're incompetent. I think it's because I really do feel like they had a big plan in place. And just so much of that got just like thrown into limbo, you know. Uh, Because when they announced the system, they had just, okay, here's what we're doing. We're doing all all this DRM stuff. And because we're doing all this DRM stuff, we can do all these kind of other interesting things. Like you, you know, you can just buy a game and then install it. And then you can give that disc to your friend and they can pay the money and, you know, whatever. Uh, and you can do family sharing and all this kind of crazy stuff. And you're going to have Connect, and Connect's going to be this major, <laughs> like, you have to have it. You have to have it on your system at all times, or like your system won't even work. And then, you know, like, and then, oh, all this media, you're going to plug your cable box into your system, you know, like all these plans in place. And then the DRM thing got completely scrapped. Um, they've, they've just put a shiv in the back of the X, of the, of the, of the Connect. You know, they're just right. like, oh, no, that connect. You don't need that anymore. Who said you needed that? You don't have to have one of those. You know, please buy our system. Um, and the cable thing just, I at least I feel like, just did not hit off. And I, I mean, I knew that wasn't going to hit off. or right? I felt like it wasn't. Um, but I don't think that that whole integration of media, like, like, I mean, you bought an Xbox One recently. Have you used the HDMI in on it at all? No, I can tell you what hit it off with me when it comes to television content or that type of content has nothing to do with PlayStation or Xbox, and that's Apple TV. Yeah, for ninety nine bucks. I mean, yeah, you have or, or that, or I mean, for God's sakes, you have on your Xbox One, you have Hulu, you have Netflix, you have YouTube. oh right, yes, uh, yeah, on both yes, uh, on yeah. both consoles and YouTube, yeah, and they've done updates on those recently. They're much nicer. 
And uh, but yeah, totally. And I'm guilty of using a little bit of that because my Xbox is in my bedroom, so that's kind of my device in the bedroom. And, and then they have a you know, Twitch app that's really really nice on the Xbox. The Twitch you know. app outside of PC, so a console based app. The Twitch app on Xbox One is excellent. Or fantastic, yeah. I mean, so, so like I and uh, again, somebody's gonna write in and be like, "Oh, I use the cable box all the time on the Xbox <laughs> One." Okay, great. I don't think I don't think you're the majority of people. No. Let's be fair. Uh, you know, so I I I think that's part of the problem is like I think Microsoft is desperately trying to figure out, you know, what this system's supposed to be at this point and what its direction is supposed to be because. And I mean, this is, you know, I mean, you could say it's their fault because they made some bad uh, planning and they made some bad decisions in what their goals would be. Um, but I think it's just the fact that, like, they had they had a complete game plan in, you know, in place. Um, and that game plan just had to be thrown out the window. And they have to it, that is a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. They had a... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, whereas they Sony, had a format, I mean, they had a game plan, and then it literally got turned upside down. Yeah, it did. Yeah, and and you know, whereas Sony, they from day one, they they came out, they said exactly what they're doing, they said they know what they're doing, and for good or bad, they've been following that step by step by step. Hmm. So well, now we've gotten into Capcom Cup, we've gotten into Destination PlayStation, another and. Uh, this just hit me. I've got no notes on it, but uh, there's only one reason I want to bring this show up. There's one game, and it, I, I completely forgot this took place just before, the night before Destination PlayStation, also in Vegas, were the 2014 Video Game Awards. Which, what did you think of the show overall? I was out with a friend that night, so I only saw two parts of the show on my smartphone and ironically it was two things that i would have wanted to see that being the new metal gear solid the online gameplay trailer and then zelda Hmm. but i did hear i will admit uh you know i I heard the show got a lot of positive feedback a lot of people loved it i saw a lot of people on twitter and the people part of the show were uh you know big on it what's that gentleman's name is it jeff keely jeff keely yes so he, I mean, I don't know what's up with, I mean, I, I know who this guy is. I've seen him like on game trailers or doing the interviews at E3. Uh, no, he's, he's, a, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's really big in, in the games media. I mean, he's, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not knocking to... him. I'm just saying like now, like this, I feel like this like blew him up, like in a good way, you know, like. Yeah. I, I think, I think this was good, you know, in the way that um, there's been kind of, you know, the whole Dorito Pope thing and things like that. And so there's been times when it's kind of like, oh, is, is Jeff just in this for the business side of it or whatever? And I think this, this, and I mean, you know, and I know him personally, not like we're not like best friends or anything. Um, but I've, you know, I've talked to him in person. I, I've met him in, in, in everything. So um, I, I think he's a really good guy. And I, I think he, he generally loves video games. And I think this was a chance for him to kind of show like more of a passionate side of it versus just the, uh, promotional press kind of side of things and what it showed to me was that it really was viacom's fault that the vga sucked as much as they did when they did oh i see yeah in the past you know i yeah i think it was because you know viacom was like well we're putting this on tv so you gotta you gotta you know make something that's to our demographic and our demographic isn't going to sit there and watch anything for more than five minutes if it's not exciting. 
Right. You know, because like, so you're not seeing it, what you really missed. I mean, have you, did you watch the VGAs previous, previously? Oh yeah. In years past, uh, yeah. not like religiously, but yeah, I've caught it. And yes, yeah. yes. So like one of the differences with the game awards was like, they would just talk about kind of the developmental side of something. And it'd be a three, four, five minute clip of just them kind of talking about development of the game and, and looking behind the scenes at stuff. You know, they, they really actually just slowed things down and took time to do these kind of featurettes and stuff, which I thought was really cool. But you know what? That's something that like any, a Joe Average watching on cable would not have cared at all. But for the audience they were playing to, for the actual people who love and play video games, I think stuff like that was really interesting. And so overall, the show to me kind of said... You know, this is this is something that that Jeff would do when he had a chance to really do what he wanted to do, and it turned out to be a much much better project uh, in production, even with all the little problems it had. Mm. You know, if it, it was it was three hours long, which probably didn't need to be. Um, they had a lot of like quote unquote exclusives, which were not always exclusives. Uh, they didn't present all the awards on stage, and said they had some that were already announced and stuff. But I think overall, like knowing what I've thought of the VGAs, this was a hundred times better. Hey, you gotta you gotta schmooze in with him and you gotta get us on stage. Oh yes. Um <laughs> I heard there was a dress code. Well no, that was the I'm sorry, the the party, the after party. You couldn't you couldn't wear sneakers, so the Naughty Dog team and Hideo Kojima could not get in the after party. Oh, you're lying. I am not lying. That's, that's, they that's, kept that's the story I heard. No, stop. Wait a minute. He, wait no, a minute. Kojima tweeted that, that he couldn't get into the after party. The the people he was just schmoozing now, with? Now, I'm, I'm sure. No, no. Now, I'm sure that when, like, Jeff Keighley or whoever else found out, they got him in. Oh. But I'm sure one of the things were, like, uh, you know, whatever was the venue or just wow. kind of the people you hire for it or whatever. I'm sure it was, like, their fault. I don't know. I don't know the right. whole story. I just know that, like... Kojima's tweeting about the fact he couldn't get in, and him, him, and the Naughty Dog team both were were denied entry, which I thought was very funny. Mm, well, so I want to ask you. So, okay, so Metal Gear Online, right? Right. So, do I get to play like Quiet in the Metal Gear Online? Uh, I, do I get to play these characters? Do you think, or is this like what is this? Like, I, I've never, I, I've you. never played any of the previous Metal Gear Online things. So, I'm gonna cheat my way out of this uh i don't have a straight answer i i do think there's going to be multiple characters you can play but ign had a really good dissection video i watched recently it was about 12 minutes and they went through that trailer in slow and slow mode most of it and then they stuck like they had a gentleman from ign discuss it and then there was like what they donned as an mgs expert mm-hmm. like on the team or whatever and they went through it and like there was a bunch of stuff they speculated and like we're figuring out that like just the average person wouldn't uh um figured out like uh, i mean there was uh, I, there were so many examples but like there was one like it happened so fast but like snake was down at one point and i don't know if he had a transmitter or something but then in slow-mo you watched him disappear from the area he was into he transported to where 
an opposing individual or was or what have you like right right yeah, the, yeah i mean there was a but there's like a ton of stuff and then there was a, sh- a point where he shot the one guy down out of the air that had like a parachute but then they were just explaining like different properties of it and like if this didn't happen what would have probably happened and looking at certain things on screen so for those listening and to maybe get back to your point you might want to youtube that ign that video put up within the last couple of weeks it was pretty interesting you know uh how they they took that apart but and i guess they have a different team or whatever doing that uh, yeah i think i think it's i i in the u.s i want to even say like i, I something I, I was i was i was feeling like it's it's their la that that, yeah. that new la uh studio that they created that sounds recently. right yeah 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 so that was pretty crazy and then uh i'm getting i'm getting like it's so funny because um so and then this might be like where you get mad at me but uh i haven't played three and four at all no <clears throat> excuse me um i played i played three for long enough to like it like the first like 15 minutes just like really turned me off for some reason Look, I can't uh, – I've said this before and people who have followed me on podcasts over the years have heard this ten times and I don't know if I've said it on, on this show. But look, I don't I don't get offended with a lot of things. Um, even though I really enjoy Metal Gear, you know, I try to look at everything, especially in the capacity of actually having somewhat of a voice in the industry or at least making believe that I do. I mean, I can't be like, oh, my God, you don't know what you're talking about, like, Metal Gear, it's one of the greatest things ever. You should, you know, how could you call yourself uh, X, Y, and Z? Look, I've, what I've said before is Metal Gear, I appreciate it a lot. I really enjoy the experiences that the series brings forth. I've also said firsthand that Metal Gear is also not the type of game that I can sit down all of the time and I have to be in the right mental state and the right Right. mood to play Metal Gear. I've said, made this analogy a million times. I can pop in my downloaded version on PS Network. I can play Virtua Fighter 2 or Virtua Fighter 5 or Fighting Vipers. I can play Revenge of Shinobi on the 16-bit classics download. I can pop that in tonight, get my fix for 15 minutes. I'm in, out. I actually did some game playing. I'm done. I feel good. Metal Gear, I need to know I've got some time if I really want to, if I really feel like I want to play and, and, and experience it and get somewhere. So here's the thing. When you say Metal Gear Solid 3, you played it 15 minutes and you had enough, I can't verbally beat you up or berate you for that. Well, I think I think what but, it was was because... Oh, no, I'm sorry. But Metal Gear yeah. Solid 3, I will tell you, having gone through it, if someone told me, even though it's not my personal pick, if they if someone told me Metal Gear Solid Three was the best one in the series, I can't argue that. So I, I think I think what happened was I mean so okay so I mean I, I played the original Metal Gear and I love Metal Gear. You talking NES or you talking PlayStation? Yeah, yeah okay, NES, right. NES. Okay, and then I remember, um, you know, Metal Gear. I think we were talking about the last episode is you know Metal Gear Solid. Uh, comes out we we get a game fan and it just was like blew me away um and i absolutely love that game i played metal gear 2 and i actually like i know a lot of people had problems with the, the whole raiden thing but i didn't mind raiden so i i liked metal gear 2 and i played it and i enjoyed it um i think i don't know if what happened was when we got to three just kind of a lot of things changed and it it seemed 
I think at the time, so I, I probably could appreciate it more now and I need to go back and play it, but I think at the time it it felt to me like a more of an open worldy kind of game and not not as straightforward in terms of like wasn't like the radar like the radar were very different compared to Metal Gear. Yeah, that was different. Like the that. whole setup screen was different. Like when you talk to, like it wasn't the or the colonel at that point in time. Just the visuals were a lot different. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? I I think some. I think a lot of people who weren't Metal Gear diehard fans, I think they had a bad taste in their mouth by the time three came out, and three I think. Tried to bring it back to more of either its roots or I hate to use this term like manly aspects because of pe- mm-hmm. issues people have with Raiden. And I've gone on record saying I think Raiden, especially like in 4 and Revengeance, he's one of my favorite characters in, in video games. But I-, I think the combination of all that and then Metal Gear Solid 3 coming out and being so good, like I think that's one of those things where fans who may have gotten out of the series and then look back on it were like, oh, you know, shoot, like. I shouldn't have missed that one. And I think because of that, by the time 4 came out, I think a lot of the people came back or got back into the series on PlayStation 3 with its exclusivity. But um, yeah, so, it, it, I mean, was, it, so... was, it was it was pretty awesome because you could see some characters like Ocelot in their younger years and they right. were much different. Yeah. And, um, it, was a re- it was a really good game. And there's a couple boss battles like, that stick out to me to this day in that game. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Like there was a battle with the old sniper, the end. And I got to admit, I almost quit the game at that point. I was like, I that, that... Is, is, is he, is, is he the guy, with the bees? No, that guy was earlier okay. in the game. This is the guy. All I, all I know is that there's some character with bees. <laughs> this is the guy. He had a little parrot and okay. see, but the interesting thing, even though I got past this part in the game, I found out later, like, even though I had the strategy guide, I didn't look through the book until I was done with the game the first time. And then I read some other things online afterwards, way after. And it was so crazy the different ways you could kill him that I had no idea. So, like, the battle I did with him, and, like, it was years ago, but, like, I just remember being out, like, waiting it out, and it took me, like, over an hour or something like that. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like... Who the hell is going to do this? <laughs> but one of the th- other things you could do is if you saved it there and stopped the game and went back a week or two later because of the clock on the system versus your memory card save, you would go back and he would have died due to like old age or like what not being able to survive the fight in time. So you just spoiled it, spoiled it for me and everybody else. Oh, well, well, it, basically, is what you're saying. That's I yeah, thanks a lot. But hold on. I'm sitting here trying to get to the point where I'm telling you I'm going to play it finally, and you're just like, no, nah, let's draw the whole game for you. No, wait. Wait a minute. There is no way you would have, like, figured that out. The last thing I'll spoil with that one thing I did, I remember to piss him off because I was so pissed in that, is uh, you can eat, like, the animals and stuff in that game. Mm-hmm. And I remember I ate his pet parrot. <laughs> <laughs> now you don't actually visually see snake eat the bird but like you know how it is in a video game like i captured him and then like i went to the right. menu or whatever and then i just vaguely remember when i got back oh he was 
He was so pissed. But that's what I love. I mean, that's what I love about Kojima's games. Is like you know that there would be an option, and you know he'd have a reaction to it and everything. Yeah. You know? But okay, so uh, what I was gonna say at some point was, um, so I didn't play those games, but and then also I thought Metal Gear uh, Solid Five Ground Zeroes or whatever yes. it's called. I thought that was so ridiculous just to wait was released and the pricing and everything. But I am getting stupidly excited for five. And I don't know why, but I'm just really, really excited for that game now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's you know, it's Metal Gear. I think I think. Whether you, I don't want to say hate it because if you, if someone hates it, like what's the reason? But like, I think maybe people who love it or or still have a curiosity about it, you know, Metal Gear always brings like a new engine. It's kind of, uh, it's not always like the embarking on a new generation because we're already at the new generation. But like, you know, you always know when Metal Gear hits, you're really gonna see some special things with the hardware. You know, it may not be the greatest looking game on the console by the time the cycle ends, but like. It always has its place and special moment and introduces some new gameplay ideas. You know you're going to see some outlandish storyline aspects. Um, and and, and each, each version brings something unique. Like One of the things I think that gets overlooked, and mind you, I'm going off memory, so uh, I might, might be a little cloudy on this. I remember the weapon system and the... The creation or modification aspect introduced in Metal Gear Solid 4, I thought was pretty insane at the time. Now, mind you, it's been years since I've done it, so I don't, I can't explain it to you in full detail. But I remember with all of the options and, and what you could do and create was pretty damn uh, good. You know, in the anime, you know, they, they improved more of the controls in MGS4, which made it more user-friendly than than the controls of, you know, the other Metal Gear games. Because admittedly, once again, it's with that Metal Gear mindset. Like, when I play Metal Gear, you know, like, holding down, what is it? You got XO, it's like X, you hold it, you kneel down, and then if you hold it in longer, then you go to full-on, like, crouch mode. Like, there's certain weird quirks that if you're a Metal Gear fan, you're completely used to it. But, like, for the average gamer and with the way many third-person or first-person shooters are set up, I will admit it feels, uh, it could feel unnatural to you. If you're not a Metal Gear buff, but they've now made strides to either modernize or to give you more options, whether it be in Guns of the Patriots or like the new MGS5. So um, I, I don't know. Metal Gear, it's uh, it's interesting because I used to think it was kind of, you know, really stood on its own and it still kind of does. I always feel like it has more gamey aspects it brings to the table amidst its... its uh, realistic military nature but i do feel it has some more indirect competition with like your call of duties and battlefields in terms of like military weaponry and and kind of who's the flag bearer for you know who's got the most you know the the fanatical detail when it comes yeah. to that you know yeah i think part of it too might be just that um I think for what Kojima's trying to do with his games, maybe it's just the fact that I think the the new systems might be where they finally can can start to really be realized. You know, because I I I look at like the character models in, um, I mean I did, I did play Ground Zero, and I look at the character models in that, and just kind of what we're seeing in Five, and it's like okay, that's what these characters are supposed to look like. Whereas even on the PS3, you know, they still were were kind of, um just too video game looking to me oh we mm, 
in terms of the over, in terms of the look. Yeah, I see the look and the overall, just like what he can do design wise right. in the world and everything. I mean, I, I I still like I still appreciate what the original Metal Gear Solid did, and what Metal Gear Two did and everything. But I I just think that um. I don't know. I just, I just think that like there's something about the 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 way these games are going to be on the new system that it's going to really f- get to that point of what I think he's trying to do with his games. I'm chuckling here for I'm, my mind. I mean, I, I, I'm having trouble explaining. No, what I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. My mind's all over the place just on the Metal Gear topic. And no, I, I just like I said. I think there's, I think there's certain games like. I think racing games is the same way that like I think the the more technologically advanced our systems get the 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 more realized a racing game can be. Right. You know, like when you look at a drive club you're like wow this is getting a lot closer to what driving games like what I want from them. Um you know versus like a fighting game where I, I think you could go you could still put a 2D fighter on a Saturn, you know, or a Neo Geo and still have a great fighting game. I see what you're saying, but for this type of this type of game or genre, yeah, I, I just think that like I mean because he's he's so he wants to do like all these kind of very cinematic games and everything and storytelling and and these kind of characters and stuff, and I think those can just be so much better realized now versus what they could even be done on the PS3. Mm. So, so I think that's that's maybe maybe part of why. I'm getting excited for Metal Gear Five, where I wasn't for four. Well, speaking of that, you know, I didn't know. Well, I didn't realize you hadn't played uh, three or four. You know what? I should have gotten you in the past as a surprise. Is the the Metal Gear Solid the the full HD collection that came out a summer I ago? I do. I do have that. Now, what, now I'm going to be a butt. Which one do you have? The there's okay, not not the full collection. Okay, no. but you do have uh, yeah. So you don't. So you must be missing four. I'm missing yeah because I mean I I have I have Metal Gear Solid original just from from, from having the well I actually I still have my copy of Twin Snakes as well. So I, I, oh, I went have, you know I went through that that was on GameCube. Yeah, that, I thought that was people complained because it got retranslated, which I wasn't an expert on at the time. But I'm just going to speak from the heart in terms of the gameplay and the look. I, I really enjoyed that, and I think that was. I did too. I know people like hate I, they, it. It's too it's too like Hollywoody or no, whatever. No, I thought that was good, and that I even want to say it was programmed by Silicon Knights. Yeah, I think that's who it that was. That was I tell you what, that was good. That was a good yeah, one. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I have I have obviously I have the original game, and then I have the PS3 release that has. Was it two, three, and Peace Walker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm very guilty. I always pride myself that I go through all the Metal Gears. You know, I'm guilty. I have not completed Peace Walker. Yeah. But that was, uh, I love the art. The comic art on that was uh, Ashley Wood, who did the comic here. Uh, He has a really good style. But anyway, that aside, you mentioned Quiet earlier, and I have to laugh. I, uh, I see Quiet differently every time I look at the character now because... I've, um, I sometimes watch the Konami, the podcast that they have on their YouTube channel. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen this. And they actually have the camera, like, they'll have the camera in the, one of the offices or wherever. They have some of the gaijin workers speaking in English. They'll do some of the shows translated. And, right. and I've seen her. And I've seen her, like, 
tour the studio and do like the, in the motion capturing room. And like, I've seen her as a real person. Mm-hmm. So I laugh now every time I see the, like the game character. Cause I'm like, my image is now, it's like torn. Cause like when I first saw that character, I was like, Whoa, you know, I had this certain perception of it. And like, I've seen her real life and I've seen her do the motion capture. I'm like, Oh, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like that element is now. Yeah been right. destroyed for me <laughs> i'm um you know it's it's you know I, quiet's a very complex uh conversation because you know you have you have kind of characters in some games where it's just you know it's okay they're just there for the sex appeal and and that's really all their value is to this game and everything uh but like quiet's quiet's kind of different for me and i i it's it's one of those where Obviously, I haven't played the game yet, so I can't say she's a great character. You know, I can't say, um, oh, I understand why Kojima did what he did with her, all that kind of stuff. Isn't there rumored to be a shocking surprise with that character? Well. <laughs> and I heard a theory I, early on, and I, don't, I, and I could be, I don't know if I'm dreaming this or. I, I know what you're talking and about. And it's something to and, do with it being Chico or whatever. Yes, yes, that's, that is. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know that that's going to pan out, I, but that yeah. that that's what that's of course is one of the big uh, urban legends around the internet now is that that quiet was Chico, um, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that, I that, would that, say that, even if that doesn't pan out, I'm sure there's still going to be something wild with that. Well, character. I think I think part of it was seeing the kind of the more in, of an introduction to her that came out of TGS this year. And just she just seems like she's a badass character, and I and I also like really like her powers, and they're they're cool, but also disturbing in a way. Right. Because when you when you really see like you know when you really see her ability to to warp around, I don't know actually. Okay, I don't know if it's actually if she's warping or if it's, she's just going invisible and turning visible again, which I think that might be what's happening. But when you when you see it, like if you I don't know if you've ever looked at it closely, but her body is actually reassembling itself. Uh, see, this is so no I, I first off i did not know that yeah so so i mean it's it's hard to tell because like you, you'll see like her eyes kind of like turn black and then uh her body just dis- disappears but when you look at it really closely what's happening is like it's almost like the layers of her body are disappearing one at a time so there's like a, a split second that you'll just see her like whole muscular system and everything see, and, and i here's think the, here's the thing the reason I haven't put much time into this, it's not because I don't care. I, I really do. And you know I love the Metal Gear series. But the thing you learn with Kojima is that he could be trolling people or like some of these theories could be true. Like I don't waste any time on his stuff anymore. Right. Because when we get that game, Quiet could wind up being transformed into the mech from Zone of the Enders. <laughs> I mean, <Right>. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's done... I mean, with the stuff he pulled in MGS two and and uh, I mean, look at look at PT, like what he pulled with that, you know. Okay, I, I if I wish I was better prepared for this part, but I mean, just to put this into perspective, whether it be insidery stuff or, um, I mean, he's done stuff like reference real-life workers on teams that have been released from the team or killing them off in certain ways in the game. Uh, if you want a source on this, I can even give you what the, the I learned this in the last couple of years. 
on uh I guess I can say this because it's not it's not hidden. It's not like this is private info share with me. Mm-hmm. I listened to a long it was really good. It was from two thousand eight or two thousand nine, a long interview with Jeremy Blaustein. And mm-hmm. and he got into a, and he was discussing a lot of this stuff and like some of the insidery stuff and then like there's so much weird stuff throughout Metal Gear and and I have a publication from the UK magazine. They did a Metal Gear magazine around when MGS4 came out. And they were showing stuff like an MGS3, the remaster. Now, mind you, I just said I beat MGS3, which is the God's Honest Truth. But then they did the remaster Subsistence. Now, Subsistence I did not complete, which had more tweaks. Mm-hmm. And there was like weird stuff in that that I had no idea, like... Uh, was it like the a dream relationship with uh oh the one I can't remember his name now the one evil general and then a character that looked like Raiden and I mean there is so there's so much weird stuff so bringing it back around to quiet that's why I can't put too much brain power into it because I mean literally nobody has any idea what he could be pulling with with that right. character you know right but. So, I mean, but, you know, so yeah, I mean, like I said, something I was like, we don't know and everything, but um, that's kind of why just like seeing more of her and stuff, you know, my, my opinion of her, uh, I don't know if I would say changed because I don't know what I, I, you know, if this had been somebody else and just like, oh, call, here's Call of Duty and here's this character going to be Call of Duty, I'd be like, what what the hell are they doing, you know, like, like, why, why is she dressed like that? But whenever it's Kojima, like, I tend to feel like I want to at least give him a chance first because he doesn't seem to just do things just to do them. Right. You know, he always seems to have a, a, a deeper meaning and motive to, to stuff. And and I'm not I want to be very careful and not say that he gets everything right <laughs> because he has handled things poorly at times, you know, and and heavy handed in, in whatever. But I I tend to feel like he he attempts to give something actual meaning right. and actual value. So, you know, when we're sitting here talking about the the big is is quiet Chico urban legend, um, you know, if that were to be true, I I want to believe that he would handle that character in in a good way. I mean, he he might not get it right, but I I, I think that out of anybody in the industry he's one of the people I would kind of uh, expect to take that idea seriously. So, so as with quiet overall, I don't know why she's dressed the way she is. I don't know what, what her whole deal is, but I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt until it's proven to be wrong. And like I said, I just seeing what she does and her kind of abilities and stuff, I think she's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of her and, and kind of see like how she plays out in the whole story. I, um, yes, I, I agree with that. If on the topic you're, you're kind of alluding to outside of Kojima, you know who I always pictured reading that topic well would be, I always thought like in the persona series, like if they mm, well that's, you know, that's a well, big that's a big conversation for us to have I, I, I know and I know I know we've I know we've um discussed it a tiny bit in the past with other other aspects, other other topics, and I know what you mean, like they 
I think I think if I think I think if you want to say that Atlas, uh, I would say the same thing with Atlas. I would say that I tend to um, trust them in their characters and their handling of characters a lot more than other companies, and I also will give them more benefit of the doubt than I will other companies. Right. You know, because I mean, I, I have I have issues with Persona Four and the the topics you're bringing right. up. Right. Uh, but I think overall, if you look at other games as well, you know, I'm mean, not not trying to get in that topic, but you know, if we're going that kind of character, you also have Erica from from Catherine, uh, who is a complex character and and is actually positive in a lot of ways. And then just in general, just in general, all I think Atlas You're is still a there? very very good character. So I would I would put Kidoshi. Atlas in the kind of same camp as I would Kojima, if not maybe a little higher in terms of. Um, I have more expectations on them. I I think they do a better job, but I'm also willing to give them more flack when they get something wrong because I do expect more. Right. And I and I on, I apologize. On, on not to, can you hear me? Yep. My apologies. I didn't mean to be rude and cut you off like that. I I lost you literally for a few seconds there, but then you came back. I was I was in fear oh. with dropped, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's like they they bring it to a level of because I do feel that there are certain topics like that's one of the things that caught me with the the. Persona series, especially on PlayStation 2, were some of the topics that they approached, I thought, in a mature way, yeah, versus and, and what so gaming they, in general has given us. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, you look at the Persona 3 cast, for example, and, you know, I would argue that all those characters are are uh, very much great examples of kind of anime tropes, you know? Right. You have, oh, the, the cool upperclassman guy and the 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 rich doesn't know much about the real you know joe average world uh girl and then you know the 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 kind of like best friend who's in the baseball but he, he he wants to be the leader and so there's kind of rivalry there and like all those characters are just very typical of anime um but you know even with that said there's still a lot of depth to them to a point that a lot of other Japanese RPGs never kind of reach. So, yeah, I, I, I think said again Atlas at the same time. That's one of the reasons why I love them so much is because I think there's always just so much actual value and thought put into their characters. Whereas for other series, I kind of sometimes feel like they're just got this big checklist of. You know, what do our fans want? Oh, right. they want the little seven-year-old girl who does magic. Okay, make sure we got one of those. They want the childhood friend who has amnesia, but she still loves you. Okay, we need one of them. You know, they they need the uh, the brooding uh, kind of attractive man. Okay, we'll add one of them. You know, like I feel like that happens right. to a lot of Japanese games. So, yeah. Now let's uh, let's transition out here. We're entering the. The three-hour mark entering hour four. So we'll do our best to, to wrap this up here, maybe realistically within the next half hour, 45 minutes tops. Um, w- let's transition out. We've talked about some crazy topics this evening. We even got into a little bit of politics. But let's transition out to something that's quite different, something that's been hitting uh, people, uh, fanatics, recently. So we're going to go from crazy to a craze, and that is with the Amiibo figurines. <laughs> What's up with that? I don't know if it's just me or maybe the people I follow or that I'm connected to, but like, there's Amiibo pages popping up on Facebook to like. I just someone just put me in one. 
um, all over my Twitter. Like I've seen elaborate charts online versus what figures are available or which ones are rare, which ones are coming up for pre-order it exclusively at different stores. Do you feel like your Twitter feed, I know you're a lot more connected than I am. Do you see a lot of that talk? I actually don't on my Twitter feed. Um, I mean, I've kind of followed it because I've had to through work, and I've also seen some of it on, like, NeoGAF and things like that. But I don't – I I, I I think I don't have a lot of followers or people I follow that are into the Amiibo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost everything I have seen on my Twitter feed has been just the negative side of these things. And I I kind of feel like – the amiibos are another great example of just um nintendo's complete incompetence sometimes when it comes to certain things because i i just i don't i don't know what it is but it it seems like they just don't have any appreciation for demand for their products like they always pull that stunt of either shortages or limited runs yeah yeah. i don't uh, yeah and i know what you mean i don't know if this is working more for them i mean they do it a lot so it's it's you know, is it working for them? And that's kind of their their thing to get people talking about it and getting them waiting in lines for their, you know, their... Well, because, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, the, the most recent development in all this, but um, a lot of people, especially through Toys R Us, but some other outlets as well, they're having their pre-orders just canceled for, for, the, for the upcoming figures. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I mean... <clears throat> Like some of these figures, like if you don't get them on on the day they come out, they're they're just gone. Right. And you can't get them anymore. Um, and now with I think it's wave three, this is happening where some of the figures are retailer exclusive. Because up till now, like you've been able to get them that's, at basically any. That's store. true, and I'm guilty because while I don't own any, and I'm just kind of testing the waters, I reserved two of the character Shulk from uh, Xenoblade at right. GameStop, but then I heard. Toys R Us, and I think it sold out either, I don't know if it was their eBay store or online store near instantaneously, was Lucario. Right, and and yeah, the problem is, like, a lot of people, like, I've seen on NeoGAF, have had their Lucario orders um, canceled. Wow. Or they've had, like, entire orders canceled. Wow. And Toys R Us saying they just don't, they don't think they're getting enough stock in. And then I think Best, uh, who is Best Buy? Yeah, they were getting someone to, uh, is it, oh, shoot. Yeah, I'm not sure now. It's not. Oof. Yeah, I don't remember who Best Buy's um, exclusive is, but yeah, I said it's I said it's going to now. It's like now it's okay, turning into you, a mess, right? Because you thought you had your figures <clears throat> secured, and you you don't. So I mean, like people, you know, this is the kind of thing where, at least, I mean, I would assume that Nintendo wants people to want entire collections, right? They want people to want every single character that comes out because if you have if you have so here's the thing, i mean like there are people who are crazy enough to buy all these characters even at 13 dollars each right right but so i mean let me let me ask you let's, like let's say you really cared about the amiibos and let's say you got you know i mean if you get all of wave one right and you have all the figures and then you get all of wave two i would argue that you probably be very likely at that point to get all of wave three yeah, like because you are continuing you, yeah. your entire collection. Unless you wake right. up and snap out of it, yeah. I mean, at that point, you've yeah, hooked yourself. Yeah, but if 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 your intention is to get them all, but you only can find, let's say, seven of the I don't know how many, like seven of the ten right. Wave One characters, right? 
and then you only get four of the eight wave two characters. At that point, I think you're far more likely to say, you know what, screw it. At this point, I'm just going to collect the ones I want the most and not collect the entire set. That's exactly how I would look at it, and I'd be very frustrated, to your point. Uh, I'm very proud of myself, and not to brag, because while I still have my vices and, and buy way too many games, more than I need, I'm very proud of myself that I'm past that point in life where... Because um, I could have seen myself being real fanatical about this either in recent years or if I was in my late teens still when I used to do a lot more figure collecting and stuff. Right. And I'm 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 patting myself on the back right now that I maybe I've I don't want to use the word mature because that's that's not fair. Like I, I, people who are doing it, it's not immature because I still like this stuff. Like maybe I've just gotten past that little tiny phase because there are some people who I'm I'm close to and friends. And I'm not judging them, and, and they have been going crazy all over town and stuff. And like I said, that could have easily... That was me in the late 90s for the X-Files toys by Todd McFarlane. Just mm. to give you a random little example there, just to, you know, it's because I'm not putting myself above or below those people. And, you know, Star Wars toys, I, I've, I've been through all that. And, but yeah, just, I, this is like one of those times where I'm like, you know, thank God this isn't something that I'm that passionate about because I'd be going crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, there, there's a point where, cause I know, I know that one of the arguments people will, will bring up is, well, you don't want to just flood the market. Right. Cause the, the worst thing you can have is a bunch of product, no demand for right. it. Okay. That's fine. I I can understand that I can agree with that, but I I think as if I was in Nintendo's position, I think what would be worse is having too much demand on the product. I mean, it, it goes it goes it goes back to the NES days, right? You know, anybody who grew up the NES days knows that Nintendo created artificial shortages to make a product be in more demand right that's what i was trying to get to you put it a lot better i was trying to figure out if they were doing that right now but i yeah keep going right so so okay so you know i'm thinking about too like you think about any of the like growing up any of the big fads that came along and you had let's say cabbage patch kids you had furbies you had tomodachis (laughs) tomagachis or anything like that you know um i think at some level there is there is something to be said for okay if you don't you know, if if you're careful and you don't give out as many as you, you people you know people want, then that will create more of a fear, you know, a fury over it, and there'll be like news reports and things like that. You know, what I mean, like Apple, same way. Like, okay, are they are they kind of short stocking iPhones when they first come out because they know that'll that'll make it seem like a more in demand product? Okay, I know that argument, but the problem that where I think that breaks down with the Amiibos is. You're not doing that with the entire Amiibo line. Yeah, it's weird. It's there's certain ones like they claim lesser popular characters or like right. the Wii Fit Trainer or you know. Uh, you're doing that with only key characters, and you're also not telling people like okay, if you said if you came out and said, look, uh, Shulk, you know, for every five Mario's that are out there, you're going to get one Shulk, and so people, you need to realize that Shulk is going to be a limited character, you know. Like, okay, if you said that, that creates demand, right? And that 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 puts you in a position where whatever you release probably will get bought because people will make sure they not want they don't want to miss it, you know. 
the problem in the situation is you're not you're not doing that for the whole line. You're doing it for only key characters, and there's no warning about which characters right. are going to be short. And the shortage can be already over before anybody even realizes these characters have been released. Well, I heard a create. What was it? I don't know if it was a Little Mac or whatever recently, and the issue there was not only was it selling out instantaneously but because there was the green light and I want to say from Nintendo to sell it once the product hit stores which in turn like broke street date people right. who originally had intention of getting it day one or I don't know if it affected pre-orders but like they got shafted without even knowing without even knowing the correct date as to when they could even try right. to get one so that's like double bad right that, that, that's where the problem is like you know if 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 your consumers don't even know how to buy your product you've got a huge problem <laughs> that is not that is not you know supply and demand that is not creating right. artificial shortages that is you just having no understanding of how to work distribution and and how to make your product on a level levels that you know will satisfy what demand there is out there i mean Again, I'll, I'll say that I, I understand not wanting to have 800 Little Macs sitting on a shelf and nobody's buying him. But if there is actual demand out there and you are not satisfying that, you are leaving a lot of money like out of the equation that you could be bringing in. Uh, it, it's like if I was an Amiibo collector, I would be giving up right now because of how frustrating it is. Like I said, you, you have people on, on NeoGAF who are saying, you know, these people who are, are trying to collect entire sets and everything saying – my orders have been canceled, wow. so now I might just not get these characters because they're you know all pre-orders are already sold out. So I don't I can't get a Lucario. I can't get a whoever. You know? let, let me uh, let's let's do a hypothetical scenario here. Let's say, kind of going against a little bit of what we said. Let's say this heat this stays going hot for. Let's give it at least a few more months before maybe people start throwing in a towel. But let's say this has some legs to it, so to speak. And Nintendo makes some good money off this. Do you think they would have the cojones then? Like, let's say maybe the end of 2015, maybe realistically to give them the appropriate amount of time to make like a, a, a crazy set of amiibo, amiibos encompassing all of like the Pokemon. Well, the problem with that, though, is, I mean, you've got to have so many of those. And you want to talk about problem with shortages. I mean, how, how do I mean, look, I mean, even think about like this, the, the original line of Pokemon, right? Right. Like, how do you have, that's a, what, 150? Yeah, I'm just throwing that out. Yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. How do you do even 150 without having, you know, a seven eighths of those characters, like impossible to find? And I, yeah. I think I think I think one of the big things that I keep going back to, like whenever I talk about this fact, is um, Nintendo has an online store. Like, because you know, people will say oh, it's shelf space, right? Oh, well, there's only, you know, there's only X amount of racks that a, a store is going to give the amiibos, right. and they, they, they have to like, yeah. yeah, so they have to like shuffle old ones out and put new ones in a regular basis, or else you know they can't do the thing, whatever. Okay, fine, but. They've got their own online store. We've got this this place called Amazon.com. We've got GameStop.com. We've got Target.com. We've got Toys R Us.com. Like, like, you know, why can Nintendo not make enough to 
to give to those like retailers or their own store you know like why can why can we not have extras around for later like I, i'm gonna go back for a second i'm gonna break off from amiibos because there's a thing I, I actually can directly relate to and that's the gamecube adapter oh yeah i've, st- I've got mine sitting in the closet for smash brothers yes. right I can't. I can't get one. Are they still uh, like impossible to get? As far as I know, like yeah. yeah I mean, like they they popped up again and again for a little bit on GameStop, and they were gone instantly. Like you know, and and that's that's the thing. And I apologize if I already talked about this last episode or not. I don't remember because I've talked about this on a few podcasts now. But um, you know, I I decided I wanted to get that adapter. Like I don't I don't even have a Wii yet, Wii a Wii U yet. You know. But I played Smash Brothers with the GameCube controller, so I'm like, I kind of like this. I, I want to get an adapter, and I'm hearing they're kind of hard to get, so I want to get one now so that when I get a Wii U, I will have it, and I can't. And that happened, like, I think before the game came out. Yeah, how I got mine was I reserved the limited box set. Right. And But let me say this, and this will be more for fans. You already know this. And I'm not taking away the fact that you want the adapter. And if, if, on a side note, if I happen to see one, I'll keep that in mind then for you. I haven't been looking. But what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to get, I'm standing up here trying to get the right name. Maybe we did talk about this. Like, actually, maybe it wasn't on the show last time. I don't think we did, but. But I feel like we've talked about this guy. Uh, we I know did in private. Say. A little bit. Okay, not, not to this extent, what it was. but. Okay. What I will tell fans, though, and from my experience, I have used this firsthand. You know what? If you can't get that adapter, buy one of the GameCube wired fight pads that came out in early November. Uh, you'll you'll recognize them because they have either the Mario symbol, Luigi, or uh, even the Princess Peach. And in first quarter 20, 2015, they're going to do another run with um, Samus, Link, Donkey Kong, and so, uh, War- I don't know if it's Wario, but someone else. But the point is, with that controller, I could even argue you it's possibly even better than the official brand one because you don't need the adapter. The only thing you'll need is the Wiimote because this plugs into it as if it were a classic controller, but it is high quality. They're only about 25 or 30 bucks. And not only does it work with Smash Brothers, you can also use it for virtual console games not right. only on the Wii U, but also the Wii, which is something I got into a long diatribe on six months ago on this show, and I bored everyone right. to death with all the different options. So, yeah, I guess it's just for me. Like, I mean, I already have two GameCube controllers, so it's kind of like you know, I'm I'm already halfway there, and it's just kind of frustrating that I can't get that. And I was at Best Buy recently, my local Best Buy, and guess what? They had tons and tons of. GameCube controllers. Oh, now we're talking not the one I'm discussing. We're talking the... Uh, no, I'm talking about the actual GameCube wow, controllers. Now, isn't that, isn't that backwards? I mean, is that crazy? They're stocked on the shelf, but you can't get any adapter oh. to use them. Oh. And, I mean, that's my point. Like, I don't understand what Nintendo's doing when, like, Smash is... Okay, I mean, wouldn't you argue that Smash is their biggest holiday It's red hot, right? Year? I mean, it's red right? hot right That's, right like, now. their biggest it's game. Red hot. Okay, that's their biggest game. And the controller adapter that came out for the game, you can't buy it if you just got smash or if you just found out about smash and these little toy figures that go with the game you can't even buy a third of them because they're just impossible to find i mean if this is your biggest product of christmas why 
Well, and the weird thing is, the only wa- reason why this card, if they're playing it, is odd to me at this point, because Nintendo, like, they finally found the success this holiday with a couple things, and you would think they want to get as much of that money in right now as possible. Yes. I mean, if we're talking six months down the road, right? If you want to say, okay, next summer you can't find GameCube adapters, I, I, I think that's still, I think that's still a missed opportunity. But I understand, right? They can only make so many of them. They, they, they're not gonna, they're not gonna make so many that they, they're gonna be sitting on them in a warehouse somewhere for years and years and years to come. I understand that. Six months, you know, seven months down the road, okay, that's fine. That's one thing. When you're not even a month out from when the game came out. And when the biggest holiday of the year has not come and gone yet, the fact that things related to that game are impossible to buy is ridiculous. Because how many kids are going to get that game for Christmas possibly? Oh, yes. And and the crazy thing is, is that even as of the night of this recording, it probably won't go up for fans for a few days. But let's put this into perspective. The, game, the Wii U version of Smash Brothers has only been out barely a month. And yeah. this, and this and- item has been troublesome for weeks plural already it's just it's ridiculous yeah. it's ridiculous that you have a something that that the christmas the christmas that it's 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 coming out right before that those anybody who gets this game for christmas and not i shouldn't say kids like adults will be getting it too and whatever you know like husbands or wives or boyfriends or girlfriends whatever you know um they get this game for for christmas and they're like, oh, man, I'm so happy I got Smash Brothers now. And, oh, you know what? I want to get these uh, GameCube controllers. Or I've, I've already got four GameCube controllers because I had a GameCube. I'm going to go get that adapters for, for my brand new Smash <laughs> Brothers. Oh, I'm sorry. Too bad. Mm. You can't buy it. Uh, I, I will say, I don't actually, I, I believe you told me you live by a mall. But the last few holidays, including this one at my local mall, there is, they do a big, nice setup for Nintendo for about four to six weeks out in the middle of the mall. Do, do they have something like oh. that by you? I don't think I so. I mean, we have a weird little Microsoft store in the middle, we, in the, like in the middle of the mall, like a hallway. We have something but, similar to that as well. But I'll, I'll take some shots. They take like a spot, like an empty space area by Macy's, and they put up like a huge, like um, it's like a booth, kind of like a, a good sized hmm. booth. And this year they have a handful of 3DS XLs running like Smash Brothers and some other titles. And then they have like a big, big TV. Like it's got to be at least 60 plus inches or it's more than that. And they have the Wii U version of Smash Brothers running. And But I admit I've, I've seen it a few times this past season because I, I live right down from the mall. And every time I'll go there to look, not to play, obviously. I just look to see the people's reactions or who's playing it, and it's you know, the kids are always they're always doing the four player there, and it's they're loud, having fun, and the kids love it, you know. Yeah. The, the kids really love that title, you know, and it's it's always busy there, which is which is always interesting to me because I feel like Nintendo has some success. They had Mario Kart this year. They've got Smash. Their first party lineup is strong, and there's still a piece of me that feels. That that Wii U name is still a detriment to that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I still think there's some confusion, believe it or not. But yeah. But but long story short, I mean, the, the people seem to love their their products still. They've just had like that identity so, crisis. Yeah. So why do you not have those products on shelves? Know. People can buy them. Like I said, I mean, I just it baffles me that 
Christmas. Like, you don't understand Christmas. How does Nintendo not understand Christmas? Yeah. It, How does Nintendo not understand that, that, that kids are going to get this from Christmas and they're going to be like, oh, I want those figures. Oh, I mean, okay, look, no no kid's going to say, oh, I, my favorite character is Wii Fit Trainer. I want her Amiibo. Okay, no kid's going to say that. I know. Right, but I did hear the, I also heard the villager was rare too, and I, that's kind of. But villager is rare. Yeah, villager is rare. And like, I mean, everybody's gonna love the little villager. And but like I said again, you know, if kids are like, hey, I want to have an entire collection, or if you know, adults all of a sudden decide they want to get into the amiibos. But I, I keep going back to the kids because that is just like, kids want things, right? right? Kids want things, and they are a great source of bugging parents until they get stuff, <laughs> and and. When you give a kid, I mean, this should be perfect because this is what every company wants is is up the upsell, right? When you give a kid Smash Brothers for Christmas, they're going to want – and they, they, they love it. They're going to want more things relating to that. And that's when you say, oh, here here's the adapter so you can use these special controllers so you can have your friends over and play the, the Smash Brothers together. And oh, here's all these little characters that you can put into the game and fight against. You know, that's that's perfect upsell right there. And it's just oh, oh, Nintendo, what are you doing to me? I don't know. I just don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why Nintendo does this. I don't understand why they just can't have it in stock on their website so that when people want it, they can just go buy it. I just don't get it. Well, N- Nintendo, there's a lot of things that'll leave you scratching your head. I mean, the the extended battery I have for my Wii U pad, I got direct through Nintendo quietly earlier this yes. year. I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, if I I was thinking about buying one of those again, I don't have one yet, but I was thinking about buying one just because I've heard they can, you know, they kind of come and go, and so I was like, I wonder if I should just grab it and have it and i don't know anyone outside of myself and now obviously you and you're within the industry but like i've never heard anyone outside of myself mention that thing because it's it's such a weird it's such a you would think that item would be either two things either more commonly in stores and you would also arguably think that new we use off the production line would have that as the standard battery at this point but because i mean again if you want okay if you want to sell things right because you get People get the Wii U pad, they get the Wii U, they get the Wii U pad, they're playing it, and all of a sudden they're like, boy, this, this controller isn't lasting very long. And Nintendo's like, hey, hey kid, <laughs> hey, you want, a, you want a bigger battery? Got a bigger battery over here for you. You know, I mean, that's, again, that's a very, very easy way for them to make more money if they just pushed right. it, if they just had it out there, right. if they promoted it. Right. It's like, um... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Dreamcast broadband adapter. Oh, God. Which I think ended up becoming the exact same problem with the GameCube broadband adapter. Uh, Just, like, I remember. I I remember because I had this thing. It it was, like, the story of of Shidoshi's broadband adapter held hostage. Because it took, I think it ended up taking me, like, three and a half weeks to get it. Because it was, that was the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. And that was a thing where you had to know about it and you had to actually call. I think, I don't know if you had to, I think you had to actually call Sega and order it from them or order online or something, but you had to order it directly from Sega and it, it was this big howdy do. And I don't, I don't even remember if at the end, if it actually came out in stores or not, but uh, it was a total pain to get this broadband adapter. And it was something that everybody wanted, Right. but Sega made like 12 of them. <laughs> And that was it. 
and and it just it baffles my like I don't again I understand that there's got to be some level of you make too many and they're just sitting around you know and you can't do anything with them um and you want to avoid that I understand but there's there's a difference between that and you know releasing enough to satisfy the man that's actually out there like I like I feel like that's one of the things where a Kickstarter or something is it's kind of a really good thing to you know to do because you can kind of judge that that level of of demand in the first place. So right now, just by the way, I'm looking on e- eBay, right? Dreamcast broadband adapters. Let's look. Two hundred twenty dollars. Wow, really? One hundred eighty nine dollars. Two hundred eighteen dollars. One hundred sixty nine ninety nine. Two hundred twelve. One hundred eighty nine. Two hundred sixty five. So that's ins- I can't believe it's held that value. Yep. That's unbelievable. Well, as we uh, as we wind down and come to the final couple chapters here of uh, GVGP episode 5, uh getting late into the night, want to thank uh, the fans that are still hanging in there with us uh for this marathon session once again. I'm going to say, unless there's other things you've got, I'm going to say there's two things I'll end this, uh, two last pieces. One, speaking of limited edition items, I'm just going to randomly throw this out there. Uh, recently, uh, a limited item that I did throw my name in the hat for online was the Final Fantasy Type Zero Limited Edition. Oh, the the, the actual the console or the, the game? No, not the console. Okay. No, I'm not that nuts. No, the actual the game set. I don't know if you'd seen that. Um, I'm trying to think. I know I've seen it's the really, console. I know I've seen the game or not. Yeah, it's really odd because you. It doesn't seem that you can reserve it in stores. But GameStop online has an option, and at first I almost thought it was exclusive to them. But then I wound up reserving it through Square Enix's online shop, North America, for March seventeenth, I believe. But that was a weird conundrum too because I didn't go to this site and then just find it right away. I had to get linked to it. It might have even been on the official site, but you know what? That was cumbersome. Nonetheless, I did do it through Square. So you get like a tin case, limited box, 200-page translated manga, uh, I think a portion of a soundtrack, uh, amongst other things. It's about 100 bones. But we're finally getting that game after about a three-year delay. It was originally debuting on the PlayStation Portable, which I'm I'm and, I'm still I'm still upset to this day that we did not get a Vita version because that was kind of the the rumor and expectations that we'd be getting a Vita version. You know, so that's what I really wanted. Some people in the comments and online were kind of speculating what you just said that they were they had similar feelings to you on that. Yeah. But uh, does look interesting, and uh, as I refreshed my memory watching videos, I once again realized that it was more of an action RPG and not turn based. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of uh, kind of anxious for that. The game looks good. The models look good, but you can tell the geometry and the environments are more oh yeah flat oh, and not as complex. Yeah. So I kind of you know we'll, let's let's see how that pans out. But um, the limited set did look nice. And then the last thing, and I think it's kind of fitting to discuss this game on the morning project site. I had never heard of this game. I only knew of this game because of warning a huge podcast so many... I mean, literally, it was years ago, which I I can't believe. And it was such a weird 
sounding game to me. Now, are you are you are you going to pronounce it properly? Oh, oh, good lord! Or else he he will he. I I, I think I think you know it's like it's like well, like like Candyman. Like if you say the name I, three times in front of the mirror, I, I think whenever you don't pronounce this game right, is a certain somebody shows up. And let's see if I remember. It, is it Steins? There you Gate? there you go. With and that's with the semicolon. Yes. So yes, he he, his, he will, his, he will not, his spirit he, his spirit lives on. Yes, he will not appear because you pronounced it properly. <laughs> but he, well, he's still going to get me tonight. You know why? Because I said blaze blue like oh, two or three times. Oh, that is right. <laughs> but but I um, yeah, he, I mean he, he, that's that's a that's a that's a tough one because there's there's a lot of arguments on that one. Yeah, and, but, and I I tried arguing that at, at EGM and that didn't go so well all the time. So so here's the deal. Now I'm going to mispronounce it. So shot. Now let's actually let's give a little background. Steinsgate uh, was technically released in English this past spring mm-hmm. on JList, mm-hmm. and I actually thought about getting it just to. And, but I'm like, you know what? Do I mean? I'm I'm saying to myself, Jesus Christ, do I <laughs> do I really need this in my life right now? Right. You know, that's what it was coming down to. And but it did release and it got translated. That was an exclusive JList had. They offered a limited edition on PC, standard edition, and then a digital. And then that was kind of it. So I said to myself, oh, I'm like, oh well, you know, we got it in the US and that was kind of our outlet. You know, that's that's how I looked at it. So I was legitimately surprised a couple days ago. I'll even go as far as to say shocked. I was shocked. I was absolutely I, I was shocked that Steinsgate is going to come here for PlayStation 3 and, and Vita in 2015. Yeah. Now, there was some speculation. People were like, is this going to get retranslated? Are they going to use the same translation? I'm going to assume they're not going to use the translation. Not, not that I know anything about it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I... Um, I, 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 I it's... So, it's, I mean, it's an interesting situation because, you know, I, I, I am not hugely familiar with this game. I, I, I know some pieces and parts of it and everything, but, you know... Um, and talking to Nick and having the conversations we had on Warning is that one of the biggest roadblocks to this coming out in English was just how hard it would be to give a good translation done for it because it just it's it's a lot of slang, a lot of internet culture, a lot of things like that. So it, it's just it's like you know when, when you when you learn a, a second language, you start to kind of come to appreciate those those parts of language that you just can't translate like you know anybody who's seen anime or or certain other things you know you always hear the itadakimasu before characters eat food you know Uh, yes right yeah and and there just is no like i can kind of I, i i can sit here and explain to you what it means but there's there's just no really easy way right, conversationally it's not a clear cut yeah right one to one to to have like in a game or in an anime or whatever that explains what that means and there's just a lot of little things like that in in language back and forth you know english has the same thing so that was one of the big challenges for 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 stein's gate in coming over <laughs> was the translation so it's it's an interesting situation in that uh, from my understanding of the game, is, is that because of how difficult it is, if they don't use the J list, they're going to have to just go through that entire process, 
you know. Oh, that's a good point, of, right? Like that's quite a task. Right, of, of what kind of kept it from coming over here in the first place was just how much work there is involved in, in, in doing that. So so it's, it's interesting to find out what they do with it. you know. And also, I'm really, really curious to see if it gets physical release or not. Yeah, you know, the well, first off, I have a, a printout here. I don't know if it's going to get into that, but I did read a quote from someone about that. I want to say from the company or representative, and their quote was that they didn't confirm it, but they said that they're a fan of physical products and right. they don't want to. They can't imagine a world without the physical game. So I don't know if that if you know what where to make of that. With that being said, I have a couple <clears throat> couple feelings. First off, I'm going to mention Nick real quick. Uh, no disrespect to him at all, but like I remember him going on and on about this game and what a masterful piece of work it was, and he said it was the either. He said it was something to the effect of either as great or even superior to that of police knots. And look, there's nothing wrong with his opinion, but I, you know, I, I was saying to myself, you know, maybe that's that's a little bit much, maybe. But I got to admit, to his credit on this one, a lot of people who discuss this property, like, have that same level of enthusiasm about yeah. this product. Yeah. And on this release here, I'll just read a few sentences. It says. Mages 5PB and Science Adventure Team's critically acclaimed Steinsgate will be coming to PlayStation 3 and Vita systems in 2015 for both Europe and North America. And then the gentleman that wrote the article says some stuff, but then officially it says uh, Steinsgate follows the exploits of a group of friends who find a way to send text messages into the past and then have to deal with the consequences of their meddling. If you're one of the many who have recently started reading stuff like Virtue's Last Reward or Danganronpa, then you'll be pleased to know that Steinsgate is an order of magnitude better than both those titles and, frankly, the finest visual novel of this person. Uh, he says that he's ever read. For one, uh, he says he's massively hyped that it's coming. It says also uh, he's noticed that Rice Digital currently... Uh, have it listed online for notification, which suggests that this will be getting a physical release, question mark. This gentleman is guessing Rice's management knows something he doesn't. Uh, bah, bah, bah. I guess I'll give this... I'm trying to look to give this gentleman credit who wrote this. I'm looking for his name. Um, you know, I would give him a free plug, but I, I don't <laughs> see it, so I, apo uh, I apologize. But yeah, so uh, I guess they have a Facebook page up. Also, the publisher's... P-Q-U-B-E-S. They have a Twitter. It's at P-Q-U-B-E Games. That's a little bit... Uh, yeah, like P-Cube, I think, is what it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, P-Cube Game. It's a little bit of an odd spelling. So Yeah. It's coming. So uh, that was... Uh, it's, um... Like, I'm... I'm... It's it's interesting, you know, because, I mean, like, everybody knows I was a big, big PSP person. Um, and, you know... On, I remember on Warning, we would go over all these games that we wondered if they'd ever make it over to America, you know. Uh, Steins Gate, Danganronpa, Akiba's Trip, Criminal Girls, um, just other stuff as well, the, like Final Fantasy Type-0 and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's been interesting, like, that the Vita has kind of stepped up to save a lot of those PSP games that, that we never got in one way or another. Um, and, and just, I, I, it's, it's so cool to me just kind of as, as, as niche as I thought the v PSP was, 
you know, as, as an American playing it. Like, I, I think the Vita is becoming even more so. And yeah, and that's that's really hard to imagine. That's crazy right, to hear you right. say that, but yeah. it's but it's yeah. but like like they kind of partially the list that you just you know read off. Okay, you've got Virtue's Last Reward. You've got both Danganronpas. You're gonna have Steins Gate now. Um, I know there's some other visual novels I'm completely spacing on for the Vita, but we've gotten a lot of those games. <clears throat> and then you combine the fact that you can play PSP games, so you can bring in, you know, the the Hakuoki, the Sweet Fuse, the stuff that was that was released in in English on PSP, and then like all the other crazy little stuff like, you know, Corpse Party and and Oculus Trip and everything, and a bunch of stuff coming out, you know, next year too. Like I just oh the vita has so much crazy stuff and i can <laughs> i can understand that if you're somebody who likes like the call of duties and battlefields and assassin's creeds and stuff why you would think it's just the worst system ever but <clears throat> yeah for people in like me who are into this this super crazy niche stuff like man that like i'm looking at my shelf right now and you know i'm i'm looking and you know i have i have it's it's hard i mean no, you don't know shelf wise but okay i have I have a shelf, right? A shelf that has um, my Xbox 360, my one Xbox One game, and then my ex- old Xbox games on it. The ones that I actually want to keep around and play. And then I look up and I have two shelves of the same size full of Vita games. Well, so I have to uh, two things. One, uh, to give credit, this was from I Love Japanese Games. Okay. So there's a little plug yep, for yep, him. Yep, yep, I've heard them. But. Okay, so I was going to ask, how many Vita games do you own then? Okay, so I'm trying to look. Uh, so, one, two, three, four. I would say about 30 at this point so far. Wow. And that's, that, that, that's just that's just physical ones, so. That's uh, not counting anything uh, I have digitally. Yeah, see, I think I'm... I, I've got about a dozen on Vita, but I haven't bought a, Vita, a new Vita game in... It's been a while, Shidoshi. Like, and you know, I buy stuff like Gangbusters. Embarrassingly, I've got about a dozen physical Vita games, and I want to say the last one I bought might have been no, it was the original Dangan Ronpa, and then Tear Away I got as a gift. And I mean, yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear here too that like I do get sent some things for for review purposes. So it's like I not like I'm going out buying everything. everything. Yeah, and I'm not dogging your choice. Right. I'm just saying like that's it's amazing. Like thir- that's. But I'm, and I know I'm, I'm thinking like what I have missing. like okay like let me say you mentioned okay there's two Dongan Ropas, there is Tear Away, and then I have like Occupus Trip. I have Deception Four. I have uh, Virtues. Like- I, 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 wait, wait, wait! I almost bought that on the cheap for PS3. How was Deception? 4? I I loved it. Really? Yeah, like I mean, like if you liked the older deceptions, like I don't, I didn't play Trapped, but I've heard some uh-huh. kind of mixed things about Trapped. Uh, but if you played the older deceptions, like it kind of goes back to that old school style of it, and I, I really mm. really liked it. Mm. Um, I know I have Sonic All Stars Racing Transforms. Oh, they did that on Vita. Yeah. Oh wow. Well. I can't see I can't see titles from here, so I'm trying to. Do you have the um? Do you have any of the Disgaea's like Disgaea three or four? I. Don't because I'm I'm not really a big Disgaea play. Like strategy RPGs are really tough for me. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I have some of those. The last Disgaea I bought was three, and I just remember, and like I love the art and the and the, the craziness of it. But God, I remember the tutorial on that or whatever at the start of that game. I was like, holy <laughs> moly! Yeah, it was never ending. Like all the different things you can do, and from a strategic perspective, I appreciate it. Like for the hardcore, they're probably like in love with all your options. But I was like, oh my god, I felt so dumb. 
Yeah, it's you know? it's. I mean, but I I I can appreciate that because it is right. like the super hardcore. Like, if you want to spend a lot of time with it, you can get into it and stuff. You know, um, and of course, there's like Persona Gold and yeah, that well, you know. I'm assuming you got gold. I'm assuming obviously you got Gravity Rush, Gravity and Rush, and they've got. I don't know if I've Wipeout physically or not. Um, there's Luminous, which I have. Yeah, I've got, that was that's a good one. I've on one there. of the Project Divas. Um, I I not to jump around here. I watched it on stream a little bit. But what was your take? What do you think of Occupy Trip? I couldn't make heads or tails out of it's, watching. It's it an interesting day. game. Um, it's I I think you you have a little more appreciation for it if you've actually been to Akihabara. Uh huh. Uh, you know, and and if you know the real world and you can see it in the virtual video game form, I think you you kind of enjoy it a bit more. But I don't know. As a game, it's not like the the best game in the world. But I, I didn't, like, right. hate it. Like, I thought it was kind of just an interesting... You know, it's an interesting little, like, B-C-tier uh, kind of adventure. So, mm. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I said yeah. I, I love the Vita, and I love the fact that we're getting stuff like this. And um, I was just, I wanted to look real quick, because I wanted to see, like, what kind of stuff we do have. Because I've got a list here of some of, the, some of the upcoming stuff, and it's not, like, a complete list, but... Let's let me go to this and so I mean next year of course you have Criminal Girls you have the Firefly Diary you have um, I don't know much about this one but you have Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters for Vita <laughs> uh, Operation Abyss which is from the people I think who made Demon Gaze and it's just mm. kind of like interesting stylish like first person dungeon crawler uh, you have Hyperdimension Neptunia U. I can- I cannot look. I cannot believe how many sequels that I game know. has had so far. And I like. I am. I remember when I saw the first one coming out. I actually thought it was kind of a cool concept because, isn't that the one with like the fictitious Sega versus Microsoft? Yes. Or, and I loved the idea at first. And but it's what in the world is going on now? Like every time I turn around, there's. This is how I feel, and I don't own any of these. I feel like every time I turn around, there's a new. Neptunia and, or a new Atelier. Yeah, and and well, the Ateliers I, I love, so I, I'm fine with that. But this one is more like an action uh, game instead of like the RPGs. But I've I've played one of the RPGs, and oh, it was god awful. It really was. <laughs> I I don't I I know there are people out there who love this series. I'm sure a few of them at least listen to our podcast and. Again, more power to you. In, yeah. Enjoy what you like. I'm not going to say anything about that, but I cannot understand at all how anybody enjoys those games. Well, and here's my question, and it's this—it's not even the judging of them or, or knocking of them. That's not why I, I say that every time I turn around. I, let me clarify. Every t- And same thing with Atelier, which I say that because like every time I turn around and I see a new one, like are fans of those series able to keep up with it where and what i mean by this is when they look in the mirror like are they completing each one of those before they move on like because you figure those games aren't like 20 minute hour or two hour old school arcade games like i I mean those things have got to be meaty like i tried keeping up with the disguise series and i haven't like really scratched the surface of any of them like i put hours into some of them but like after three and like four look cool and they did d2 which is the the sequel to the original disguise which i'm interested in is going more back to its roots but i'm like these games are so long but like 
Atelier and Neptunia seem like they're coming out even like quicker. I I'm trying to think of I I don't know if the Atelier games at this point are on a yearly cycle or or not. They might be. I, I feel like the Atelier games. I don't know why, but for some reason with those games, I I I do kind of feel like I can I could handle those uh, better than some other other games because yeah, I mean they are RPGs, but. <sighs> I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. That I want to say that they're not as long as other ones, but I, I feel like for whatever reason, I feel like they're easier to get through because they aren't about the battling and grinding and things like that. Mm. It's just about questing and, and finding items and, and you know completing quests and, and stuff. So for some reason, I feel like I have a, I would have an easier time. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't played all the Italia games, and I think part of it is what you're saying. You know, is that it's just hard to keep up when so many versions of something are coming out. It's yeah. nuts. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pose something to fans. And I think this is the appropriate uh, Avenue with the, the listeners we have. So I've, this may be a little bit convoluted, but here's, here's the thing. And I mean this respectfully. And I, I, I want like an honest answer. Like for those out there, I know our audience must range between, I'm sure there's a new school train of thought out there. And I'm sure there's an old school train of thought more along the lines of Shadoshi And I, but like fans of Atelier or Neptunia, and, and this is not to make fun or anything like that. Write in and tell us, one, what you enjoy about those games, what keeps you hooked. Uh, legit, like, I legitimately want to know. And then is there anyone out there, whether it be of the new school train of thought and having played those and maybe gone back to classics of Shidoshi and myself, our era, do you, in your heart, uh, believe that any of those titles are better than the... Final Fantasies or Chrono Triggers or the old school JRPG experience of today? Like, is there anyone of the school of thought that feels the new school is superior to the old school? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that rudely. Like, I'm interested, like, you know, is it the art direction? Do you like the, the style of story or the modern day style of anime versus the old school? Like, maybe more sci-fi and cyberpunk? Do you feel that stuff's dated? Like, I'm interested because there's someone buying these games, like, you know, um, and even though Shidoshi has played it and reviewed some of these, like, is there anyone out there who's enjoying like Akibis Trip or some of the more quirky visual novels on Vita? I- I'm legitimately interested to get what people's mindset is on those. So I didn't realize this, but uh, so the Atelier series, in terms of what's come out to America, we we have had one a year since 2005. So I'm not nuts. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't realize it was that that kind of consistent. Um, uh, I'm not nuts. That's a, that's a decades work worth of atelier. Yeah. And and you know I mean let, let's say to be fair and the next one comes out next March by the way so um so that would be ten years yeah so far uh you know to be fair I was just knocking like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and everything for being you know a series you know and. I guess I guess I could I could also knock the Atelier games, you know, and um, I guess just for me the the reason and I mean oh but let me let's be fair we don't want to look at the release list for like Harvest Moon for example because oh god oh my lord that's got to be insane but because I swear Harvest Moon is like a series where like every year you'll get multiple <laughs> ones in the same year um, I I feel like the Atelier games like I don't need to play all of them you know. And I, the the way that Atelier games work, at least as of now, um, 
is that they're they're kind of trilogies. So mm. so like the current the, the game that's coming out next year is basically the third part of of the Dusk trilogy. Wow. But even then like you don't have to necessarily play all 3 cuz they right. aren't they aren't directly connected. I mean, they will have same similar characters show up in multiple games and stuff like that, but I feel like you could pick any of the Atalia games and just kind of play it and not have to have played the other ones. So I don't know why I give those games a pass, whereas I will bitch about other franchises. And I do kind of think that the Italia games might be better um, served if they did take a, like a year between, because I do feel sometimes like, especially visually, that they're just, they're kind of that, and I think this makes sense to you, that it's kind of those games where they've been made to be easily mass-producible. Oh, oh, right, right. You're talking from a business or company standpoint. Yeah, you know, we're we're like yeah. they're they're not. You know, I mean, you see a game like um, like a like a Grand Theft Auto, right, or or Dragon Age, uh, or an Uncharted, where you know they have to spend a decent amount of years working on those games because they're gigantic projects. Right. Whereas you see other games where you're like, yeah, you could get these once a year out easily. Um, you know, because the graphics aren't that impressive and the worlds aren't that big and the scope is not that large. You know, I mean, even like, even to be fair, like Call of Duty, like they're not having one team. Right. They're, they're on a three. They're, yeah. Now they're on a three right. team cycle. But back on the, the JRPG thing, and I know it's I've said this time and time again before, you know, whether it be older, have, you know, full time job and responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. You know, I I can't dare get into Atelier or or some of that other stuff, and it's not because I don't want to. It's because I'm so backlogged on Persona games alone. Like, and and that's not a series that's got stuff coming out left and right. Like they've done some re-releases, but like that's why I asked that time frame question to our fans. To be honest, and like I said, it's not to put them on the spot and call them out. Like. For example, like I'll give you an example of a Persona game with the like the visual style I really like and the character design is that uh, Soul Hackers, right? And, but I mean that game will kick your ass. I mean that game will kick your ass, and I know you're really good about that stuff. Like I know you're probably better at those games or used to that challenge level. But like there's some of that stuff, and I'm like. I don't know how people. No, yeah, that, I mean that. That's one of the things is is, you know, and I I think that I think there definitely is because after after a while you get so used to kind of demon fusion and stuff like that, that that becomes second nature and that's the kind of stuff you have to do in order to to make progress. But I always wonder, you know, when I do these reviews and I'm I'm playing these games, I always wonder what it would be like to be somebody who's never played one, and is coming into this for the first time. It's brutal, and I and I've got experience like. The one that's really brutal, and it's not like I'm playing it every like I'll touch it every once in a blue moon, and it's one another one whose style I like and was getting into. Oh my god, the uh, Persona Two on PlayStation Network digital download we got about a year or two ago. Now, are you talking about the the are you talking about the one that is the on PSP or the one that's a PS One release? I own them both, but I'm specifically talking about the one on 
uh, you know, that you can get on your PlayStation 3. Okay, so the PS1 game. Yes, that's correct, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I mean, part of, that, part of that, too, to be fair, though, part of that is you're going back to a PS1 RPG. Oh, sure. Back, back when they just, <laughs> you know, they had no problem, like, not letting you get anywhere in their games. Right. You know, back when it was still, like, yeah, people have to earn their progress, uh, not like it is today. You know, where you just want to see the next movie that comes up. Right. So, no, I, yeah. I, no, but even more than that, I mean, the, I think the original Persona was even more brutal in, in terms of difficulty. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, getting to the new Personas, even though I put over 100 hours into both those games. Wow. You know, and, and I, I, it's, it's funny because. The only games recently I've put 100 hours into where I've actually enjoyed putting 100 hours into them have been the Persona games and then Dark Souls. Mm. And both those I put, I clocked in over 100 hours and I was totally fine with that. Um, wow. But otherwise, yeah, I, I will play games and I will be like, okay, we're at the six hour mark. I'm just ready for you to be done, <laughs> you know, mm. because, right. because like you're saying, I have such a backlog at this point. It's it's I almost like very selfishly I almost wish games were just super short, <laughs> make them an amazing amazing game, but make them a short amazing game. Right. You know, and let me just get through them and get to the next game so I can have experienced it because I I cannot count the games at this point, just in this year alone that I've played like the first hour or two of, you know, and then it's just like well I mean said my situation obviously is different because I'm doing this right. for work and I have to get to to games I have to play for work versus for fun. But yeah, it's, it's funny because you, you think back to when you were a child, right? Right. And you were, you know, why can't there be more games? Oh I, yeah. I know we've discussed this in the past, but like totally like, and I guess that's just a part of life or, you know, but like, I, I remember, God, I mean, yeah. I remember having one or two games to play at a time or like having a rent and I'd be so desperate for, and now it's just like, you know, there's that saying, watch what you wish for. And it's just out of control right now. Because I remember, okay, so I, I you know, I, I had a Super Nintendo and I wasn't like hardcore into it. But one of the things I really liked was like RPGs. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I wanted to see, so okay, so Final Fantasy VI came out in October of 1994. When did Final Fantasy 4 come out over here? So That must have been like 92 maybe. So that was 1991. Wow, that far back it came. So that, so that was like 3 3 years between that. And so I don't wow. think I played a lot of games. Um I mean cuz I don't at that point still I don't think there were a lot of like real real like RP like that kind of RPG, you know? No, I mean, no. There were some adventure games and, right. and things like that, but there really weren't many RPGs. So I mean, yeah, you consider I waited like what, 3 years, <laughs> you know, for that or I wanted to check too. I want to see so, so Fantasy Star. So when did Fantasy Star 2? Fantasy Star 2 came out in America. Um Mega Drive 1990. And I didn't, I didn't actually play three, but I remember waiting for three. So three, that was 1991. Wow, I can't believe that. I didn't think it was that close. But see, I skipped three, so I would have gone to four. And when did four come out? Four yeah, that out, was later. Four came out in 95, so I was like a five-year wow. wait. So, I mean, 
you know, like back in that day, I mean, I said, I said Final Fantasy is a perfect example for me because I love Final Fantasy, uh, what is now Final Fantasy IV, you know. I'm like, oh, man, I want more Final Fantasy. And it took me three years to get the next Final Fantasy, right? Which, I mean, you still think to this day, like, okay, Final Fantasies aren't coming out every single year. Um, it's been a little different recently because of the whole Final Fantasy 13 trilogy, but, you know, there's still that wait. But, like, nowadays, there's just so many other games you have to, like, keep you, you know, busy. It, it's unreal. Right. You know, if it's not Final Fantasy, it's Persona. If it's not Persona, it's Dragon Age. If it's not Dragon Age, it's Dragon Quest. If it's not Dragon Quest, it's, it's, it's you know, Hyperdimension Neptunia. If it's not Hyperdimension <laughs> Neptunia, it's Atelier whatever, is, you know. You have so many choices now, whereas back then you didn't. So I said, I remember being there and just being like, oh, man, I want more games. I want more. Like, why can't Final Fantasy next one come out, like, next month instead of, you know, whenever? And now I'm just like, there are just too many games, and I want them to go away. And I want to be back in the days of when I was a kid, you know, and, and when when every game felt like a major event, and I'm well, not just being overwhelmed by stuff. What if you believed it in your younger years if you had a crystal ball that could see into the future and, like, and all you saw were some images? Like, if you saw the amount of games on your shelf right now, or, like, what, what have you believed it? I would... <laughs> I mean, there's like there's a lot of things that like I don't think like I, I or really the think... amount of anime we have access to now. Or, oh like, yeah, if, no. Or manga. No, I, yeah, yeah. You would you would never believe that. Yeah, you. I mean, just yeah, the fact that okay, yeah, I just. I mean, it's it really has gotten to a point where it's it's that whole. I remember when I was on uh, Double Plus that one time, and I was talking about the the problem I have where you kind of sit there and you're just like what do I play? And you, yes. You don't, yeah, end, up, you don't yes. end up playing anything because you're just kind of overwhelmed. I mean, like, you think, I'm so you damn know, guilty. You know, I'm so I'm, you know, you think about it and I go on Netflix, right? And Netflix has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of options for me to watch. Right? I feel like I can't find anything, but not only that, but I'm just like, nah, I don't, I don't want to watch. Oh, it's the entire series of Breaking Bad now. You know, oh, it's the entire this. Oh, it's every every Terminator movie. Eh. You know, like, I've, we were just so spoiled at I, this I, I have to ask because this is such an interesting topic to me. So have you ever done this move? Have you ever gone into Netflix, looked around for like 10, 15 minutes, like with the intention that you definitely wanted to watch something, and then you just click out of the app? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll do that, or or I swear, I will. here's what I'll do. I'll sit there, and I'll be like, I want to watch something, and I'll sit there for 10 minutes looking around, and I'll just I'll just go back to Law & Order, and I'll rewatch. I've watched every episode of Law & Order SVU like 10 times now, and I'll just, I'll just go back and watch that again instead of picking. Let me ask you this, and it may not even be if it, that it sucks per se or you really dislike it that much, but... Have you ever been guilty of starting a movie on Netflix like 10 or 20 minutes in and then oh, just yeah. packing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, like, you think, oh, yeah. And it's, I, there was, it's funny because the other day I was thinking about that. I'm like, there's this movie I, I started, I've, I've, I've watched it like four times now. <laughs> and I just keep picking it back up from where I was watching it last time. And I was like, I don't think I ever finished that. But I can't remember now what it's called. So I don't even know if I can go back and watch the end of it. Um, mm. But it's like, you know, when you were a kid, you're just like, okay, something's on TV, so you'll just watch it, right? 
and we are just so spoiled. Oh, now. some of the garbage. I used yeah. to junky we are cartoons like, I'd watch because I was so desperate to watch something. I have I have so many I have like I was a kid begging for new games and now I'm sitting here with at least half of my complete my collection still in shrink wrap. Yeah it's and I'm just like oh I have nothing to play. This well, sucks so uh, much. how about this angle? Um if we were smarter like like it's to the point of like addiction or like just um, how do I put this? Like you know we still buy a lot of games and and all that stuff. But if we played our cards smarter, thinking of our younger selves, like two of the big things out. Let's take the video games out of it. Like we were both into anime and any Japanese comics. You know we we could get our hands on. If we could take that same mindset with what's available to us now. We would be rich because all we would need is Crunchyroll for seven bucks a month. And this isn't like some weird shill for them. Like the amount of anime and then manga they translate on their site for seven bucks a month. Like like we would have been set with just that. But no, but you know what I do? You know what I do? I sit here and I think, man, seven (laughs) dollars? You want me to pay $7 every month to That's watch anime? I mean, look, look, I don't subscribe to it. But, you know, like, I understand the value of it. But the same thing is with, like, what, the network, right? Right. You know, it's like, oh, I can have every WWE, WCW, and ECTW pay-per-view from the last, like, 10 years. I can have all these episodes of Raw. I can have all these episodes of, of Nitro. I can have all these... ECW things, I can have all this NXT content, I can have all these specials and everything, but $10? I mean, that is insane. Man, that's a lot of money. No, yeah, I I get where you're coming from. Because I think there's a lot of people like that, so I'm not putting you down or or balking at that, but like, it's crazy because you know that I don't have to explain this to you. Like, you buy one anime VHS back in the day, that's 20, 25 bucks or more. I mean, that's. Six, you could get almost a half a year's worth of unlimited Crunchyroll with everything under the sun, almost a half a year's worth with one movie purchase back in the day. I was I was paying fifty, sixty bucks yeah. for pay per views. Yeah, that was that was three hours of entertainment, if that, yep. out of an entire month. And I could sit here now, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, watching wrestling if I wanted to. It's really hard to put into perspective. The, the most insane thing to, we'll try to wrap this up here, but the most insane thing to me is, are the kids now, the younger generation, that this is their starting point. And, and you know, I mean, as much flack as I give them for a lot of things, I think, you know, when Nintendo talks about not wanting to devalue their games, I can actually kind of understand that because if you think about it, right, I could spend th- 60 bucks right now and get one Nintendo game or I could get like 60 iPhone games, Right. Right. You know, but that one game I'm paying sixty bucks for has so much more value, and that's where I kind of, I kind of, you know, wonder about like the WWE networks and the Crunchyrolls and things like that. Like, are even Netflix? I mean, good lord! Like, why would I ever go out at this point and buy a a TV show on on Blu-ray or DVD? I, I'm just on a side note. I am guilty of doing that with some stuff. Personally, I, I still do regularly buy 
Blu-ray. Not as much as I used to, but I still do that. Hmm. Um, couple reasons. Some some of my stuff is real niche. And then also, there's always the fear that, you know, every once in a while, and this does happen, some of that digital content does get pulled and then is sometimes put back. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so there's exceptions, but it's not like, but you're right. It's not as much as it used to be where, like, I had to buy everything I wanted. Now I pick and choose, but I still do make some physical purchases. But, But you're right. It When you get so much of that content for Peanuts... It makes it hard to justify. I mean, I mean, look. To be fair, doesn't that kind of happen to given like PlayStation Plus? Because oh, you take it for granted. I mean, it's so it's so beyond the point of disgust that I, even though it's quote free, there are months where like a couple of the free games I'll look at and I don't even download it. I know, like, isn't that ridiculous? Like we're I'm, getting <laughs> we're getting. I mean, okay, look. I know, I know, people are gonna be like, you're not getting free games because you're paying fifty bucks a month. Okay, shut up. All right, it, they're they're still technically free. Um, we're but getting, that's for the whole year, the fifty bucks. Right. Yeah, we're we're getting <clears throat> a company is giving us games for free, and we're at the point where like, eh, I I you know. Pushing that download button's kind of a lot of work. I don't know. Like that's that's just like you're asking a lot of me to download that game from you. I don't you know. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's so I don't know. Uh but I have I have an email for us. Oh, okay, okay. So I think we can end the show on an email. Okay. Um so this is from Matt. I'm not gonna say his last name because I don't remember if we say his last name or not. So I'll okay. say it's from Matt. Matt's over in it looks looks like the uh, United Kingdom potentially or Real? oh really oh, no I'm, no I'm sorry I'm sorry it looks like maybe it's Canada oh no yes, kidding it's Canada okay because that dot ca on the end of the okay. email uh, and Matt says still listening to your latest episode sending this off before I forget you guys were making so much about Microsoft's exclusives and in parentheses all three of them. Halo Master Chief Collection, Sense of Overdrive, Forza Horizon 2, compared to PlayStation 2, Little Big Planet, uh, Drive Club, with a difference of one, he says in italics to make it uh, super emphasized. But you haven't mentioned next year. What does Xbox have coming up after the holiday? What are they going to have that will compete with Bloodborne or The Order early next year? I don't know why Xbox is getting so much credit in the exclusive games department. I agree they are pricing aggressively, but the gap in exclusive games is not as huge as everyone thinks if there even is one. You know what I love? I love that like, it almost sounds like – I don't know that Matt's saying this directly, but I, it sounds like somebody's accusing me of being like a Microsoft it, Xbox It's funny, fan. and I think I'm guilty of this because I was kind of on your side on that. But, you know, I actually feel well, – first off, I want to thank Matt for the letter, and it just yeah. – I, I know which Matt this is now. Um. I felt like I was coming across as too much of a Sony fanboy. I was gonna say, like, I'm, I'm always, conf- I, I'm always, I feel good accused of being a, a, a super <laughs> Sony suck up. I so. feel real good right I now. I know, but, but to his question, in all seriousness, uh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> that, that, I mean, no, look, no, look, 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 look. It, um. I, I, I'm losing my train of thought again here at, as we approach 1230 in the morning. But um, no, no, you know, I know what I was going to say. But but to our credit, 
we did put our chips in the basket. We said in the long run, we picked PlayStation Four. Yeah, I mean, but I, in I, the immediate right, right now, and we and we could probably play the tape back. You know, things were so scarce, slim pickings that even if it was only the difference of one or two games, that I I still stand by that Microsoft had. Just looking at the two, the stronger 2014 holiday lineup, as, as minuscule as it was. And then I also remember going on record saying that if I didn't live past the end of the year, that the argument could be made that the best exclusives were on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's what we said. And I, I've always said that um, I, I do believe that ending this year, I think, the Xbox One had a stronger year in some ways, and they certainly had a better holiday season. Now, the Master Chief Collection um, bugs and uh, problems has kind of tarnished that game, but I still think they had the better selection of games. Uh, but there's no quite. I mean, I've, I've, I think I have said this for a long time: is that there's no question that next year is looking so much better for the PS4 as of right now versus the Xbox One. Um, and, and to his credit, to, to Matt's point, for 2015, off the top of my head, for Microsoft, uh, if we're talking exclusives and non-third-party stuff, outside of Tomb Raider, which we don't even know if that's going to make the end of 2015, I, I've got nothing. I mean, I've really okay. Don't no, know. no, they've got Tomb Raider. They've got, uh, I believe, Quantum Break is next year. Mm, okay. They've oh, you know what? There's actually a list. So what I'll do is, um. I should have you stall or something. Uh, Xbox exclusive. I know Neo Gaff was just putting together. Um, oh, and I feel bad too because supposedly D four like and, and Xbox exclusive I care about uh, is not doing very well. Oh really? What do you mean? Like what did you read? I I do have that. Well, I, I mean, because kind of um, Sweary himself was going on Twitter saying that it just it hasn't been selling well. Oh Jesus. Oh, I know there was an Xbox. My my guess, I take that as code word for maybe it sold a few thousand. Is but that probably? I I felt like that they were they just announced that they were it's gonna get more chapters, but I mm. don't believe it's been doing. Well. I'm gonna go out on a limb with absolutely no backing or credence to this statement. It's literally coming out of thin air. I would imagine with Microsoft needing any shots in the arm they can get, and even if it's not that much out of their wallet. I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft maybe green lights it or funds like gets that done. Yeah. Cause yeah, I like, you're right. They kind of just need some things to like just to fill, as a part of their portfolio, we'll call it professionally. Even if it's not selling gangbusters, it's a, it's okay, a okay. bullet point here. Here are the exclusive games for 2015. So as of, as of right now, so obviously things change when we get to E3. Uh, so as of right now, the Xbox has for 2015, Fable Legends, Quantum Break, Halo 5. Now, this is a very strange one. Raiden 5. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to that. I didn't realize yes. they had that listed. Um, and then games that would also be on the 360 but still exclusive to Xbox are Scream Ride, State of Decay Year 1 Survival Edition, and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Hmm. So that that's where we're sitting at right now for confirmed. There's a few things that may or may not be coming that we don't know when they when they are. Um, so looking at the PS4 side of things, as of right now, PS4 exclusive we have the Order 1886, 
Bloodborne, Until Dawn, Tearaway, Disgaea 5, uh, Fairy Fencer F, Uncharted 4, Street Fighter 5 isn't going to make next year, uh, but Ultimate Street Fighter 4 if you want to include that, I guess. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Redo, Mobile Suit Gundam, Hyperdimension Neptunia, and then um, cross-gen exclusive, meaning PS4, PS3, Vita, so basically PlayStation family. You have Dragon Quest Heroes, Persona 5, uh, Yakuza 0, a One Piece game. Yakuza 0? Wait a minute. Uh, is that Japan Yakuza 0? Or is yeah, that coming yeah. here? No, that, okay, that's in Japan. Okay, okay, right? So okay. just kind of general. Um, MLB The Show 15, some sort of Ease game, God Eater 2, Godzilla, another Samurai, whatever, um, another Cinder Kog- Kagura game, and Final Fantasy XX2. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I read that that's going to PS4 now. That's right. And then you'll have like download games for sure that we know, or, or, or there's a decent selection. Um, there's like a lot of download only games. So yeah, I mean PS4 as of right now. Even if you're including the, I mean, if you're not, if you're excluding the weird Japanese stuff, they still have a much stronger year, I think. And I've, right. I don't think we've ever said otherwise. I think it was just right. we were giving credit where credit's due that the Xbox, you know, that Microsoft had kind of, you know, secured up a better holiday season than than Sony had for the PS4. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. We appreciate uh, your support. Now, uh, I know so many Matts in this in this world, in the gaming-related world, so I had to really think about which one, but uh, he's been a supporter of a long time of uh, the work I've been involved in, and I know he's a big supporter of you, and uh, it's always crazy to think that we have fans around the world. Yeah, it was always like, it was always weird whenever I, you know, at game fan or play, uh, play or whatever, when I got email, or not email, or actually real, real mail from um, people around the world, or you know, it was it was funny because I had uh, somebody did fan art of me one time when I was a game fan. Really? Yeah, and that's always like so so. I mean, I thought it was awesome, you know. Right. Uh, but it was just so weird that like to think of that. I'm just like somebody who's writing for this magazine, you know. And somebody did fan art of me. That's like so weird, but it was it was a really cool thing. Yeah, I I can relate a little bit. I've had um. During the double plus tenures, some of the fans, you know, the 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 fans are great. They, uh, I I share those feelings. Like it's weird because, like, I think of it like when I record, I think of it as something I enjoy doing, and I, I just do it. And then when it's done, it's it's done. It's not that I don't care. It's just you know, it's you know, it's done. And then we're on to the next one or whatever. But you forget that there's people listening, and and it affects people in different ways. Like for example, we did that example with the the gentleman going back to school. Uh, Patrick and then like I also had a fan get me like custom art they had made it a show it was um, it was a cute piece it was like King uh, it was a Tekken piece it might have been King and Chun-Li it was something weird like that but I have that saved in a nice portfolio and you know fans will sometimes send you stuff and it's it's crazy because I know what it's like to be a fan to something else you know, and what I perceive is like a big, big, big ordeal or whatever it is. But, but to have it done to you or the tables reversed, it's um, it's a unique and interesting feeling. Did you ever read Game Go? 
Yeah, I still have the one or two physical issues. Yes. So I I never I made I it. Do. I never actually made it character wise into the magazine, but my character was done for for that. And I still have the artwork. So I, oh really? Yeah. So what it was was um, I I was in like the traditional uh, Japanese school uniform. Like okay. the, like with, right. like the with the black jacket and the like the black pants. Okay. And then I had I was gonna have an army of uh, Japanese kogals that were with me. Oh really? Yeah. And so in the main shot that I had, um, there were I'll I'll show you the art sometime. I'll, I'll dig it up and and show you. But the there was a there was because there was like one with like uh like pigtails and then she had this gigantic like Gatling gun. And then the other one was uh, had long hair, and then she had like a a, a magnum. <laughs> and so the artist guy did did a few like they were actually they were actually really cool. Like I'm 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 sad that I I think he ended up coloring the yeah he did yeah he ended up giving me a colored version because he felt bad. Um, but I'm, I was I was sad that they, they never actually made it in because it it was kind of for anybody who doesn't know. Um, so Game Go was, <laughs> it's funny because I'm reading, and this is so sad. I'm reading like the Wikipedia page. I didn't even know it had a Wikipedia page. And it's so funny because you know how the like, Wikipedia pages always have the little info box, right? Right. It says, first issue, June 2001. Final issue, July 2001. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, aw. Wow, yeah. it was that long ago, huh? Yeah. It, yeah, that, that's, that's scary um, as well. But yeah, so I mean, Game Go lasted for all of one issue. So what happened, you know, was uh, we talked about it before. Is the the big, um, you know, the episode Terry is the big split in the Game Fan staff, right? So Game Fan half the staff stayed around Game Fan, and the other half went off into Gamers Republic. So when uh, so Game Fan dies basically at the end of two thousand, um, right? Like I don't, I mean, because I think it was the December issue was the last issue that came out. That possibly. sounds right. Yeah, with yeah. TV. Yes. So, because I, I think it was December is what the actual um, listing was. So that's basically that hit November, and that was the last issue to come out, and it was done. So, so six months later, you know, uh, Eric Malona's ECM, who was the editor in chief at the time for Game Fan, he he got together with the guy who ran Video Game Depot to do a magazine wow that was like uh, in the back of the cattle or the back of the magazine or whatever video game yeah I, I think i think at the, i think near the end of game fan they were wow. one of the advertisers and that's how he knew him and so they 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 get together and they put this first issue out i'm going off memory was the first issue cover was it stretch panic yep stretch panic was the cover wow do I, do I want to? Like, I have this weird memory that we had like it was a flip cover where it had. Hey, two. That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. And Did, were you involved in the magazine? I, I was the issue too. Okay. Yes, that, that's why my character was being made because I was going to be in it from then on. And Eric was like trying to convince me to move back to California to to work on Game Go. Wow. Uh, which I'm glad I didn't. Because yeah, but I mean of, that's crazy for some. Like, what kind yes. of money pipeline? Are, I mean, you guys are probably young though. But uh. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was still relatively young at that point. Uh, but so, yeah, so the 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 magazine was only 
majorly only at, at EB Games. It's funny you mention that because I think that's where I got it. Yeah. Yeah, and then I mean some other places you could get it, but um, the problem was, and for anybody who's gonna, if anybody listening is gonna start a magazine ever, and first of all, don't. Uh, <laughs> that's my first point. That's my first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is you have to understand that you, at the minimum, at the bare minimum, you have to be able to cover running that magazine for at least six months with no money whatsoever coming in. That's like the, almost a rule of thumb for business, six months yeah, to a yeah. year before. I, yeah. You know, yeah. so if you can't do that, don't. Because what, what GameGo did was the the idea was that, you know, sales of the magazine were going to help fund the printing of the second magazine. Oh, banking and like it, one to another. Yeah, and it didn't work. And you oh, can't boy. do that. Because oh that that's like just that's a huge gamble. Yeah, because who's going to know about it beyond the super duper hardcore? Right, and it, right. It, it didn't work, and so um, like there 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 were two issues, but only one ever came out in print. So that that has to be like one of the quickest quickest births and deaths of a, of a game magazine ever. Um, uh, but yeah, so so I was. It's funny because it, at the end of the first issue, like in the tease for the next issue, like I'm one of the teases. <laughs> it's like, and the return of Shidoshi, you know? Um, yeah, and so EG, ECM wanted me in it, and I did an anime section for issue two, much like I did for, for Game Fan of the day. And then I think, I, I think, because we had there's a retro review section, and I think I reviewed Fantasy Star, the original one. Oh, wow. I did want like a couple things, and I was actually really, really excited because it was, it was kind of, you know, <clears> trying <throat> to recapture that some of that feeling from um, Game Fan, you know, of just being, oh, hey, we we love video games and want to talk about them kind of thing. But yeah, it was just it was not done in a, any kind of smart way in terms of funding and everything, and 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 I think too is, uh, the guy. Thomas Keller, I believe, is his, is his real name from Video Game Depot. You know, I think he too didn't totally know what he was getting into, right? With it, so man, I, I still not to keep bouncing around, but I, I still can't get over that that magazine. It was June of one. I, I for some reason I thought the gap between Game Fan and that was longer, but in hindsight, that's really yeah, no, because it, it was. I mean, it was it was basically. Um, you know, we need something to do. Wow. We, we have no job or anything. So wow. I should, I've, I've got the PDF around here somewhere. Um, yeah. Cover two was Hoshigami. What does that sound from? Oh, that's the R, the SRPG. Yeah. Wow. How crazy. See also game go. So, um, I don't, I don't know why I thought of that, but just like, we're talking about fan art and stuff and right. Yes. So okay. Yes. Yes. So the first cover was Stretch Panic, and it's a sexy cover. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Who is this? It's it's some girl with PlayStation symbols on her. I don't know who she is. Hmm. Um. And if if you ever see a magazine that has reversible covers, it's not good. Because Why that, is that? That means that they didn't sell the back cover, and the back you... cover the back cover is like one of the highest priced. Um, oh, parts no of the magazine kidding, you huh? Ad-wise. No kidding. Yeah, so... Now, if, that's interesting. So if you don't sell the back cover, it's actually not a good thing. 
Really? It's got to be a way to get it somehow. So here, so not to dig up old bones. So you mean so you mean to tell me speculatively when that game fan relaunched in 2010, I believe it had the reversible. I I I think or, on I don't okay on on that case because they were they were actually trying to do two magazines in one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was an interesting idea. It was not a great idea, but it was an interesting idea. So, I I don't know if that I don't know if that idea was because they didn't think they could get <clears throat> what they wanted for the right. cover. I mean, because there is a danger. Um, and I and and I'm gonna be clear. I there's I don't, I'm not super into the the ad sales side of magazines. I know a little bit, but I was not like that was not really my job. Um, but I I feel like there's uh, there, from what I know there's, there's always kind of a danger of you know selling your ads too low. Mm. It's it's better sometimes to kind of do package deals. Like we would do package deals where if you bought an ad in the magazine, then you got free advertising on the website, for example. Right, like a double whammy. Right, because the problem is, is if you sell, if you sell too low, that kind of sets a precedent for what your, what your, what your, you know, ad sales are. Right. Um, and that can just kind of, you you don't want people to just expect that that you know your back cover is going to be like this certain price. That's crazy. That little tidbit you just taught me is going to bother me now because I thought I saw that recent, like on some magazine. I've got I, I, I feel like I've seen it now. Now I'm going to be looking for that. Yeah. So okay. Here's so here's the issue. So it's interesting because yeah, like the uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm oh here's my profile. I am actually in the editors section. So I had a now printing kind of thing for my my character because like the the game fan characters were kind of more silly and everything. Whereas with Game Go, the characters were were fully proportioned and they were a, a, a more detailed kind of style like if, if you see ECM's you know game fan persona and his game go persona they're very very different mm. so yeah here's here's my here's my staff profile oh yeah I, I had finally traveled to Japan for the uh, for the first time um yeah, I, I it's it's it, it's funny because I so I've, I've worked for some of these really small little magazines over time like Game Go and then the uh, Game on USA and stuff like that. And it's always a little sad because you kind of wish that these things would. Wow, but the oh, the the Game Go layouts. I it, it was done by <laughs> it was done by Tom's Tom's wife. She was the one who did the layouts, and so no offense to her, but oh, the layouts were awful. Really awful, and it always bugged me too. The only spot left where I sometimes see some niche magazines is in English, is like stuff that's left out of the UK. Oh yeah, I mean it's. But I don't know what it is, but just in the USA, for the most part, it's just like there's nothing. I you know I've always wondered about that because I it's it's like in in. And by the way, people, this is the part where you can just turn it off if you want. So <laughs> this is just us talking at this point. So, you, yeah, you don't have to be listening to this. Um, no, it's like it's the same thing like in Japan. You know, I go back to Japan and, and they have just all these magazines and like all this well, crazy the new only, stuff. The only reason I can relate to that is because I live by a Kinokunya's. I'm fortunate enough. So they get quite the abundance of 
full-on Japanese magazines, and it's cra- and like even that is not what it used to be in that store, but it's still crazy, right? And you know? I and I I don't I don't know I don't like I mean is it okay so is it the like public transportation because yeah that's know, a good point you have more trains and buses and things so people are reading them on those I mean that seemed that seemed like a very simplistic kind of answer to come up with but I'm trying to think of like yeah what what is it that that makes um, America become such a dead zone when it comes to, to magazines, but you still have, you know, Europe and Japan and places like that that are so into. Yeah, like, and I'm sure it's not like doing super duper great, but what they're doing is a hell of a lot better than zero. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like anything is better than you know. It's uh, I don't know. Oh, you seem to target Earth. So, Jerry, have you ever played Target Earth? I can picture the cover, and I want to say I had a conversation with someone about this recently. Yeah, about that him. wasn't the Genesis version of Assault Suit Lanos, was yes, it? Yes, 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 yes. I, I just had this conversation with someone crazily. I don't, I don't know if it was me or not, but uh, no, I, actually, I, I, I think I okay, know exactly. Who I don't even know what, who I talk but, to anymore about things. So, but Cybernator was the SNES rendition, right? right? That no, was the nowhere near as good. Ooh. What? No, you can't. You cannot tell me Cybernator was better than Target. Really? Maybe it's just I'm going off the visuals. So much better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're all about visuals. Oh, the visuals were way better. Target was such a better. Now here's the thing: the fan base that's still hanging in there right now. There's someone else screaming outside of me. Is that we both have it wrong, and they're screaming the Saturn version. Well, I I don't know about that, but. Oh, uh, you know, it's funny because I always had an argument with ECM because he swore up and down that he beat Target Earth without the cheat code. And I think that's absolutely... This is so nuts. I'm experiencing deja vu. Are I you had... sure it wasn't me? It wasn't you. To? I know who it was. This is so nuts. Yeah, because... It wasn't... Because yeah, he, 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 I'm, I'm thinking that because in this issue of Game Go number two, um, in the retro section, that's what he reviewed was Target Earth. And I, I argued with him over and over again he's like oh yeah i beat it i'm like you did not beat it without using the cheat code he's like yeah i did i'm like no you didn't i do not believe you beat that mm. game without using that cheat code I, I hate to stretch this out but why do you say the genesis version was better and I, here's the deal i may have rented it i never owned it so i'm not putting you on the spot because but... the the super nintendo game was more just like a straightforward kind of side-scrolling action mm. game yeah and the Genesis one, like every stage was different. Mm. So like the like the first stage, right? You're on this like moon colony, and the enemies are attacking. You have to you have to guard like the humans as they get to their escape ships and stuff. And then like stage two, you're actually flying around in space, and you have to protect the the convoy ships from the the attacking ships and stuff. And then stage three was something else wholly different. And stage four was a different mission. So like they were all like the the objectives on each stage were different, and they would would change. Mm. Because it was like a big overarching story, so you were always doing these different kind of things. Whereas, Cybernator was just a kind of typical: you <laughs> you go left to right, you shoot stuff, right. you beat a boss. Right. Mm. Oh, look at this! Look at this anime section. I was so excited to do this again. As we wrap it up here, just uh, humor me. What what did you have in the anime section at that time? Um. So it's it's, it's funny because this happened right after I came back, and all oh, this is this is so just like. 
I don't know if you want to say weeaboo or, or otaku or whatever. Oh, this is this action so terrible. But uh, yeah, it was right after I came back from Japan. So I like I went to the... You, uh, you must have been riding that high. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I had like the little, oh, I went to Japan and oh, look, there's capsule toys. And oh, look, there's B-Money machines. And oh, there's Japanese beverages. And, you know, like photos of that kind of stuff. And the little news section. And then the anime was... Um, Anime and movies were Assemble, Insert, Gamera 3, uh, that Smile magazine from, um, it was, was that what Mixzine turned into? I think. No, maybe? Smile was their sister. Okay, so they, so they which were Which I never found here. They were separate. Yeah, I've, I've got like, I think the first year of that. Of Smile? Yeah. I want to say I looked for that and maybe it was because of the area I'm in. I never found it. Yep. Really? That's right. Because okay, so what did what Mixine turned into Tokyo Pop? That's right. That's right. That's so crazy. I hadn't heard Smile in so long. I'm gonna guess was that all like a lot of the crazy at the time from the photo booths and stuff and that kind of stuff. Well, no, Smile was more the uh, like girls' comics. Like it had. Um, let me see what it had in it. It had, uh, oh yeah, Sailor Moon was in it, of course. Mm. Sailor Moon, Juline, Peach Girl. Could have I owned an issue Clover. of that? Maybe. See now, I'm now I'm complicating things because I almost thought there was another sister publication, but I thought it was a photo, like a. No, I know what you're talking about. Oh Jesus! It's different from what we're talking about right now. Oh God! What was that? And um, I could never find that magazine. Mix. Uh... Okay, let's see. <laughs> you sure it wasn't Tokyo Pop? Well, there was Tokyo Pop, but I maybe right. or yeah, maybe Tokyo I'm going Pop. crazy. Okay, hang on a second. Okay, Tokyo Pop. Oh, I forgot about Tokyo Pop, man. Um, redesign and lifestyle. Where's 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 your publications? Because they there was a mag like an actual magazine that had that kind of stuff that it, yeah. it was it was it was like a uh, lifestyle kind of thing. Here's a random one while we're racking our brain. Are you sure it wasn't mixing? Was, I mean, well, was it, mixing. Was it, I still have some of no, those. No, no mix. Okay, mixing was the comics, right? But I think it was Tokyo Pop. I think when it be, when when mixing became Tokyo Pop, I think that was the magazine. Mm. Do you remember the more mature manga magazine? And I remember I really, I was still a bit young, so I think I only bought one issue. I think it was Pulp. Okay, God, what was Pulp? Okay, hang on. I think it was more mature manga, like adult. Not like dirty, but like more mature right. themed. And Wait, yeah. was that from Mix? That I don't know. I don't, I want to say no to that. Oh my god! Like it's there were so many of those weird. I mean, at that time, you know. Because mm, okay, I know because I mean there was, there was Shonen Jump. I think was the I first, remember I was, was so was excited that, when that, we finally got one? Shonen, and then I felt so ungrateful, even though I liked some of it, because I'm like, I wish we got like the Fist of the North Star style manga and stuff of the of the day, but you know we got like Dragon Ball and all that stuff. Um. I don't know if this is the right pulp. Uh, but okay, so yeah, there was Shonen Jump, and then there was Shoujo Beat. 
I forgot which, about that. Which was from Vince. Totally forgot about that. So, because I had, I collected Shoujo B. I, what was Pulp? Oh, geez, because it's not coming up from a search. Um, so then Nixine was first. From as far as from yeah, yeah, that it goes back to like '97, I think. And I remember like that. Didn't, what didn't it have like a like a silver cover or something? Well, like no, that? it was weird because it was more of like a telephone. It was like a um, yeah, no, it had it had different colors. Like the pages, yeah, were it was colors. like cheaper. Right, it was in the cheap paper, but I I feel like it had like a a a, a silver cover for the first issue or something like I that. I still have it's in my. I'll, maybe I'll pull it out during the week. I still have it in my um, box. So yeah, because so there was. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Okay. So so mix. I don't know if it was called mix when it was just a comics, but that became mixzine. Mm. And mixzine, I think, is what you're thinking of, because it was really weird, because it had like, um, like Japanese street racing stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah, Japanese yeah. hip hop. <laughs> And yeah, sticker sticker club right. photos and completely just random like cultural stuff. Right. So that that's I'm pretty sure that's mixing. So there's wait, there's smile. Wait, was it is it smile? Is it what you're thinking of? Well, yeah, you mentioned that name and I hadn't heard that in quite a while. No, but... Okay, okay, no, I'm yeah. So maybe maybe smile did turn into. It's probably to turn into a magazine as well. Mm. Oh, I'm I'm so confused now because it's, it's there's so many. Well, yeah, and it's just a problem is is just like over time you forget things and like right. I, I know if I go home I have like this stuff and <laughs> oh, I forgot about Raijin comics. Wow. I oh, I that. do. I still own all. No, I I own all of. Yeah, I own. A lot of the manga they published. Still, I was very sad when that that stopped. Because I did get my Fist of the North Star Wish, and I still own all the nine full color volumes we got, and then they stopped it. Oh, I was okay. so pissed. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some credit here because I think, I think what you're talking about, and now that I remember more of this, I think now this is what you meant, and so you're right. So yeah, in Smile, because it was, it was the comics, but then they always had like a, some extra pages of other stuff. And they had a lot of like pho- photography stuff in there. And you're uh, so of, that's like, inter- like, so. But you own some of that magazine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a bunch of them. At least I remember having a bunch of them. I have to see the cover. See, because I I remember like I remember I wanted to find it. Is this and unless I'm really blanking, one? I don't think I ever owned any because I couldn't find it. So I'm gonna Skype you um, in just a second here. The link to this. I think this is the first issue. No, I'm sorry. This is issue. Three, issue three dot ten. I don't know what that even means, but that's that's one of the issues. Oh wow! Because yeah, because I think it's at that point where, because when when mix first started, it was that more like phone book, phone book stuff, like the right. Japanese version, right? Like the different colored pages of really cheap paper. But then at a certain point, it became like what we call saddle saddle stitch, where it has like the the staples on the side, right? Instead of the glue. And so it became that Salisage style, and then I think Smile was the same way. And it had, um, I don't remember if it was all white paper at that point, but it had, like, the comic. Oh, okay, here's, here's Smile. So it had the comic on the inside, and 
some oh that's right okay so he had the comic on the inside then it had some amount of just maybe like i think maybe 10 to 15 pages of other stuff yeah like i don't one feature, I, uh, like one feature story and some photos and stuff but then because mix did this too when it when they became magazines and this always annoyed me they did that thing where they would put two pages of the comic on one page Oh, Here. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, send you I know, I know exactly photo. what you're yeah, talking cause, about. Because um, Mix, Mix Zine did this as well, where where it was the stupidest thing, where they would actually, yeah, they would just, I mean, I understand why, because they were just saving space and, and whatever, and they wanted to get more content in there, but they would actually print two kind of graphic novel-sized pages of comic per per actual magazine page, <laughs> and you had to hold it, like, sideways to read it. So I I think I think at some point both Mix and Smile both turned into actual magazines. Mm. Yeah, I'm re- unless I could be drawing a blank and maybe I owned a couple, but I'm real. I'm looking at those and I it's really not ringing a bell. Like I remember reading about it, but yeah, I couldn't find that. Yeah, because I collected I collected Mix and Smile both, and then I got Shoujo Beat when that came out. Um. So here's why I was saying it was like I don't. This is the. This I think is the very first mix cover, and I feel like maybe the back of it was gray or something. Cause I, it's it's a really bizarre. I'm pretty confident that I still I have that in my closet. I think that's the first cover, and and and. Like I said, I feel like the back of it was gray or some some sort yeah, of weird thing. Where I'll, where I'll try, maybe I'll pull it out tomorrow. But I, uh, God, this is bringing back something. I remember I, when I, I still remember. It's so weird. I still remember the exact spot cover. I was when I, I was working at Babbage's. I, I want to say the cover. spring or summer '97, and when we got our shipment in, we were unloading it in the back, and we got the magazines, and I saw that, and I was like, whoa, you know, like what the hell is this? And I remember yeah. I put it aside and picked it right up. And it's so ironic the memories there. It's crazy because that has parasite in there, which is now finally. I need to see that. I have not seen that yet. It's uh, it's very good. I've been the ones I've been watching the most so far are parasite and terraformers. See, I miss you know I I miss this like I miss like I remember going to comic shop and just buying stuff like this, right. you know, and just waiting for the next issue to come out and and. Again, I don't mean to sound like just the old person here, you know, but like I miss this. Like right. I, I, I just I feel like we've kind of lost a little bit of this kind of stuff, you know, because it was just so fun like getting these and and buying them and going home and reading the all the different comics and stuff. And and now now like again, it goes back to this being spoiled, right? Because now, <laughs> you know, you're like I want to read a comic. I'll, I'll just go online and and download the the JPEGs of it right. and just read it that way. And it's just like everything's everything's too easy. You kids, you kids have it too easy to get the stuff. We didn't have it like that when mm. we were young. We couldn't just go on the internets and download stuff. We had to find people who had VHS tapes and they'd have to like make a copy of their VHS tape that was copied off somebody else's that was copied off somebody else's. <laughs> and now and now I complain if it doesn't uh if the HD feed doesn't come right, in quick exactly. enough yeah, for like now, five now seconds. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now it's like now you're like, oh, 
<laughs> you mean the, you mean this Crunchyroll stream is only stream is only 720p instead of 1080p? This is this is this my seven. Where's my seven dollars going every yeah. month? Yeah. <clears throat> well. Well, on that note, uh, we are ending 2014 with uh, quite the show. And uh, the next time our listeners hear us, it'll be a new year. So I want to thank everyone for hanging in there. Uh, For Shidoshi, myself, Anthony, uh, thank you for all of the support. Uh, Give us a shot. Send us some more tweets, some more mail, and uh, we'd love to... uh, Send, send us back issues of Smile and send, Mixzine. Send us back That's issues I... <laughs> of Smile, Mixzine, any dual-armed Samus Amiibos, and legless oh, Princess Peach. So, so you've, you've, you've seen the dual-armed Samus. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are in the market for those. Or um, last-minute gift ideas, any of the limited edition PlayStation 4 20th anniversary oh, yeah. consoles. Sure, sure. Yes, yeah. Just send me one of those. <laughs> Yeah. So, I I tell you what I will make I will make anybody out there a deal. Okay, <laughs> I have a I have a white <laughs> PS4 sitting here, and I have um, three PS4 games on my game shelf. You send me a limited edition PS4, I will send you that PS4 in those three games. I I will I will happily send those over to you. There's got to be something unique I have. Mm. And my PS4, by the way, has a one terabyte hard drive in it. Ooh. So I'm just saying. That's enticing. Just saying. Well. As 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 the limited edition goes for like two thousand dollars <laughs> on eBay currently. <laughs> Coming over me, I feel it all around me. I've been waiting for this moment all my life. It's my destiny. There's a tide inside of me, it's waiting to come out now. No matter what, no matter how, I know I'll make it through somehow. Cause when the world feels so long, I'll still be holding on. I'm gonna keep on going, I know I'll be strong.
spirits in this rock and roll. Oh. 